My name is James Rowlands. In 2015, I teamed up with my friend Dan White to create the Dubbing Our podcast. Since then, we have been giving you everything that's happened on the WWE Network. Now, in 2018, not only are we live for the Big Four events and every NXT TakeOver, but we celebrate 20 years since the birth of the Attitude Era. Plus, every month we bring you 205 Live, collections, new content, WWE pay-per-views and latest news on the WWE Network. Until we have watched everything, we are with you and we are the WNR. Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and as always, I'm joined by... Dan White. And it's the WNR 143 today. It's the W Network Review for February. But before we start, every week we like to do intros, and this week's alternate intro, here we go. Pop quiz, hotshot. There's a bomb on the bus. Once the bus goes over 50 miles an hour, the bomb is armed. If it it blows up. What do you do, Dan? What do you do? And that is, of course, from the film... The bus that couldn't <laughs> slow down. It was on speed, but what are you going to do, Dan? What would you do um, in that situation? Situation. You just situation. got. You've just got a phone call. Well, what I would do is I would figure out quite early on that someone's filming me, and then get this. I would get the camera van to link to link into it. I'd get um, everyone to stand still, and I'd record it on a loop. Yeah. <laughs> You, you're telling me. And then I would get a, like a like a transporter, like a flatbed low loader to pull up next to me and get everyone off it. And then eventually me and the leading woman, the woman who was driving the bus, yeah. we'd get on like a, on a tray thing and we'd scoot underneath the bus to get off of it. Was good. But then you'd be caught in like a kind of tube station situation as well, wouldn't situation. you? In and a bad guy, well me, preferably would be on top of the bus and I'll be like, I'm cleverer than you, I'm better than you, I'm better. And then you'll lift my head up, it'll get knocked off and then you'll say the line, yeah, well I'm taller. <laughs> and that is what I love speed. <laughs> Not, not in that speed, but I love the film speed. Keanu Reeves in that is brilliant. I mean, that line itself. But you can't forget my main lady, Sandy B. Yes. Oh, I loved her. I, lo- I used to get bullied by family members so much as a, a young child. Then she went on to make Speed 2, which I thought, okay, maybe not. Cruise control. So anyway, <laughs> which is on Netflix. Uh, so yes, this is the network review for February. So yeah, WWE Network Collections, February 2018, and we start off with celebrating Black History. Every year, the WWE Network celebrate Black History Month for a, for a very important reason, and that's to acknowledge and show appreciation for the contributions of important African Americans throughout history, from great leaders to everyday citizens, from business and politics to sports and entertainment. These influences helped shape the tapestry of America and impacted the WWE Universe in countless ways. Celebrate Black History Month with this WWE Network collection featuring inspiring, inspirational pioneers like Bobo Brazil, Ron Simmons, Booker T, plus current game changers like Sasha Banks and New Day. And like I say, WWE have done this on their network, so it's basically all the old stuff that they do, like WWE uh, Legends Roundtable celebrating Black History Month. Plus new ones like we say with Naomi and Sasha Banks. Right, next collection time. Well, on <coughs> sorry, oh, just uh, on the back, back. on the other side of the coin. Why don't we get a White History Month? Isn't the other eleven months celebrating White History, Dan? I don't see colour, James. Oh well, yeah. Right, next collection. 
the best collection that you could ever, ever get. And that is Alexa Bliss, Five Feet of Fury. And whenever the goddess graces a dope her presence, all should bow at her feet. And I'd go a bit higher than her feet, but that's just me. Easy, Tiger. Resourceful, confident, and brash. Alexa Bliss knows how to get just what she wants. Championship glory. Never one to pass up the opportunity to boast. Little Miss Bliss hosts this network collection of devilish moments from her already impressive career. And you can relive many of Alexa's memorable clashes both in ring and on the mic. Such as superstar uh, with such superstars as Bailey, Mickey James, Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks. Watching this collection guarantees to be fun, entertaining and pure bliss. Yeah, I know you're a huge fan of Alexa Bliss and you did get in contact with WWE Network and they have uh, sorted out a collection for you there. I'd like to go through that and watch all of Alexa Bliss's uh, matches that she's basically had in WWE. No, the first ever woman to win the Raw and SmackDown Women's Cha- Championship. Move on to our next collection, and it is new classic content, February 2018, in the classic WWE home videos. I never thought they'd do this, and it's actually a brilliant idea. Classic WWE home videos from the 80s and early 90s are now available on the WWE Network. Originally distributed by Coliseum Home Video, takes me back, and f- like Silver Vision. Uh, anybody at home is <laughs> Silver Vision, eh? And featuring W Hall of Famers like Andre Giant, Shawn Michaels, Yokozuna and Ric Flair, to name just a few. Which titles include Bloopers Bleep, fuck me, Bloopers Bleeps and Body Slams. Quite funny I fucked that up, even though it says... Well, we're going to put a beep in where you yeah, said yeah, yeah. Next one. Unusual Matches. Yep. Big. Small. Strange. Strong. Grudge Match 86. Villains of the Squared Circle. Inside the Steel Cage. Grand Slams. Most Embarrassing Moments. Brains Behind the Brawn. Super Tape. Wrestling Superheroes. WrestleFest 90. Wrestling Tough Guys. World Tour 90. Super Hottest Matches. Super Tape 3. Funniest Moments. Mega Matches. Greatest Hits. Super Tape 4. WrestleFest 91. Wrestling's Greatest Champions. World Tour 91. Battle at the Royal Albert Hall. Rampage 91. Super Tape 92. Invasion 92. Euro Rampage 92. Crunch Classic. WrestleFest 92. World Tour 92. Rampage 92. WrestleFest 93. Smack'em Whack'em. UK Rampage 93. Bashed in the USA. And who can forget Invasion of a Body Slammers. They do not make titles like this anymore. We have to have pay-per-views like Great Balls of Fire. Okay, new content. We've got W Music Power 10. That was December 2017. Looking at the top 10 for the month. January 15th, Ride Along. Owen Zane, Usos and Naomi. It was 16 minutes 45 long, the episode. And three hour journey they had to take. And we're going to just look at a couple of minutes of this. So we've got Usos and Naomi. We see them four. And Zane and Owens. So Jimmy's mad to Naomi who are in front. Jay's in the back. So they made it easier for us on Ride Along. And this is just after Clash of Champions. And now they're going to the next show, which is going to be Raw the following night. All right. You start, I eat. Switch. You know the deal. When I start, you go yourself. I can't use that. Oh, sh- Oko. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, man. He's seen up. He's seen up. He's seen up. Banging on your head like the Sandman would do. Ah, oh, you splashed me. <laughs> it's not me. It's Stop. the can. It's the can. <laughs> I feel like when I watch this, if 
I, I'm a lot better driving with you giving instructions than I am the other way. <laughs> like, if we were going to a three-hour show after you were doing the driving, I would get us lost in the end. Why am I driving? You said you were going to eat without stuffing fake chicken in your face right now. It's a tofu bok choy sesame gimmick. I've never even heard <laughs> of bok choy. It's a Chinese vegetable, I believe. <laughs> We switch now? No, 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 no. What do you mean? That was just the uh, appetite. Meal one. That's right. Time I haven't eaten two. all day, man. Oh, no. The fake chicken comes now. Try it. It's I'm so not good. It. Why? Tell me why. I'm not trying uh, it. <laughs> Try it. Don't throw that over my window. That's so wasteful and it's littering. Finish your <laughs> fake chicken. <laughs> That's one box. <laughs> so he's got another box. They, so they start playing Guess the uh, Tag Team theme song. And, but you can see Sammy and Owens are really best friends. And how lucky that Jim and Naomi can travel being husband and wife. Hope one of them doesn't get traded to Raw. That might cause Elite and Edge problems. So the first ladder match, your hometown, 50 people. And then in front of 100,000 people at WrestleMania. All right, so then they arrive nice and safely. Naomi's asleep with the Usos. You ready to do that? You did it. I thought you knew. Are you ready? Here, 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 here. Time to go. All right. Oh, my God, that was terrifying. Oh, no, my salad. That was my salad. What happened to it? Squished it. Oh, God, that, that styrofoam took a beating. It's the end of our journey. Yep. Are we safe and sound now, though? Yep. <laughs> Is that a terrible ending? Yep. <laughs> what the f? What is this lobby? Oh, upstairs. Sorry. Zane and I really made me laugh in that. They kind of reminded us of uh, us two, you know, the kind of... On a road trip. Yeah, a little skinny one, the fat one, who's got the talent. Uh, you know, it's like, so anyway, we move on. Skinny one that everyone likes more. <laughs> yeah. More popular with the fans, yep. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Dan, what did you think of Ryan on what you saw? Yeah, you know, it's quite entertaining. It's, it's a good way of seeing, like, you know, how they travel from place to place and... You know, they, they've certainly got their, their own little cliques with inside, you know, their, their good friendships, obviously, yep. you know, Owens and Zane. Uh, you know, I wouldn't have thought they'd probably talk as much as they do when they're not being filmed for the ride along. But, you know, it is good to see, get an insight of yeah. how they get from show to show. And what's good to see is that they've been together, like I said, the, the first match that they had in each other's hometowns, first ladder match together. They've been friends for, you know, since they've ever met 15, 20 years now. And it's good to see that they can still have fun, even though we see how hard the travel is. You know, they've just had a pay-per-view. You have to travel three hours to get to the show. That's on Monday night, you know. So to be able to still be that in, in quite good spirits. So I quite like Ride Long for only, you know, it's 15, 20 minutes long. Yeah. It's harmless. Another program I quite like is WWE Photoshoots just started 5th of February. Last ones we watched with Cesaro and The Miz, which we enjoyed. This one's got Eric Bischoff, uh, so it should be good. But unfortunately, it's only 20 and the only focus on WWE the first eight minutes but uh we'll have a look at the pictures this is unbelievable just look at the start of this 
It was such a roller coaster of a relationship between these two. One minute they were like brothers, next minute they were like an estranged married couple that couldn't stand being in the same room with each other. The worst kept secret in the world is that I hate Hollywood Hulk Hogan. I don't like you at all, brother. The intensity in the history, quite frankly, escalated to some extremely tense moments. But it also led to some of the most memorable moments throughout the career of both Randy and Hulk, both in WCW and WWE. So, yeah, they show Macho and Hogan. Bischoff says, like, how much they actually hated each other, which now we'll really find out. I mean, it's a, like I said, worst kept secret in professional wrestling. These two men couldn't stand each other. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of, I think Macho was in TNA back, back in the day. And uh, he was calling Hogan out, and Hogan actually met him in the car park match and just, like, ran away from it. So, back then again, Hogan was the all-powerful guy, wasn't he? You know? Yeah, So, what, what yeah. ran with Hogan? And, of course, Bischoff, you know, was the kind of lucky at the time. You might have had a blast. Bit of a dickhead, though. Look at this one. Fucking hell. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Karate Kid. I was a black belt and competed in a lot of tournaments around the country. I got my porn mustache going on. That was, you know, it was a fun part of my life. So we've just seen, like we said, poor mustache. And then we talk about the first night show that we have watched on the podcast before. Being in the Mall of America because they couldn't draw a crowd at that point. You know, yeah. being very, very... Then he show a picture of Sid and he says, um, well, he still he never had a problem with Sid, didn't he? No, you know, and he, you know there's, uh, he's famously documented to having problems with certain wrestlers. But Sid, you know, he was just a down-to-earth guy. And, uh, yeah, you know, he was he was just laid back. Yeah, and then they talk about the Tonight Show and Jay Leno taking over that, which dominated 1998. So, yeah, the only focus on WWE for the first eight minutes of it. After that, the Raw GM, what did you think of Bishop as Raw General Manager? I thought he was quite entertaining. You know, he, he still had this kind of Eric Bischoff from WCW. You know, it was, uh, yeah, you know, I'd... I'd, I'd quite like Eric Bischoff I think he's a great character yeah and, and that's what he talks about as well they they, they show Vince buying WCW and then Bischoff becoming general manager why did Vince do that Bischoff said because you know he knew what was best for business at the time and characterised Bischoff would put himself out there to do basically anything Vince McMahon would let him do which led to a couple of things it led to a big dick on uh, Eric you know do you remember big dick Johnson when he's hanging around with DX. No. Big fat guy in a thong, basically, and he uh, attacked Bischoff. We had uh, HLA. Who can forget that? Hot lesbian action. Hot lesbian action. Three-minute warning when he was there at the wedding of Billy and Chuck. And I favourite uh, segments when he pulled off the, the mask and, yeah. you know, Stephanie realised what was going on. And then, of course, with Austin as Kojio. I mean, how many moments do these two men have together, you know? Exactly, yeah. These two clashed like fire and ice. They did. And Mae Young, of course, giving the Bronco Buster yeah. to Bischoff, where she was uh, sardined up, so to speak. Then, you know, cause the thing with Bischoff is that he, he says it like it is. He talks about Austin, and he moves on to Paul Heyman. Wow, what a shot, right? I've actually got this photograph. It's one of the ones that I held on to. I think the look in Vince's face says it all. I want to see which one of these two is really able to bring it. For me, it was fun. A lot of you people here may like Paul Heyman because he used to run a couple rinky-dink little shows in some run-down bingo hall. There was this heat in the fans' minds existed between he and I. What the fuck? What the fuck? 
The truth is, he and I were pretty good friends. Paul and I have got a long history that goes back to probably 1987. All right, thank you, Jim Ross. Excuse me, Paulie Dangerously. Paul is an amazing guy to work with, one of the most creative, intense people that I know, passionate for the business, and the man can work a mic. <laughs> oh, what there. a moment to pause it on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but, I mean, but lovely words for Bischoff to Heyman there. Considering yeah. in, the, uh, in the 90s that one was the owner, well, one was running WWE, one on ECW, so many problems. And But it's true what he says about Heyman, though, isn't it? You know, it, yeah. Heyman was great on the mic. Uh, and I think Bischoff, to his credit, is, is good as well, you know. Yeah, and, you know, as they say, you know, both these men, they do have a great passion for the business. Yeah. So <laughs> then 17 minutes uh, talking about Bischoff creating the Elimination Chamber. Ah, uh, the Elimination Chamber. One of the greatest creations of my career. When I debut the Elimination Chamber, fans are going to witness not only history in the making, but they're going to be watching as Eric Bischoff lays the groundwork for the future of this industry. I worked long and hard to try to think about a way that I could not only create a match that would the imagination of the wrestling audience but to create a physical structure that became a living breathing monster if you will in itself and out of the mind of Eric Bischoff came the elimination chamber <laughs> to this day I still have people reaching out to me regularly thanking me for inventing and creating the elimination chamber or while we're left let's see what our first match is going to be and the fact is, I would like to take credit for some of the great things that I had the opportunity to be involved with and make it feel like was my creation. But the truth is, I had nothing to do with it. But it was fun. So we had nothing to do with it, but it was fun. So that stops a misconception that he did create the Elimination yeah. Chamber, I suppose. But it's what Bischoff likes to do. Let me see the trial of Bischoff, where he finally left. The uh, WWE with Vince dumping easy in the uh, trash van, I've put, but... Yes. Yeah, that would be fine enough. The, um, trash van. The garage, the, gar- gar- uh, the rubbish truck. Garbage truck. Garbage truck, if it were. And then, yeah, Bishop's idea was Vince to throw him in the, in the rubbish because they wanted Cena to do it. And he said, well, what's the point when Vince has had all my problem- problems with me? He loved that moment as well, said it was one of his favourites. Uh, so that was Bishop for photo shoot. Dan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, again, you know, it is good looking down uh, memory lane with Eric Bischoff and you get his insight into certain little things, you know. And just what a remarkable query. Yeah. No, it really is. Like I said, we've got a lot of time for Eric Bischoff. So anything like this, I, it's just a shame it's not longer. I could have done an hour with uh, Bischoff on this programme. We'd like to watch the ride along and photo shoot and other things. And there was a new wrong and it was uh, the Battle Club. And the Ballad of Elias. It was on February the 12th, 2018. And this is one that I actually watched, you know, mainly for the GPD because I'm a huge fan of his guitar playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not so struck on the Ballad Club, but no, you know, it was entertaining. And you, you watched one as well. You watched uh, WrestleMania Orlando. Uh, that's a WWE 24 series. And they go backstage and follow the superstars behind the curtain at WrestleMania. Florida, and that was on January the 28th, 2018. Yeah, I'll go into that in a bit more detail. Just give us a couple of more... Uh, you you mentioned a couple of things about the ride-along 
episode and what you liked and what you didn't like about it. Just elaborate on that. Um, well, I thoroughly enjoyed the Battle Club side of things because they was uh, they was telling stories about you know what happened on the road, mainly in New Japan Pro Wrestling. There was quite a funny moment where uh, it was Finn Balor against Samoa Joe. Finn Balor had these light blue trunks on. And uh, Joe had been busted open. I think you might have heard this story. And Balor had a bit of sweat going on in his ass crack. And uh, he picked him up for a muscle buster. And it was pointed at the hard camera. And it looked like Balor had shat himself. <laughs> but, you know, and of course, the, the, the Twitter sphere went wild saying Balor shat himself during a match with Samoa Joe. <laughs> that was quite comical. And uh, another thing that surprised me is that they actually referred to the Bullet Club as the Bullet Club. You know, they allowed that to go and, you know, well, it started off with, uh, I didn't think they was going to reference it because right at the beginning in the car, they had uh, mock bullet holes in the back of it and they was like, oh yeah, it must be an insider joke and, you know, laughed about that. But no, that was entertaining. There was the AJ Styles cardboard cutout and they was all doing their impressions of AJ Styles, (laughs) which was funny. Uh, I think Anderson, he even attempted a Finn Balor impression, which didn't go down quite as well, but... (laughs) That was entertaining. The only thing I didn't like, he was at GPD. He kind of stayed in character as a guitar-playing douche. And he was just, you know, strumming his guitar, singing a few songs. Uh, he did have a phone call from Bailey, who's, of course, his mixed match challenge tag team partner. And he says, yeah, Bailey calls me like five or six times a day. And, like, you know, he answered it, had it on loudspeaker and that. She's like, oh, you do actually answer your phone. Like, you know... <laughs> Uh, we've not spoken for a while and he's like playing it quite yeah 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 you know and she's like oh what you want to be out rah rah and he's like yeah and he's like yeah I'll speak to you later and basically hung up the phone <laughs> on her that was quite entertaining but you know I didn't enjoy the the GPD side of things the, the Elias side of things but yeah the Battle Club was definitely funny they told some good stories uh, and I enjoyed that aspect of it yeah yeah, and I think the, the, the really enjoyable thing about these programs that we're finding now or the thing I particularly like is the behind-the-scenes kind of thing and the backstage uh, goings-on. And that links us personal manual Orlando, the WWE 24 series. I've just got a few notes here. WWE have done this the last few years. Uh, so every WrestleMania base, you've seen the backstage ones. They always release it January time because it is the start of the road to WrestleMania. Uh, and it's Naomi. This, so these are just basic notes I did last night. So Naomi in her hometown... Um, and uh, she had all the gimmick changes, but nice shoes, and she's feeling the glow now at WrestleMania. She's with Jimmy backstage. Uh, she was injured in February, had to rehab, but she made it to W Access and, of course, the WrestleMania card. Uh, we see the Hall of Fame, which happened on a Friday with Kurt Angle and John Cena. Kurt was excited and glad Cena inducted him. We see shitload of legends. Nikki says John is a gentle giant. And we see Cena induction speech and parts of Kurt Angle's. Cena says that Kurt is the most gifted performer of all time. Whereas Angle says Cena is greatest because of his longevity. Now, we always have arguments who's the greatest wrestler of all time. But it's how they... Like, saying he's the most gifted performer of all time is not saying he's the greatest WWE superstar of all time. He's not saying he's the greatest wrestler of all time. So you could have Sean, you could have Steve Austin as like greatest WWE superstar... Uh, Angle greatest performer and Shawn Michaels greatest wrestler but every time like uh, uh, one of these guys come back they kind of create this new thing for him do you know what I mean like yeah. the greatest icon of all time or you know these, these things so, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, Hulk Hogan you know exactly yeah the well, biggest legend of all time it's well like, you know it's they, they kind of be a bit specific about it because you know it, it's quite well documented that John Cena is not the greatest wrestler 
of all time. You know, he kind of runs through the motions, spends the whole match getting beaten down, comes back, hits an AA or a super AA or the STF, and that's basically it. But, you know, he's on the mic. He's he's brilliant. Yeah, you know, yeah, he's yeah. no CM Punk. No. <laughs> but, you know, he, he certainly has got that aspect about him, and he does like to play off the fans' reaction. Uh, and as as far as longevity goes, yeah, you know, he's he's certainly got that in bundles. You know, I, don't, I wouldn't so much say, he, well, I don't know, I, you could say he adapts to the times because, you know, you see the early John Cena, he was spanking Seth, Stephanie. Yeah. He was uh, the doctor of thugonomics. He was rap battling fans outside arenas and so on and so forth. And, you know, he's kind of evolved into a PG type gimmick and he's, you know, all about the fans. We saw him... Uh, after a match on Raw and he goes out and sees this disabled fan, gives him his armband, yeah. you know, and he's he's very respectful in that way as as far as Make-A-Wish yeah. goes as well. So. Well, exactly that. And I think the thing is, if you look at uh, WWE in the past 10, 15 years, if you've been a star in WWE, you've had a match against John Cena. And I think that's what you look at. You know, everybody that came through, even people like Sabu and, you know, other people you might not think had matches with John Cena have gone through him, uh, uh, you know, going into the WWE. Look at what he's done in recent years with Kevin Owens and uh, all, Rusev, Bray Wyatt, all these kind of new guys. that He has beaten, don't get me wrong, but they do still have a match against Cena. Uh, and this is, like I say, WrestleMania folks on Orlando last year. It's only a year ago, but for me, it seems a lot longer. And to watch yeah. it back thinking, oh, fucking hell, yeah, that did happen, didn't it? Yeah, I, I remember that, yeah. So we see the Miz and Maurice in the morning. They talk about... The uh, four-way feud they had last with Cena and Nikki Bella. Uh, they say it's based on truth. And then, like, I really like these moments. We see the stadium before anybody's there. So you see the whole setup, and we see all the superstars and the fans are arriving as well. It's nine years since it was in Orlando at WrestleMania 24. Uh, and WrestleMania 24, for me, was one of my favourite WrestleManias. We see Goldberg excited and Alexa Bliss there as well. Three years ago, she was in Triple H's entrance at WrestleMania, and now she's competing in the uh, women's. I think she came, you know, Triple H was dressed in gold, and it was yeah. like, I think Charlotte might have been there as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, And they were taking her off. Uh, show faced Mayweather at WrestleMania 24, and he was, of course, at Orlando last year. He said, uh, I'm in the Battle Royal, so I'll be first on, and, you know, and I'll be able to sit down and enjoy the show afterwards. Uh, Charlotte watched her dad retire in the crowd at WrestleMania 24, and now she was in action. First time we've really seen behind the um, the character of what you know it wasn't she seemed humble it wasn't like kind of this brash Charlotte Flair character that we know. Well, she's gone from being a heel to a facey yeah. type character now as well, hasn't she? So, but she seemed genuinely, you know, Ric Flair was there backstage seeing her get ready and that, and you could tell that the emotion was in the air. We all see the Undertaker arriving as well, and uh, to see him under that character is amazing because he's not allowed on the Hall of Fame. Because he wants to stay in the Undertaker character, but yet we see Mark Calloway arriving at the arena. He talks about numerous injuries, saying that make sure he's got gas in a tank, and he doesn't want to become a parody of himself. They deserve the people who pay the tickets deserve the best Undertaker, and he keeps referring to himself as an old guy as well. Crowd, I mean, the Undertaker, he is an old guy, but I think I feel he's he's hard harder on himself than anybody else's because of the respect that everybody holds the Undertaker in, you know. Uh, it, I find it amazing that he himself is more worried about his performance. The, if you look at someone like Ric Flair, who carried on way past what he should have done, uh, compared to the Untaker, you know? Well, you know, he, he refers to himself as an old guy, but he's he's 52. I know he's he's been through the ringer a lot, but, you know, 52, there was rest, 
Ric Flair was wrestling till his till he was ninety. How old's Triple H? Because I know the Undertaker's fifty two, and he might be old. But I know John Cena now is in his forties, and wrestlers do last a bit longer. Ric Flair went far long, far too long. Same with Terry Funk and people like that. Forty-eight, so four years difference. Yeah, exactly. And you think the Undertaker, you're like, wow, he's been around. The Triple H still wants to be relevant in the main events as well. Yeah. So it's it's a bit weird when you look at that. Nikki at the previous WrestleMania was in a net brace coming down to the ring, so this time yeah, she was excited about it. Unfortunately, a couple of weeks before Mania, she injured herself trying to spear Breezango. Leave it. Uh, she hurt herself. Cena was actually concerned. She had a cut on her head, and he checks. You can see him break character, basically, and going, like, are you all right? You, what, what happened here, you know? Uh, which is a bit weird for John Cena being the kind of consummate professional. Everybody's saying, will he ask her to marry her? Uh, <laughs> you said Willie. <laughs> we don't know. Uh, Rollins. Oh, so Nikki Bella's talking. All of a sudden, Rollins' music hits, right, because she's out in an empty stadium. And Seth Rollins is coming out, practicing his entrance. So he's got, like, the fire, and he's like, he walks out, and he's like, one, two, three, four, and I'm like, one, two, three, four, and then I'm walking down. I just love the fact that at WrestleMania, biggest show, like, you, Rollins is coming out, he's just going, one, two, three, four, you know, as far as fire's concerned, you don't want another Undertaker moment where he gets burnt <laughs> yeah, and... Yeah, yeah. Reigns is out, and then he says the ramp is very long. He said he likes a, lo- a short walk, he likes a long walk to the ring, but this is ridiculous. Uh, he's, then he said it's his big, his third big mania moment, but this is the biggest. Of course, he had Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 31, Triple H 32, and now The Undertaker 33. Yeah, it's 34 this year, isn't it? I forget because they don't do numbers anymore. JBL says, whatever Reigns does in the next 20 years, this is the biggest moment of his career. JR said that this could be Undertaker's last match, and he's a cultural phenomenon. Again, the number one wrestler who's a cultural phenomenon. <laughs> it's like, well, wait a minute here. What are we going to do? Cena's just walking around having fun. Naomi is stress-free, and she is ready to go as well. There's over 70,000 people at ramp in WrestleMania history. It is 80 yards, which oh. in comparison, I tried to look at comparisons yesterday, and, oh, where's my phone? It mean it's four-fifths the size of the Statue of Liberty. We, we have the kickoff and others getting ready. We shall not talk about last year's uh, kickoff at Mania. We've seen a new day's, <laughs> we've seen a new day's hosts. AJ comes out, he says he's going to steal the show. And then it's quite cool, we see the Hardys arriving in secret, literally with hoods up over the head and getting uh, thrown into the back. Matt says we're returning home. They show a clip of WrestleMania 16 with Jeff and the Ladder. Will we have anything like that tonight? And it's quite funny because then the bloke comes in and goes, hey guys, you're on fifth. (laughs) Which, again, is behind the scenes type of stuff. Shane loses to AJ, of course, and the Hardys getting ready. Owens versus Jericho, we see highlights already. We see the women's match. Charlotte has more pyro. Uh, she comes out of fireworks. They say it's exactly the same entrance as Ric Flair had at WrestleMania 24. And then Rick's in the back and going, God damn, she's got more pyro than I had. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Rick. That's, that's what you want to say. Uh, <laughs> right, where, where are we? So then, yeah, they show the New Day coming out and saying there's another tag team being added. Huge pop. You see the New Day coming back afterwards and the big fucking pop that was. Like, what <laughs> pop that? We've not heard anything like that. Jeff then off the top of the ladder, kind of looking back at WrestleMania 16, what he did, and then repeating it last year. Uh, and the bump itself, he goes through, meant to go to two ladders. I think he just takes out Sheamus and leaves Cesaro, which yeah. is even more sickening when you fucking look back on it. Uh, big Show 
was so surprised when Hardy's came back through the curtain. He grabbed him. He's like, you guys, you didn't tell me you were back. He's <laughs> like, sorry, we had to keep... And AJ Styles again, really pleased to see him. If anybody's wondering why AJ is happy to see him, because the Hardys and AJ worked in TNA for a number of years. Yeah. That people might not make that association. 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 And then there's a lot of stuff. There are some. Matt says it's the coolest moment of his career. Uh, and then it's Bliss and the six-pack challenge. Nerve-wracking for her, but ring the same size. So once she gets there... Won't make a difference. Naomi tapped out Bliss to win title. And what a moment for her. We talked about all the gimmick changes with Naomi in her hometown at WrestleMania, winning the championship. Even though they've kind of forgotten about her now, it was a lovely moment for her back then, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Then the Miz and Cena. Again, they they asked Miz, Miz said it's his favourite moment. They can show the kids that him and Maurice came out at WrestleMania. Cena again says it's the greatest moment that he's ever had. Uh, but Cena again breaks character because as he's doing his WrestleMania, he's throwing a hat into the crowd. He sees his mum and he's like, holy shit, my mum is here! And he didn't know she was there. So he, goes, he says she never really understood wrestling and her being there is a really big surprise for him. Which again, for Cena being around for 15 years, to still have those moments that you haven't seen of him, yeah. I've, I still think it's quite cool. After the match, of course, Cena proposes. But damn, four and a half years together before this proposal. So now it's five, five and a half years. When will they be married? <laughs> like, 10? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, no, that long. Uh... Well, Vince hugs Nikki afterwards, and Vince McMahon he was the only one who knew about it, apart from John Cena, of course, and he seemed quite happy about it. Vince was there through it all in gorilla position, looking through the show. Uh, great, they said it's the greatest moment of their lives. Rollins getting ready, and we see highlights. Uh, after the match, Triple H and Rollins, Vince thanks Seth. And and Seth gets really emotional because he missed last year's WrestleMania because or the following you know WrestleMania what it was thirty two because of injury. Yeah. This year uh, he made it. He fought Triple H and he and he kind of had like this kind of build up of emotions and he, he seemed quite happy. And Vince is like, "You'll be proud of that one, goddammit. it!" <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, Taker looks rough just walking backstage to the ring. We see the highlights. I don't mind the match, but I know many people didn't like the Undertaker Reigns match. Dan, what were your thoughts on it last year? Um, if you can even, as I said, it's a long time ago now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No, I thought it, it was a good match. You know, it, one of the ones I think it was more of the moment after it that I remember more than the actual match itself. Yeah, which was Undertaker leaving his his uh, coat, gloves, and hat in the ring and kind of walking away, and you see. <laughs> Grown men crying in the crowd, um, but not an official retirement. Not a f- no, official. No no no, 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 no. Taker gets a standing O. We get highlights on the whole show. So final thoughts. I feel looking back on it, if we're condensing WrestleMania into like a highlights package, for me the moment was the Hardys making their appearance at WrestleMania. I don't think there was any standout single matches. Look, I know they all said it was the greatest moments of their careers. But I think if when we look at next year's uh, WWE 24, they'll be saying that about this year's WrestleMania as well. Yeah. Uh, so I think it wasn't a great WrestleMania, but the whole program and seeing the process and just how fucking huge it is, it is a task, you know. And the, the other things that I liked was that like Owens was there and with Big Cass, and they were both saying like, Oh, when last time WrestleMania was here, we we had seats, you know, and they were trying to find their seats in the, you know, like, oh, look up there, that's where we were sitting last time. Yeah. So it seems like there's a lot more fans. The wrestlers now are fans of the actual yeah. occasion, you know. WrestleMania is so big because you know they all like us watched the Attitude Era when it was something, and now what WrestleMania has become. I do love the WWE 24 series. Don't get me wrong, uh, and I'm 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 glad I, I watched it and. 
uh, the seeing the Undertaker out of character for me was the kind of like, oh shit, it's it's nearly the end now. You know, the Undertaker character itself, it, it has only got maybe one, two WrestleMania, I think, matches left. Um, and then they will go to having this kind of Mark Calloway talking about, well, when I played the Undertaker for, for you know, 30 years, this is what I was yeah. like. The Undertaker character will be um, officially finished. So anyway, move on, and it is 205 Live. So 205 Live, episode 62, January 30, 30th, and it's a new face of 205 Live. Uh, yes, Brian opened the show with a man who is recognisable has been watching TNA for the past few years. Rockstar Spud was named as the new general manager of 205 Live, but he wasn't introduced by the moniker anyone familiar with his work will recognise. His new name is Maverick. Drake Maverick. Drake Maverick? Yes, that's right, folks. WWE actually named him Drake Maverick. Let that sink in for a moment before proceeding with the rest of this recap. Mummy, what other names would have been even worse? Like Spencer Coghorn. <laughs> Max Power. <laughs> uh, Mark DeBrain. His first order announced a 16-man tournament to crown a new Cruiserweight champion with the final taking place at WrestleMania. Hmm. As far as introductions to the WWE Universe go... This was as about as weak as they come. Spud did his best under the circumstances, but this was rushed. So this is Drake Maverick coming out. And look at him, and he's so cute. Look at his suit as well. He's spent so much time under a sunbed, it's unbelievable. Well, there was on Twitter people being horrible. Why are you wearing a green suit and orange? You look like an Oompa Loompa, you know? So. Doopa dee do. So that's what Drake Maverick looks like. I mean, have you got high hopes for Drake, Dan? Higher than he is tall. WWE assumes fans will know who he is from his time in TNA, but that is being generous. The reason people know AJ Styles is because he was around when TNA was at its height in popularity. Spud was only around during the downward spiral that came years later. Hopefully, with time and effort, Maverick can become a respectable authority figure in the division. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, Jake Mav- Drake Maverick, though, sounds like a rejected name for a bad screenplay about Reckless Secret Agent. Yes, um... The idea of a tournament to crown a new champion is interesting, but Cedric Alexander would be right to feel cheated out of the opportunity he earned before the title was vacated. And haven't we done this before? I know, we're doing it all over again with a new CWC. And Maverick makes Brian look tall in in comparison there. And he actually did. Brian uh, dwarfed over him. Dwarfed over him? Is that the right expression? Anyway, moving on. He was like a dwarf among midgets. He was. Right, first match was Cedric Alexander versus Grand Metallic. The Cruiserweight Championship Tournament is an opportunity for WWE to put together some interesting combinations we haven't seen a thousand times. Well, WWE wasted no time in giving us a babyface versus babyface match when Alexander battled the man who made it all the way to the finals of the Cruiserweight Classics with TJP, Grand Metallic. Well, Metallic and Alexander are similar enough like, to fly. They are bigger than most of the other cruiserweights and can work a more technical style if they need to. So let's see how they start off now. Alexander's got the arm. Oh, no, wait a minute. Metallic has got the arm. Yeah, oh, sorry no, about wait that. Wait a minute. Yeah, I've got to say, Metallic has got the arm of... Oh, wait a minute. No, hang on. Cedric Alexander now has got the arm. No, he's, he's got, gone into a headlock. So he's got the head of Graham. Met- What's that, Is my love? love? Alexander. No, no longer got the headlock. Oh, does a roll, that's nice. Leapfrog by Alexander. Oh, Pele into a Hurricane Rana of sorts. And Metallic saying, yep, you got me there. 
So Metallic... <coughs> Look, goes my team. Oh, nice flip there by Metallic as well, dodging Alexander. Oh, and a hesitant to take down for him, but Alexander nips straight up onto his feet and says, no, 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 you're not getting me like that, sunshine. And Metallic, like you said, made it to the finals. Your pick in the uh, CWC, Dad. Do you see him being in first round action here tonight? Uh, not against the man who was supposed to be getting a title shot. Not really, no. No, and I do see Alexander going all the way to the final. I think that's the only fair way of doing things. But it'd be interesting to see. I mean, it's a 16-man tournament, isn't it? Is that what he said? Isn't it? Yes. Yes, yes, yes it, it is. Did. Yes, it did. So, yeah, 16-man tournament. So, we're going to see a lot of interest. Eight first-round matches. Of course, we've got two here tonight. We see the Cruiserweight title there in the distance. Metallic working on the arm of Alexander, but... Alexander at the moment in time not really worn him down and now Metallic maybe going to go flying no now Alexander off the top with a lovely elbow and nips his way back to his feet Metallic has rolled for the outside for safety but he's not going to be safe as Alexander comes flying over a lovely somersault and takes out Metallic rolls through and lands on his feet that was impressive I don't know how much impact he got on Metallic but like you said he rolled through so he saved himself throws Metallic back in going for the cover but Gravitali kicks out. Uh. I said you're going to wear down Metallic. Well, he's attempting to choke out. He's attempting to choke him out with his own hands. Graham Metallic is uh, looking to be in a bit of trouble here. Yeah, but you got to remember, like we said, we made it to the final CWC, so he knows what it's all about. Trying to get through. Cedric's got a point to prove as well because he was, I say, the last number one contender. So this is an interesting matchup. Both of these men have been friendly as well, haven't they? So. This is all about the competition. This It does hark back to CWC days. Who's just going to be the better man? Cedric wore down Metallic then, but Metallic again gets... But for both these men, you know, they're used to fast-paced matches. It's a bit slower than normal. Yeah, but they've both got a technical side that maybe we haven't seen too much. It's just that they're given enough time. Metallic going for the Hurricane there. But Alexander catching him, lifting him up. Oh, but Metallic oh. with a backslide, flips through, goes for the cover, but Alexander managing to kick out. Ah. Handspring elbow by Alexander onto Metallic. Couldn't get any, couldn't get him down for long. Get your words out. Ah, I'm trying to sort myself out now. Alexander now, backing Metallic up in the corner. He's thrown away this move, but he just runs into Metallic's foot. And he's Alexander's rocked, huh? bit rocking. Oh, a lovely bulldog there from Grand Metallic. Is he looking to set him up for the Metallic driver? Nope. Runs around the ropes with a springboard drop kick. Lovely from Metallic. Well, that is beautiful by Metallic. Trying to get the fans on board. Alexander's gone to the outside. Yeah, now he's in dangerous territories. Metallic's turn to go flying. Here goes 3-11, boy. From the inside of the second rope to the outside. Takes out Alexander. Doesn't land quite as grace- gracefully as Cedric, but gets the job done nonetheless. And I think more impact on that move than what Alexander hit on the outside. Especially later on in this match. Metallic looking to finish this. And I've always said it's more difficult jumping off that second rope over than it is any other way. And Metallic springboards his way back in. Goes for the crossbody. Oh, goes for the... It's kind of like a tadpole splash. <laughs> Metallic splash. The Metallic splash, yeah. But Alexander kicking out. Uh. And now Metallic setting him up for the Metallic driver. Now Alexander manages to fly out of it. Delivers a thunderous uppercut. Oh, but Ooh. Metallic responds with a lovely super kick. But well, Metallic so dangerous, he's going to run into Alexander. Oh, oh, no, but Alexander lands the Spanish fly, goes for the cover. Oh, But Metallic managing to kick out. Ah. Burn. Burn. 
That is a beautiful move there by Cedric Alexander. But Metallic's shown his toughness. Both men struggling to get to their feet. But you feel the end. It's going to come sooner rather than later. Metallic with those strikes in the corner to Cedric. Huge chops to the chest. Is he just standing there posing for a second? I think he's trying to get the fans behind <laughs> Metallic Magic. <laughs> the Metallic Massive. And he's setting them up on the top. Oh, Alexander leaning back in a precarious position. He manages to fight back as Metallic makes his way out to the second rope. Oh, oh lovely step-up kick there. Rocks Alexander. And now Metallic's got something oh. planned. Both men in a very precarious position. That was a thing of beauty. Metallic go for the cover. Alexander managing to kick out. The uh, uh, hurricane runner off the top rope there. But Alexander's on top at the same time. You don't see that often. No, uh, Alexander, he had legs straddled either side of the rope as well, <laughs> which could have been dangerous. But now they both, uh, both executed that well. And now both men up. Metallic with a strong forearms. For, you know, Luchador with the strikes Metallic has underrated in his part. Oh, but Alexander responds with a block and a spinning back elbow. Sends Metallic in, but he hands frings. Oh, but he gets caught, Alexander. Oh, oh, but Metallic turns it into a thunderous DDT. Goes for the cover. Two. Oh. oh. But at the last second, Alexander getting his shoulder up at two. Two, and that was the closest we've come to a finish in this match. Alexander looking for his finisher, Lumbar check. Metallic turned into a beautiful spiking DDT. Alexander's still quivering on the canvas at this time. Uh, he's trying to drag Alexander to the corner now. He's going to go for a high-risk, high-reward manoeuvre. Oh, he's got to try and finish Alexander off. Can't pick him up. Basically dead weight at the moment. Metallic all the way up. Oh, but Alexander gets his foot up just in time. Metallic's head bounces off it. Well, the moonsault attempt miss. Picks him up. Luck. One, two, three. And Alexander, of course, advances to the next round. Yeah, so the first man to go through. No, so real surprise Alexander went through. But going against Metallic, you know, I think was a really good match, Dan. What are your thoughts? It was a good match, yeah. It was a bit of a slow burn. I picked up pace towards the end. Yeah, you know, it was it was good. Great back and forth between the two. You, you could tell that both these men wanted it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Metallic, even though he did lose, I think looked really, really good in this match. You know, uh, let's be fair. And Alexander, of course, going through. But I really enjoyed it as well. And it's nice to see. They they want us to believe that it's the start of the Cruiserweight again. This felt like it, didn't it? This didn't feel like anything we've seen. Most definitely, yeah. In recent weeks. But I think WWE needs to move Sin Cara to the Cruiserweight division and make the stable of Mars Superstars four members strong. He would mesh well with Metallic and... Battle. And we already know he and Caliso can work together. Well, as you mentioned it before, the Spanish fly is one of the most impressive moves in Alexander's repertoire. Metallic DDT to Alexander looked amazing. That spike DDT. The king of the ropes spiked him right on his head. It did look amazing. Yes, and uh, we get a look at Tyler Bate with the same video package as viewers of the, Uni as viewers of the United Kingdom Championship Tournament and NXT have seen with the addition to his recent NXT Match of the Year award from last Saturday. Well, Gentleman Jack Gallagher, ha, I'll say it probably. Gentleman Jack Gallagher gets a selfie promo where he says he's excited a fellow countryman is running the show and hopes he knows how important it will be to a fellow Englishman represent the brand at Mania. Maverick is instructing a backstage crew member on his plans when Drew Gulak approaches with a big bouquet of roses. 
He offers them to the new GM on behalf of part of the roster which craves law and order. Drew is excited to store. After he walks off, Drake busts out in a big grin and shoves the roses off to the stagehand. Yeah, so I don't know if he's really interested in the roses or not. But Mustafa Ali walks into a set which looks like a reality show testimonial. He sits in a chair and talks about how great last week was, but he and his boy Cedric tore the house down while the fans chanted, this is awesome. But then he lost. And that stung. But Ali says he will give him motivation he needs for the tournament so he can go to New Orleans and become champ on the kickoff show. <laughs> no, not necessarily, I'm just saying. Yes, well, Dasha Fuentes is ready to interview TJP, but first he makes her introduce him as first ever cruiserweight champ TJP. But she starts to ask him about his match with Bate when he complains about everyone's short attention span and how he won the CWC to become the first champ. The GM interrupts to say TJP is living in the past and he's facing a hungry competitor in Tyler Bate. Maverick wants to know if he's going to be who won the CWC tonight or the one who whines and complains all the time. Exactly, and this is a TJP you want to see as well, Dan, isn't it? You know, we've talked about this before with him. It is, definitely, yeah. And we see a safe selfie promo with Akira Tozawa. Ah! 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 Who is disappointed he won't be the first GM, but is excited he'll get to be in a tournament. When he wins the title WrestleMania, he's looking forward to firing a crew member. He shows us this by turning to the camera on one and telling him, you're fired, in his best Vince voice before walking away with a man strut. And uh, but now it's time for the main event. Yes, it is. Tyler Bate versus TJP. And Tyler Bate has stolen the show almost every time he's entered a WWE ring. So seeing his name included with the 16 superstars in the Cruiserweight title tournament was a pleasant surprise. His opponent in the next first round match was the man who won the whole CWC to become the first champion in the division, TJP. Having the first UK champion battle the first cruiserweight champion should be a match worthy of being on pay-per-view. So expectations were high going into this one. They really are. This is a weird way. Not, this, this, it's Smackdown's terms. This is a dream match, Dan. You know, because this is who guys you've seen. <laughs> The term dream match is, is used somewhat loosely now that yeah. it's starting to lose all meaning. No, this is a dream match. But then they could team up and there'd be a dream team. Yeah, exactly. And Charles Robinson <laughs> is the dream referee. This is a dream match up here. We've got Tyler Bate, like we said, the winner of the first ever UK title tournament. And then with TJP, the winner, your pick in the CWC tournament. This is a hard one to call. I know who I want to win, but Dan, who do you think? Well, who do you think is going to win and who do you want to win? I think Master Bate will win. <laughs> I think Tyler. I want to go for Tyler. I hope Tyler wins. You know, I think he's a great athlete. If they're going to move him away from the UK tournament, I think he fits into this perfectly, doesn't he? You know, Most definitely. He's had a fair few chances at the UK title. Put him onto something different. He fits in the cruiserweight bill. You know, he can also go for both over time, but... Let someone else have a chance at Pete Dunn. Yeah. Oh, and uh, TJP dabbing away. Incidentally, Dan, you say that. We will find out on our NXT update later on the show who is next to challenge Pete Dunn for the UK title. So the interesting times at the moment, who will go through the first round. I mean, TJP, though. So you're saying Perkins won't make it through the first round, even though he won the CWC last time? Well, he's going against the better competitor in Bate. Yeah. <clears throat> but are you saying Tyler Bate won't go through the first round, even though he won the UK championship? 
Uh, well, exactly. Maybe. Well, it depends what they think is more important: UK title or the CWC tournament. You know, the cruiserweight championship. But as you see, I mean, very interesting styles here. Yet we did just see someone who was a finalist last time around get knocked out in the first round in Metallic. So there exactly. we go. But I mean, we've got the kind of style of Tyler Bate, the British wrestling style that we know and love, versus the kind of TJP technical side of him, isn't there, Dan? You know? And he is also a member of Mustache Mountain. Yeah, who can forget about Bate? Perkins, you were a fan. You are a fan, though, still, I suppose. I'm a fan of Perkins. Yeah, you know, aside from when he's dabbing. You know, yeah, I do think he's he's a hot prospect, Perkins. And these both men, they go move for move, you know, trying to out-wrestle the other. But neither one of them getting a, a proper leg hold. Oh, and Bate is just amazing when he uses the ropes. Oh, yeah, and TJ Perkins does his little turn through the ropes as well. Yeah, but... Uh, well, Tyler Bates is more impressive. Exactly. Both men nip up as well. And then roll up by Perkins. And look at that beautiful by Bate. He's getting back doing the leg. Oh, fucking hell. Fair play. Perkins turns that around. He does, yeah. He's got a stretch going on. Bait. Is there any escape for him in this? Well, I don't know at the moment. But this is a different type of wrestling, again, that we're seeing that should be appreciated here, you know. Oh, and Bates trying to power it over. Oh, manages to get through. Reverses the pressure. And there is and a way. And now he's got it on TJP. Yeah, there is a way out of it. British strong style at its best. <laughs> got him picked up in a cradle. Oh, this is a lovely move. Look at this. Is he going to rock him? Perkins in all sorts of trouble. If the fans don't appreciate this, then they don't know wrestling. Yeah. There you go. Perkins is getting rocked back and forth. <laughs> yeah. TJP nowhere to go at the moment. And it, look at the core strength of Bate managing to hold him up. Rolls through for a cover. Ooh. Oh, but TJP managing to kick out. Ah, and oh, Bate pushes Perkins down. I think Bate is stronger of the two, nipping up. You've got to remember, he's only 20 years old as well. Drop kick there, right on the button of TJP, send him to the outside. Twirls his moustache. Yep, you mentioned. Is he going to go flying? You mentioned moustache mountain earlier. Looking after it. Bait now. Building up ahead of speed. Oh, suicide dive through the second and third rope. <laughs> Nips his way up to his feet. A uh, beautiful style. Really like. Tight, what's his name? No. <laughs> no, honestly, that is fantastic, isn't it? Tyler Bait. <laughs> He is phenomenal. Him versus Gallagher would be a great match. It would be. It would be. But, but the, the old, old Jack Gallagher. Gallagher. We need <laughs> the old Jack Gallagher. <laughs> we need the old Jack Gallagher. <laughs> oh, a on the apron. Shoulder to Perkins. Oh, leaps over the rope. But oh. Pete, TJP's holding on. Oh, manages to turn it round and DDT's Tyler Bates' leg. Hyper-extending the knee. In, the knee now is in serious trouble. Yeah, Perkins will pick apart that as well. But we, we see a different TJP for the one who did win CWC because he, he's not afraid to take a shortcut now. No. Uh, as we've seen in this match. And, you know, previous behaviour back in, you know, the end of the Rich Swan friendship that we, you know, may not be allowed to talk about at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> We're allowed, yeah, WWE. Tyler Bate, last time we saw him, of course, lost to Enzo Amore in 205 Live. Well, I'm just saying, that's, that's the last time we saw Bate on 205 Live. His fans have only watched 205 Live. And now Perkins, though. Suplex turned it into two. Ooh. Oh, lovely backdrop there. Goes for the cover, but Bate managing to kick out. Uh, well, we know how tough Bate is, even though he did lose to Enzo, I should say. <laughs> and now TJP trying to tie up Bate. What's that? The legs, and now he's working on the arm as well. Now, is Bate going to get out of this one? Uh, well, this is, I don't know if he's going to get a submission from this, but it's definitely just going to wear down Tyler Bate. More difficult to actually... At the moment... 
Perk his whole body weight's down on bait. He's got to fight his way up. And he manages to do that and pushes Perkins right back into the turnbuckle. But Perkins, like a pit bull, goes straight to bait. Oh, bait comes running in, though. But Perkins jumps over the top of him. Oh. <coughs> grabs hold of his leg. Oh, my God. And he's got, like, a half Boston crab <laughs> while uh, Tyler Bates heads on the middle turnbuckle. I'm not sure I've seen anything like that in a while. If Releases ever. it on four. Slams him down. TJP's looking to helo over the top. Channeling his inner Eddie Guerrero. Well, of course, we like a kind of suplex combination earlier. We, we know from our past CW experience, Perkins, look towards those guys. And at the moment, he, you know, the te- for a technical standpoint, he hasn't put a foot wrong in this match yet. No. He's trying to put Bates' foot the wrong way, I suppose, on the knee. Well, as you said, you know, he's he's got that knee early on and he's going to keep targeting and targeting it. Bates manages to push him off, though. I think with Bates' advice, though, he's still young, so there's still a lot to learn. Everybody does forget that as he knees Perkins. Straight in the chest. Oh, headbutts him in the midsection and delivers some really strong European uppercuts. Irish whip reversal by Perkins, though. Oh. But Bates comes out of a big boot, but he's still holding that left knee of his. Exactly. You've got to wonder what power it had in the leg because you've got to support the weight, of course. As Bates comes running in. Trying to use big a, uppercut. Trying to use adrenaline, maybe, to get through this now. Oh, drops a knee to the back of Perkins' head. And look at that power. Bridges out. <laughs> that shows the true strength of someone when you can deadlift German. A two, you know, someone who's 200 pounds. <clears throat> Hi, my name is Hans. I can deadlift you. <laughs> and now Bate is going to look to put away TJP. The Tyler Driver 97? Yes. We've seen him use it before to win the UK title. He might be going for it, but Perkins knows this. He's scouted bait. And had those huge sweeping kicks to the leg. Oh, detonation kick, but no. Tyler Bate with a backslide. Goes into the corner, maybe safe. TJP runs in, but he just gets caught. Plucked <laughs> out of the air by Tyler Bate. Oh. Lovely suplex again, and Bate nips up, but he's having troubles with that left knee. Yeah, sometimes not being too fancy, and as I say that... <laughs> running, shooting, star press. Goes for the cover, but kick out. Uh-huh. Do you think it goes against him that he doesn't wear knee pads? It might, yeah, maybe that's what Perkins has worked out, that Bate doesn't like to do that kind of traditional style. I mean, it's really unrare, um, it's really rare to see a wrestler... Just basically boots and uh, trunks, isn't it? You know, there's nothing yeah. else there. <laughs> well, as you, you know, he's only 20 years old. Once he gets a few injuries and a few tweaks, he'll be having knee pads, elbow pads, wrist tape. He'll look like Amit Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Cross between Amit Johnson and Stone Cold. <laughs> yeah. Perk is now back to his feet. But not winning the combination. Oh, Fight with Bay. James loves that. A double big boot. Oh. But Tyler Bate comes out of a second. I don't think that was planned there, but they're still going to talk it through. Oh, but TJP going low as Bate come running in, targeting that left leg again. And that looked like it was completely taken out there. Of course, we know what whole TJP likes to use. The TJP clutch. So now he's going to look to maybe finish Bate off. <laughs> Tyler sees it coming, though, and kicks away Perkins. Oh, my God. Lovely combination from TJP. Throws Bate in. Bang! Oh, no! Thrown into the ropes, going for the clothesline. The TJP clutch isn't locked in properly. Well, I think ba- whatever power he's got to try and get to that bottom rope. Come on. Come on, Tyler. Yes. yes. 
Not that we're being biased. No, no, of course not. But TJP again holds that in for longer. Well, not longer than the disqualification, to be fair to him. So his experience here. But you got one about Bates' leg now. Looking for the detonation kick now. Bates with a backslide. Standard reversal by TJP. <laughs> yes. And the bait bounce followed up by a lovely <laughs> clothesline. Third time lucky. One, two. Oh. TJP managing to kick out. Ah. Now Bates slapping that leg. He knows the opportunity in front of him being the first man ever to hold the UK title and the Cruiserweight Championship. And now he's calling for it. The aeroplane spin. With one of our favorites. That's like the deadlift he does in the middle of it. Oh, he's come up. Can he do it on one leg, though? <laughs> yeah, and the answer yes, to that he can. is yes. You want Cesaro one side, <laughs> bait the other. They should have done it in the Rumble, shouldn't they? Yeah. Done it to like 10 different wrestlers. Oh, and now he's running around perk. He's oh, he's like... running out of steam. Yeah, his energy's sapping. Bad leg as well. No, he doesn't go anymore. He normally reverses it, doesn't he, after deadlift? No, he can't now. He just slams him down. Kind of wastelands. Is he signalling for the Tyler driver? He wants to put Perkers away. Oh, no. Go for the driver. Turned. There's a TJB clutch in. Can Tyler get to the bottom rope this time? No. Perkins drags him back. Bait rolls through. Rolls one, him up. One, two. two. Oh. TJP managing to just kick out. And Bait. Oh. Well, the old bait and switch. Hey. Excuse the pun. Holds up his right, hits him with a left. Perkins is out of this, surely. Don't call me Shirley, but it does look like he's done for. Well, we are in the uh, home of the cruiserweights, and Bates going to go up, maybe, to finish this. One-legged man on the top. I don't know how great an idea this is. Well, he's taking his time. Oh, here comes Tyler Bate. Oh! Uh, corkscrew off the top, missed it, Mark, missed it, Mark, Perkins got out of the way. And has he got that leg bar locked in? There you yeah. go. <clears throat> how long can Bate hold on for? Well, he's nowhere near the ropes, he's the opposite end of it. I don't know how much strength he's got in him. He's trying to claw, get to the rope. Now, come on, Tyler. Come on, Bate, don't you can tap. You can get out. Show your He's got it locked in in grapevine, though. Credit to TJP. But there'll be other days to fight, though, Bates. There'll be other days to fight. You're still a young man. Oh, he rolls through. Gets oh. to the bottom rope. <clears throat> Fair play, Tyler Bate. Managing to escape there, and uh, I think that might have sent Perkins <coughs> over the edge there. <coughs> but a big back elbow from Bate. Well, Perkins was furious, went running in. Now he's gone to catch Tyler Bate. Ooh. Oh, sp- Spins bait round, but catch him. Hey! <laughs> and the overhead back heel. After the uh, European uppercut, and now Tyler Bate. Looking for the Tyler driver. Perkins is up. Oh, but Perkins too close to the corner. And now Bate turns him. Oh, no, but Perkins rolls him up. Got a handful of tights. Oh! And just like that, TJP wins. Dan, you are not happy. Tell me about I it. I am not happy, no. You know, it's a bittersweet victory for TJP. This match could have gone on for about another 20 minutes longer. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't have minded, would we? But, no, brilliant match between the two of them. I think it kind of leaves it open as well. If TJP does win the tournament, you know, Tyler Bates is going to be vying for his blood.
But it is just does lose here, you know. It is uh, it is such a shame because he's so talented. We saw it here. Like this match, if it had you know five ten more minutes to a proper ending to it, it uh, it could have been rivaling rivalry rivaling it. It could have been as good as you know maybe takeover matches or play you know things like this. Most definitely, yeah. The potential there, and uh, it's unfortunate. But, I mean, what a good episode of 205. Were you saying that? Where do the finalists on this tournament end up? They end up probably on the main. If they'd have been... No, I mean, on uh, WrestleMania. I mean, if they'd have been at different ends of the table, and they'd have both made their way to the final, this match would have stolen WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair This is the best TJP has looked in months. When he's in a ring with someone on the same level, it's likely to outshine everyone on the card. Uh, but I think cracking uh, way to... Uh, I think it's a really good episode of 205 Live there. What do you think of the episode? Yeah, brilliant episode. Um, I'm interested to see who else is lined up for the, uh, <clears throat> for the tournament, for the Cruiserweight Championship. And, you know, it's they've used basically an episode just to tell the story of who's going to be going for the Cruiserweight exactly. Championship which is I think you know that could carry on when someone's won it they could have another tournament to culminate once that tournament's over you know they could just keep going tournament <laughs> after tournament if the tournament style works just happy. keep doing yeah. it tournaments yeah exactly we're getting the matches but you mentioned who will be involved in this tournament and we did get an announcement because 205 Live is getting a shake up and it now appears that top NXT star Roderick Strong will be joining them as he's set to make his debut for the show next week. Yes, uh, new 205 Live general manager Rockstar Spud, now known as Drake Maverick, confirmed that 205 Live will be going on a number of changes to create a show the WWE Universe always wanted from the Cruiserweight-based brand. He announced there would be a WWE Cruiserweight title tournament featuring 16 men culminating at WrestleMania 34. This kicked off with Alexander defeating Grand Metallique and TJP defeating the first ever UK champion, Tyler Bate. Well, Strong was confirmed as Hideo Tami's opponent for next week on the show, which also, which also features... Brado! ...versus Kalisto, marking Strong's main roster debut with the company. Tami tweeted about the match, uh, and it basically is a picture of them together, and Tami says, it's rubbery. No. It is my turn. I'm going to get this opportunity. Hashtag 205 Live. Hashtag Cruiserweight Championship Tournament. See you next week. Roderick Strong. Yeah, and Strong uh, also took the response for the upcoming match. Roddy versus the world. End of heartache. It is unknown if it signifies a full-time channel or if Strong will be used for this match only and resume his activities in NXT. So that's interesting though, Dan. So another guy that we might have thought not have been in the tournament so we'll see what else they've got well you know it's uh, two NXT stars yep. so we move on to 205 Live our second episode of course last week January 30th we had Alexander Metallic and Bate versus TJP this is February 6th episode 63 well Drake Maverick's debut from last week was shown along with the announcement of the Cruiserweight title tournament Vic Joseph and Nigel McGuinness put over Maverick and announced Vince Dorado versus Kalisto and Roderick Strong versus Hideo Itami as tonight's tournament matches. Kalisto started things off of his match against Dorado. Well, they started off by looking at the WrestleMania sign, as, as you, you do. do. Uh, so they're going to yeah, shake hands. It's nice. Dan, who are you picking for? Oh, hang on a minute. Handshake, but they pulled each other in as well. Who are you going to go for in this one? Kalisto. I reckon... Sorry, sorry. Who? Oh, I was going to say the man in the mask. I think it's going to win this match. I reckon the Lucha's going to win it. I reckon the Lucha flies around a lot. So we've got Kalisto 
Lind- uh, and Dorado. Of course, they've been teaming up recently. Had a kickoff victory at the Royal Rumble. And this should be good. We're a big fan of Dorado, of course, being a CWC tournament. Kalisto wasn't, but now's his chance to shine. Might be considered one of the favourites. Why do you think Kalisto's going to best Dorado in this one, Dan? Because he's Kalisto. I don't <laughs> know. Uh, I think he's a better performer out of the two. He has been before as well, hasn't he? Feuding with uh, he should not be named. He's been US champion as well. Maybe US champion, been uh, NXT tag team champion with Sin Cara, called Lucha Dragons. Remember when that was Lucha, a thing? Lucha. But Kalisto and Dorado start off really well in this one. Oh well, both men went for a drop kick at the same time. They both hit each other's feet, landed on the canvas, and both knit back up in exactly the same fashion. So they're basically just uh, filling each other out in the early going, but you can see how similar their styles really are. They are indeed, yes. You know, you could get confused if they switched masks that uh, switched masks and outfit. You could be getting confused of watching the other person. But wouldn't that happen to most of the cruiserweights, though? Yeah. If you put, <laughs> if you put oh, a mask... I'm not being masked. No, no, I'm just saying, if you put a mask and that outfit on Gallagher, then he's going to look quite similar to what... Well, no, because he's got a pasty white body. All right, pasty, all right. Uh, TJP then. Yeah, you could probably confuse him as a lucha. Well, like we say, it's two hundred five, so it's two hundred five pounds or lighter. These cruise weights do fly. We've just seen then. Caliso sitting Dorado right up against the announce table, and look, there's our man backstage, Drake Maverick, the new general manager, looking on, making sure there's no shenanigans in this first round match. He wants to kind of bring back. The ideal of the Cruiserweights originally, you know, CWC concept. What we should see. Now, Kalisto is on the apron with Dorado. Trying to sunset flip in, but Dorado well, sits down on him, basically. Oh! Hits Kalisto with a big kick to the face. Up kick, and now Dorado. Oh, throws him outside. Lince is going to go flying. Was that a suicide dive? He actually did a flip on you. don't usually see yeah. that. Dorado maybe being a bit more aggressive in this match because he knows what's on the line. Make his uh, WrestleMania debut would be a huge thing for this young man. And Dorado now well, slapping Kaliso across the chest, bringing him in and now just wearing him down. <laughs> Whose mask do you prefer? Uh, I like Dorado. So be- you like Kalisto's one with the spiky hair? No, and the tail. I-, I think it's too cane-like. I like my kind of uh, mask as a... The respectful kind of Mexican style of, you know, Mysterio, Dorado. But, but with Kalisto, I don't know. The thing for me, he's covering up his face with that, but it doesn't go with the rest of his outfit. Like the little pants he's got and stuff. I don't think that works. I think no, maybe he's got the blue and the purple and the red. I, I would prefer a full body outfit. You know, like Psychosis or Juventud de Guerrero back in the day. Yeah. That kind of full get up. I understand why they don't do it. But what's interesting is you, you, you bring up the mask, Dan. Is that Dorado? Obviously, his his eyes are covered in somewhat. Do you know what I mean? So he can't he's got actually Spider Man cover, isn't he? Yeah, so he actually can't see it, like the full peripheral vision. He can't see probably clearly from that, which makes it. I mean, I don't he... know. I'm sure he could see quite clearly through it. Like you know, you do get a lot of visibility looking out, but as far as looking in goes, it it makes it quite difficult. Well, at the moment, Dorado's not struggling because he just dumped Kalisto down on his way to the top. Can he find his target here? Oh, looking to go, but Kalisto rolls in. Dorado runs into a kick from Kalisto. We're going to see something exciting from these two. No, Kalisto went up to the second rope. Dorado stopped his attack. 
Now he's going up to follow him. It could be anything. I mean, with these luchas, might even be fucking. Might be a fucking Dan with these luchas. You... Fuck him on top. <laughs> yeah, with luchas, who knows what could happen? Looks like at the moment, top right hook and runner. Holy Fuck. shit! Hell. <laughs> Fuck! Wow. You, you do not see that, that often. That is an extremely dangerous move for Torado. Can get to Kalisto, get the cover. Surely. Don't call me Shirley. He's got the victory in this one. Dorado, credit to him, landed on his feet perfectly yeah, as well. I think he headbutted the bottom ta- <laughs> the bottom turnbuckle, the top, the bottom. Yeah, I did get that right. Yeah, you, you're correcting yourself. <laughs> the bottom turnbuckle. It didn't sound right when I said it. Dince Dorado hitting the bottom turnbuckle. Exactly. <laughs> but yes, it looked like he headbutted the bottom turnbuckle and knocked himself off his feet. But Dorado didn't go for cover because he didn't recover him. he's going now and that's the mask off basically each man using the other to get up and I think Dorado probably got the advantage in strikes what we've seen in this match so far well, both men trading blows Kalisto's slightly shorter isn't he I thought Dorado was short but now at the moment I think Kalisto might be it might be just the wear and tear Dorado's done on Kalisto oh oh, that does make people shrink yeah it does doesn't it you know bow down and that bow down Insecure by Kalisto. Now, a collection of kicks. Oh, a lovely spinning back elbow from Kalisto. Kick to the midsection. Follows it up with a hurricane run. Not off the top rope, though, but gets rolled up by Dorado. Oh. Kalisto managing to kick out. Ah, well, Kalisto, signature move there. That short hurricane run. Dorado had it scouted. Trying to catch out Kalisto. He's just kicked him in the face. Back up to the second, Dorado is. Kalisto managing to kick Dorado as he was perched up on that, sitting on that top turnbuckle. Another precarious position for both men. I think Dorado realises trying to fight off with the headbutts. But I don't know how much effect that's going to have on the mask. Mask on mask action here. Kalisto, another <laughs> kick to Dorado's face. And now both men again going up to a very precarious position. Oh! Turns him inside out, goes for the cover. Oh, but Dorado managing to kick out. Ah. I didn't realise Dorado had a furry mask. <laughs> I beg your pardon. <clears throat> it's not a euphemism, James. <laughs> well, we just said, I don't even know what that was. It was a sunset flip. It's like a wheelbarrow into a sunset flip. Couldn't get the job done, though. This has been a hard-hitting match. It's a shame the fans don't really care about it at the moment. Yeah, I don't know what's up with these fans. I think they're idiots. And don't forget, we've just had SmackDown. We've just had the Mixed Match Challenge. So now it's like, okay, now we're going to get Cruiserweights. Yeah, that's true. We know the Cruiserweights have been treated, but it looks like Kalisto is going to try and finish this one. Trying to get the crowd into it. Good luck with that, mate. Maybe Salida del Sol time on Dorado. Dorado again had it scouted. Pushes him off. Pushes him into the turnbuckle, but Dorado rolls off. Then Kalisto looking for a kick to the head. Gets caught by Dorado. Dorado had it scouted and ducked the second kick by Kalisto. This might be Lince's to win now. Springboard stunner. Bang. Hits Kalisto. He's not going to finish it there, though. He's looking to go up top. Well, you've seen him get the victory from that before, so I'm a bit surprised he didn't go for the pin, but maybe he wants to put the exclamation point on it. Here comes Dorado shooting star. Oh, my word. Catches it. Can he capitalise, though? Oh, and Kalisto rolling away. Oh, rolling to the outside. 
And Very I, wise there from Kalisto. I think for Dorado as well, trying to reach out, push Kalisto. But again, like you said, showing a bit veteran uh, sense there, Kalisto with Dorado. Trying to try to capitalise. Throws Kalisto in now. Oh, but gets rolled up by Kalisto. One, two. Oh. oh. But Dorado managing to kick out. Ah. Dorado nearly caught. Doesn't want that to happen again. Gets hit with the Salida del Sol. One, two. two oh. Oh. Dorado manages to grab hold of the bottom right. Very clever from him as well. Well, I thought that was over and done with there, but Lindsay definitely shown he belongs in this one. How much more has either man got to give? Well, not a lot by the looks of things. Dorado needs... Well, he's not even up to his feet. I thought he was using the ropes to try and get up. And now Kalisto trying to pull Dorado back in the middle of the ring. Dorado kicking him off. Kalisto looking for a second Salida del Sol, but Dorado with a test of strength. Backslide. Two. two. Oh. Kalisto kicks out. Ah. Now Kalisto, second rope. Springboard. Oh, my. Jesus Fuck. Christ. He tried to go back Hurricane Ron and missed it. Salida del Sol. Three. And Victory. Kalisto made his opponent. Hey. I thought Dorado broke his neck just then. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. That would have been such a cool move if that had not just happened. I don't think it's a bad match, though, Dan Fultz. No, I thought it was a great match. I'm really surprised the crowd wasn't more into it. I know they've gone through SmackDown and Mixed Match, cha- mixed match Challenge. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a great match between two great Lucha athletes. And, I'll, you know, I'd happily see another hour of this. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, we're lucky for us. We've got another first round match coming up. They haven't disappointed yet, have they? They've been really good matches no. this one. Look at the replay. Fucking hell. Whose fault's that? Kalisto, maybe? Then again, he can't really get out of the way at that point. Yeah, I, I think it's Kalisto's for actually going for the move in the first place. Mm. What match did we see the back? Oh, it's Gagano CM, wasn't it? Yeah. The back. Hurricane Runner. <clears throat> but no, yeah, later on tonight, we're going to have Roderick Strong versus Atami. Uh Three matches down in the tournament so far. So three men through. TJP, Cedric Alexander, now Kalisto. And... A nice show of respect there from the two. And Kalisto raising Dorado's hand, but Dorado saying, no, man, you're the one that won it. You're the one that's going on to WrestleMania. I'm going to raise your hand. Mm. Great show of respect between these two guys. And this is what 205 Live, and this is what the Cruiserweight title scene should be about. So now Kalisto moves on, but Dorado loses nothing, loses nothing in defeat. Oh, no, great match. No. Well, Roderick Strong's life story was recapped with his parents struggling with drugs and alcohol and pro wrestling being what he credits for saving his life. Well, Cedric Alexander cut a promo about going on to the second round of the tournament until Mustafa Ali snuck up on him. Alexander warned him that it's all fun and games until someone gets a lumbar check. Well, TJP cuts a reality show confessional promo about how he spent 20 years doing what he did for the fans, but now he's doing it for himself. Well, next week, Akira Tozawa faces Mark Andrews in another first-round match. Video aired showing him shining brightly in the UK title tournament. And Akira Tozawa asked someone backstage, who's going to win? And when they didn't say him, he threatened to fire them. Tozawa's Vince McMahon came out of nowhere, but it's hilarious. <laughs> it is hilarious. Well, Maverick met with Drew Gulak and Tony Nese. He asked Gulak why he's become a goof with PowerPoint presentation and signs. Well, Tony Nese is just busy bragging about his abs. Maverick announced that next week, Gulak will face Nice, and he wants to see them step up. Well, Itami entered to face strong, but first, Itami put him over and said, 
that this is his tournament and Strong can't beat him in his home. So, yeah, the main event, Roderick Strong versus Day of Time in Cruiserweight Championship tournament first round match. Well, they exchanged mat work quickly until Strong got a bow and arrow hold. Though Atami got a one-off count, body press from it. And on commentary, McGuinness talked about how many people got their offence from Itami. Yeah. <coughs> CM Punk. Well, yeah, exactly. There were, there were so many people there. He was a real innovator of uh, stuff back in the day with Japan. And this is kind of the real shame with Itami that he's not really fulfilled his potential. If you look at people like Nakamura now, and even Tazar with his own personality doing the Vincent Man thing, Itami just hasn't got that yet, has he, in the WWE, no. you know? I, I don't mind the kind of silent assassin, like if we look at NXT with Alistair Black, but Atami's not that, is he? You know, he's, I, no. I, what, what do you think is missing from Hideo Atami in 205 Live? Or what would you want to add to the characters to try and make him more popular? But is it time now you think that the next round of cuts would be like, Hitami didn't work out for you, your time's done, you know? Because, like I said, what is there to do? It came to a good uh, Hideo Atami was when he's feuding with Cassius Ono in NXT. Could uh, be sort of kind of aggressive side, but we've not really seen a lot of that here, you know. With a time, it's really difficult. I don't know. With personality, he doesn't shine in the ring, even though he's taunting at the moment to the crowd. The crowd don't really seem into him. No. I think with Roderick Strong, there's more there. We we uh, we mentioned Roderick Strong in the past. What can they do with him? Well, he's moved up now to 205 Live. Or has he moved down to 205 Live? Is he still going to be on NXT or is this where he is now? You know, this is the question. You know, is Atami taking a step down? These are two former NXT guys and Strong has managed to pick up Atami. Yeah, as it's gone from, like, you know, we had a, what I'd call a classic 205 match first off and then we go into, what, an NXT cast-off match? Well, this is the thing. What, this, the crazy thing is, is I think it was Jack Gallagher who pointed out, there was only, like, tw- uh, 12 full-time members of the... Uh, 205 live roster and you think about the amount of suspensions of people leaving yeah you know but only 12 so they need four people to fill those gaps in we had Tyler Bate last week and now we've got Roderick Strong but there's going to be another two guys that st- still again are going to need to be in this tournament for it to make sense yeah so this is where they're struggling really because like I said the 205 live hasn't got its own identity yet and as you can see from the fans this is meant to be the main event this match is meant to mean something They've obviously not been watching NXT or they don't know about these two guys. You know, watching independent wrestling, they probably haven't got the same respect as they have for other superstars they've seen tonight, which is is fair play, you know? Well, you know, again, going throughout the NXT roster, these weren't the two, you know, the, I don't know whether to say the best or the most memorable wrestlers from NXT. You know, they've been overshadowed by a few others. And, you know, for them to... I think both of these have had legitimate chances at going for the NXT Championship. And now, you know, one of them's going to be going out in the first round of the Cruiserweight Tournament. Yeah, exactly. So it's a long way to fall. Especially with, like, with Hideo Tommy now being the kind of new guy in 205 Live roster, you, you, you'd think he'd be continuing it. Where Roger Strong, what would he do? Would he go back now to NXT? Would he be on the main star? The thing is, Strong, like I said, Strong and Atami have both lost to Bobby Roode in NXT title matches last year. So obviously they're not seen as main event talents. You would argue Strong's brightest moment was at War Games, uh, you know, teaming up Orphans with Alphas of Strong Pain. With Atami, he, he, like I said, Chicago last year, NXT faced Roode. But since then, you know, I, I don't know what they're going to do. It's, it's a real strange time. They've got all the talent in the world, but they have to 
promote what Roger Strong, the video earlier about his life. We need that for everybody. We need them to people to get invested with it. You know, it's a slugfest going on at the moment in the middle of the ring with Atami and Strong. And Strong gets the advantage over the drop kick right on the button. But you can see the marks of war already on Roger Strong's body going for the cover. But Atami kicks out. Uh, well, you know, again, these two, are, you know, maybe 205 Live is probably the better place for them. It's going to have hard hit inside, you know. Again, a ma- you know, two men that went toe-to-toe with Bobby Roode, who is now currently US champion. Well, f- going to be soon former US champion once Randy Orton gets his hands on him. But we'll cross that bridge when it comes to it. Um, but go and get your fucking dreams mixed up with your aspirations, Dan. All right, we'll talk about that. Fourteen-time <laughs> world champion. Yeah, but he's not been United States champion, has he? Well, is that, has, has, is he that, been, has he been United States champion? Is that the string? Has he, needs, he been United yeah, States champion? Is that the string that he needs to add to his bow to get the? Uh, has the he full been? Set? Has he been United States champion? Has Rude been? No, no, heavyweight no, no, Dan, champion? Just answer the question. I asked you a question. Has he been United States champion? No, no he hasn't. Bobby Rude is. So there we go. Rude has done something Randy Orton hasn't done. So let's move on. We're talking about... But this... Kalisto's been cruiserweight, <laughs> uh, fucking US champion for fuck's sake. Atari just dropped Roderick Strong there with a huge DDT. It's kind of glorious in its own way. Now Atari looking to come back into this match. Who would you like to see progress further from this tournament out of these two guys then? It's got to be Atari for me. Like I say, he's come in. He was going to be the new face of 205 Live. Well, he ran through Kendrick. He's run through Gallagher. Yep. So now I think he runs through the competition, gets to the final. I don't know who he's going to go against. Maybe. Alexander. Oh, yeah, it's Alexander. I, I think the semi-finals will be Alexander and um, Kalisto on one side and on the other, or TJP and Itami on the four. That's what I would do anyway. And I think Itami needs to kind of get a run of victories. Comes off the top right there. Beautiful diving lariat. Takes down Strong, goes for the cover, Ooh. but oh, Strong managing to kick out. Uh, strong struggling at the moment. And this is a completely different match. Like you said, the first match was pure cruiserweights. This is more kind of hard-hitting. Well, you've got the Strong style, of course, of Adeo Tami versus, well, Roger, Roger Strong. But so. he's not the king of Strong style, though, is he? He is not the king of Strong style, but he's kicked... Is, so- that, is that a... A title given to Asian fellows. <laughs> no, because Tyler Bate is bringing in British strong style now, so that's a that's a thing, isn't it? So we we have seen that on NXT. It was kind of this more snug style as it has been laying in the kits and the chops, as we've seen in this match here. You know, strong there with a huge uh, shot to a Tommy and then trying to slam him down. Tommy rolls to the eighth and thinks he's going to be safe, but the Messiah, the backbreaker, not letting him uh, have any space at all. Oh, Strong looking to deposit Itami onto the uh, edge of the ring apron. Hideo's managing to fight out with some elbows to the back of the head. And both men in a very precarious position now. Strong with the chops and now both men exchanging forearms. And Itami boot on the face of Strong. Strong lands on the apron and then down to the mats. Back to his feet though. Oh, catches Itami's leg. Oh my God. I thought Strong's trying to turn it back break. Itami realised that as well. And fought out, or maybe it was a bit of a botch, which they both saved. And now referee's counting, and both men striking. Itami gets the other hand with some kicks, but Strong catches him. Oh, and drops him back first onto the ring apron. I think that's what I was trying to do before. Well, it was successful now. Strong just laid out Itami. Referee's checking on him. He could have internal bleeding, James. Oh, is it? He could, his spine could be severed. And the hardest part of the ring is that apron. Strong throws him in. One, two, three. Oh, oh. But Itami managing to kick out. Ah. 
Yeah, but the look of grimace on his face as he hits it as well. Exactly. Yeah, but it's fake though. I mean, it's fake. He's faking falling into that apron. Oh yeah. Oh, and Strong now is going to try and suplex Atami. Atami knows he's on his last leg. He's trying to fight out. Chop from Strong to Atami. And now he's going to go back to the suplex. No. Oh, Atami reverses it to a Falcon Arrow. Goes for the cover. Two. Strong getting the shoulder up at two. Two. And Atami now. Strong's on the second rope. Building momentum. Knee to the back of the head. Watch yourself, Atami. Head of speed. Oh. He gets caught by Strong. Is he looking for the Boston? But Atami's making his way to the bottom rope. But no. <coughs> Managing to fight out with kicks to the face of Strong. Lovely kicks by Atami. But the Strong's credit still in this. And now back to these forearms. Strong hits a spinning back elbow. Looks for the lariat. Gets caught. By Atami. Gets oh. in the rings of Saturn. Yep. Arbar turned it into that. And now Strong. Middle of the ring. Trying to crawl his way out. I don't think Atami's got it fully in at the moment. Can Strong get to that bottom rope and hook it with his leg? Oh. Yes. Manages to. Gets Atami to break the hold. Well, that would have been over there. If Strong hadn't used the ring awareness to get to that bottom rope. Atami must be getting frustrated now. ETS Trying to put Strong away. Going for the kicks now to the midsection. Another head of speed building up. Oh, second time lucky. Hits Strong with a running feet. Oh, Strong managing to kick out. Ah. Oh. Well, the time he's saying now it's time. Oh, got Strong dragging sleeper. The Strong reverses it. Gets Itami up on his shoulders. <laughs> Itami with a backslide. Both men trading stiff boots to the face. Oh, it's like a lumbar check from Strong to Itami. Runs in with a big running knee. Got him up. Plants him face put first into the mat. Two. Oh. Ooh. But Itami again managing to kick out. Ah. Tell you something, Roderick Strong's offense is on point tonight. That running knee in the corner there looked like it knocked Itami's head yeah. clean off. And maybe Strong will look for end of heartache to put away Hideo Itami. What's really strange about this as well, we should have brought up earlier, because it's probably the end now, is that Strong is number one contender to the UK title that we saw win it on NXT uh, last week. So as yeah. we're watching this now, Strong is in both tournaments. Could he be the first man to be UK and Cruiserweight champion? Could he's just been stopped in his tracks there by an Itami boot to the face? Looking for a superplex now. Can he get him up and over? But Strong's managing to hold on to the top. Itami looking for some violent headbutts there. Well, he doesn't stop Itami when he's in that ring, does he? What a kind of vicious offence. And now he's got Strong. Oh! Oh, plants him. But Strong again managing to kick out. Ah, well, we know how, strong it, how tough Strong is. We've seen this. Anybody ever seen him before in NXT? We know the heart he's got. It takes a lot to put this man away. And again, I think there's a kind of mini botch on that top right. Maybe Itami slipping. Grabbing all those trunks, making sure he didn't drop Roger Strong <laughs> yeah. on his head. And the fans looking at the phones rather than this, uh, I think, has been quite a good contest between these it two It has, men. yeah. You know, starts off a slightly slow burner, but as it gets into it, you know, it gets a bit more hard hitting. And you can tell both these guys want it as well. Yeah. And who is going to get it here in this one? Again with the forearms. Oh, my word. Itami knocking Strong for six, dodging out of his offence. <laughs> But hits him with a spinning back elbow. Now Itami comes running in. Oh, plants Roderick Strong in the corner with his running dropkick. Well, I tell you, no one delivers that kind of running dropkick to the corner as good as Itami. Can sleeper Strong reverse it yet again. Oh, 
bounces a tummy off the ropes. He's got him up. Oh, oh. end of heartache. Strong, go for One, the cover. Two, three. Oh. And Roderick Strong picks up the pinfall victory over Hidao Itami in what was a very hard-hitting affair. Well, my God, I'm a little bit surprised by that. It was a very hard-hitting affair. Great exchanges between the two. You can see on Strong, the look on Strong's body and his face that like he's been through a wall there with Itami. But I'm surprised Hidao Itami is out in the first round. Roderick Strong is through. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Dan? What are your thoughts on the match? I thought it was a bloody good match. Uh, I think it was slightly better than... Uh previous match you know of uh Kalisto and Lince Dorado but again you know both matches had their their good points and their bad points yeah without a doubt you know the different styles that we've seen here uh, and what about Roger Strong going through I mean is he a favorite scene? he is must he, be yeah he just upset Atami and Atami can't believe it as he leaves the ring here bit of shock and uh, I think we all are but that was it I mean you know still so that's the end of the match. And uh, next week's card was recapped with Andrews versus Slower and Gulak versus Nice in tournament matches. And 205 Live as a whole is definitely better with this structure. It finally feels like a show has a destination in mind, doesn't it? You know. Well, 205 Live has moved away from the long backstage segments over the past couple of weeks. The obvious difference, aside from the addition of Drake Maverick as a uh, aside from the addition of Drake Maverick as a kayfabe hand guiding the proceedings is the absence of the released Enzo Amore. And since joining the brand last summer, Amore was a focal point of almost all stories in the Cruiserweight division. Without him and needing a new champion since he was holding the purple belt when he was let go, episodes have revolved around longer matches and less talking segments. Many have remarked these episodes of 205 Live feel more like the Cruiserweight classic, the network tournament from 2016 which spawned the show in the first place. According to a new report, the reason for the change is more than just a lack of Enzo. Per that, uh, per, as of last Tuesday, Vincent Mann has stepped aside and is no longer personally put into i5 Live together. So it's got better since Vince's. <laughs> well, you know, well, Triple H is now overseeing things, and Insider says, along with lead writer Jonathan Beckstrom and lead producer Adam Pearce. The report doesn't clarify how long Beckstrom's been working on 205 Live. They say he's been on the company's creative team since 2013 and a lead writer since 2016. But Pierce has been producing the brand for a while, including their January house shows in Massachusetts and New York. Well, the new version of 205 Live is to return to the competition-based stories and reliance on in-ring action fans saw in the CWC and were originally planned for the show before Vince McMahon got involved. Vince allegedly believed the character-driven show was the way to go, and that's why 205 Live didn't look and feel like a tournament that established from the division. Another group backstage pushed for a return of the CWC presentation because having smaller talents echoing Raw and SmackDown personalities weren't going to showcase what made the cruisers different and unique, and it wasn't going to help 205 Live grow beyond being an hour of WWE TV on the network. Well, as someone who's been following W's Cruiserweights from the start, this is welcome news. There's a lot of truth of the new regimen's critique of the series, but returning to CWC presentation is not something which is going to which is going to in and of itself fix two oh five live. Certain players shined under Vince's vision that someone like Drew Gulak is gonna to return to being a dower technician, as was teased on the two oh five we just seen, after gaining popularity as an over the top comedic hill is disappointing. Cutting back 
on character-driven bits shortly after debuting a former name primary for his personality, like the former rock star Spud, is odd timing as well. Well, hopefully Triple H and team won't take a one-size-fits-all approach to a 205 Live roster and will work to emphasise the talent's various strengths. The only options for the division shouldn't be Raw Light or CWC, whether they're not, whether or not they're open and authorised to try other things beyond these two extremes could determine whether or not the Cruiserweights ultimately succeed or fail as the fourth brand WWE wants them to be. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. Of course, the leading up to WrestleMania, see if it is a success there. February 13th, episode 64. Tonight, we're treated to Mark Andrews versus Ah, 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 Kira Tozawa. But before that, we saw Mark Andrews interviewed backstage. He's excited to be part of the tournament, and that has people talking and is looking forward to continuing on to WrestleMania and becoming the champ. Yeah. And, of course, we've got Vic Joseph and Nigel McGuinness for in Bakersfield. And uh, this is, again, like we say, it's a 60-man toilet for the Cruiserweight title. We've been following it. We've got another two matches. Tazawa, who has been a former Cruiserweight champion, are going to get someone people may not know in Mark Andrews. Dan, explain anybody, Andrews, who's never seen him before. Oh, he, he's a, a certainly an outstanding wrestler. He was in the UK tournament. Uh, the UK Championship Tournament. He, uh, uh, we was both very impressed with him. He wrestled out of his skin. He had some high quality matches. A lot of the matches in that were very good. But um, you know, he's had a few good matches for the UK title on NXT as well. And yeah, you know, it's he's. Uh, I don't know. He's he's kind of got a very good mix of a bit of high flying with a bit of you know the typical standard British beatdown wrestling. Yeah, I mean we we like we say we we've seen him before. We've seen him live, of course, when he he used to do the independent shows. Moved on to TNA, was quite successful there for a little while. Came here. We've seen him in NXT recently as well. Like I say, trying to go for the UK title and we, we discussed as well that Andrews would be a perfect fit for the cruiserweight division because he is that type of wrestler you know and it is good to see him in the tournament uh, I don't really rate his chances much going against Tazar and no offense to him but if he does become a 205 regular I think it's a perfect fit the guys from the UK tournament are great wrestlers and we've seen Tyler Bate already in have we seen Tyler Bate in this yeah we've seen Tyler Bate lose to TJP in this tournament, so now we can see if Manjus can do any better. In the early going, both men just trying to get better with each other, working each other's arms. So who's who would your money be on then in this match? I've got to say Tazawa. I mean, he's yeah. probably the most well-known former cruiserweight. Chef. I know he's uh, been a bit quiet recently with Titus Worldwide and whatnot, but I've, I've, I mean, he's got, he's got to go through in this one, hasn't he? I mean, yeah. Andrews can look strong in defeat, and then Tazawa can. Uh, Go through. I mean, this is Andrews's place to kind of show everybody in the crowd what he can do. Yeah, but I, I do, I do enjoy like you know bringing the other aspect, <coughs> the other aspects in. We've seen Roderick Strong, Tyler Bate, you know, from different walks of life. You know, like the typically wrestlers going for the British title, or they've been uh, wrestling in NXT and that. And it is good to see like you know different aspects of wrestlers. You know. We're going to see some more later on, I'm, I'm sure of it, because we've still got a couple of wrestlers' numbers to make up. Yeah, well, this is our fifth match, and yeah, there's going to be eight matches here. So uh, we're going to have another one, of course, tonight, which is going to be Drew Gulak versus Tony Nisa, then two next week. But we, we talk about styles for the Cruiserweight division. I think that's what makes it special, because it is not the same kind of WWE style everybody expects. You've At the moment, you've got the kind of the Japanese style of Tazar, which is not... 
a strong style, but it is, of course, very snug because he is Japanese. You know, don't get confused with yeah. Nakamura. Tozawa's uh, got his own personality, and with Andrews, is the kind of this British high flying that many people might not associate with it. You know, yeah, indeed, yes, and he's uh, uh, Tozawa's just been channeling his uh, inner Tyler Bate. He lifted out the left hand and caught Andrews with a cheeky right to the jaw. <laughs> quite comical to see but <laughs> Tazar was starting to get himself worked up now working over Mandrews in the corner I think Akira it does have a lot of fun in the ring but he can get the job done let's not forget that as he yeah. snapped Mayor's Andrews well you know out of the ring he's not got much personality but he does you know do his talking in the ring yeah, you know not yeah. just with his work and that you know he's he's got brilliant work ethic don't get me wrong but you know his his actions in the ring as well he can have a bit of a laugh. He can get serious when he needs to. You know, he can wrestle when he needs to. He can, you know, play all parts and tell all, all sorts of stories. Yeah, and I think what helps Tazara, even though, you know, the fans obviously not behind him in this one at the moment, could you see huge empty seats, uh, is the ah, ah, ah chance as well. To have at least yeah. something that the crowd... I think, for me, it's vital for a wrestler, and I know it sounds silly, to either have an action or, or a phrase that the rest that people can... Uh, cheer along to, you know. It might not want to chant Tazawa, it might not be great or Kira, but having that at us, or having like a little statement when they come out, you know, like little fucking whatever Lucha. it is. Lucha. Exactly. So you can at least cheer along if you, if you want to get behind them. Because there's always going to be moments in matches that the guy's going to be caught in sleeper holes, have to make a comeback. Yeah. Fans want to get behind you. And maybe it's basic things that people don't see, but you know. Do you think 205 Live is kind of wasted? On the tail end of a SmackDown crowd. Yeah. I, I think I don't know no idea. Would you rather see it on the tail end of an NXT? I, do you know, if I was going to do it, I'd have it at before Raw. I'd have an hour before Monday yeah. Night Raw. Yeah. Because at that point, you, you, we've been to countless Raws now. Yeah. And that excitement when you first go in there you and you cheer whoever the fucking first guy that comes out, whether it be winning Regal or fucking... You know, a ring announced to a commentator is you cheer the shit out of him because it's the first person you're seeing. You're like, yeah, yeah, you're really into it. I think a couple of great cruiserweight matches could start, and this is what Nitro did. If we go back 20 years back in the day, you have you start off with your cruiserweight matches, you build your excitement, then you go into the main show of Raw, and then you have you know your your dark match as well. Yeah, yeah, you have a dark, yeah, do dark as match a treat event. and a thank you, you know, where are able to have a laugh, and they you know they kind of do a bit of more crowd interaction. Yeah. Yeah, and then the cruiserweights show up on Raw, and the people might have already seen them before Raw started, and yeah. the, so the crowd knows who they are, rather than it being yeah. met with complete silence of like, well, who are these two guys? Got to say, in ring, Mark Andrews is pulling out all the stops. I just see him hit a six one nine, and then springboard back in to try and take Tazawa down, but Tazawa, to his credit, kicked out. Uh, and now. Uh, uh... A variation of a leg lock in on Akira Tozawa, and he's making him go, ah, ah, ah. So the fans start cheering along and saying, oh, I'm actually in pain, I'm, I'm in pain here. And he's teaming up with a few uh, Ric Flair-like knife-edge chops across the, edge, uh, across the chest of Tozawa as well. Andrew's keeping it tight. He wants to smother Tozawa, you know, don't, like you talked about earlier, Tozawa building momentum. That's when he's dangerous, and Andrew's... Kind of further cruiserweight, he, he's quite a small guy, but I think that's an advantage here with the kind of submissions that he can get in, they'll kind of reach in a way, you know. Well, what would you call that? He's riding Tazawa like a motorbike at the moment. <laughs> that's, all I... that's one way to put it, I suppose. <laughs> and Tazawa's stopping him now, getting out of that. 
See, look, look, there's eight, ten seats in front of us from the hard camera. Come on, get someone from around the, the non-camera side to sit there. It's easy. Yeah. How long does it take? A couple of minutes. And now Tizarolo. Oh! Comes in with a lovely running knee. Is he going to set him up for the senton off the top? Yeah, I think this might be it now. Well, he's taking his time. Well, I think Tizarolo was just checking if the crowd was still there. <laughs> he's like, Aline. Have I gone deaf? Here we go. Oh, but Andrews rolling out of the way. Tazawa jumping down. Is he going to go for a suicide dive? Oh, oh! Fucking hell. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, rolling, rolling kamikaze dive there by Tazawa. Throws Andrews back in. Oh. Can we can we call it a kamikaze dive? Yeah, we'll get away with that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go on Wikipedia and change his, uh, his proof list if I have to. <laughs> God. Oh, my God. him with the back of his head. And the fact that Tazawa <laughs> nearly died hitting that. And now Andrews in trouble. Tazawa looking for the senton. For the second time. You mentioned that. he's yeah. taking his time going up there. Long maybe he's uh, underestimating Mark Andrews, which is something you shouldn't do. But again, Andrews up to his feet. Tazawa jumps over the top of him. Ooh. Andrews follows it up with some knees to the chest. Northern Lights rolls through. Oh, Andrews now. Oh, Standing Phoenix splash. One, two. Oh, damn it. Tazawa kicks out. Uh, well, to try to get... To hit a... St- <laughs> now that is... I want to say athleticism, but... He can't say no, it. <laughs> no, that is incredible, Andrews. How the hell did he manage to get that much elevation from a standing start? Is he looking for the master lock? Oh, Tazawa realising that. Blocking Andrews. Oh, spinning kick to the midsection. Andrews ducks the one to the head, though. Tazawa goes through his legs. Oh! And he folded Mark Andrews up like an accordion there. Going to go for the cover. One, two... Oh, but Andrew's managing to get his shoulder up at two. Two. Andrew's cut you hair. He's starting to look like Enzo fucking a more. <laughs> yeah, it's mate, not a good well, look. The, I'll tell you something, though. The, uh, the, the gap in the market's there now, isn't it? To have the most annoying WWE hairstyle. And Andrew's might be thinking to himself, oh, this is an award that I can win. Because he's not winning this fight with Tazara. There's about 24 arms to the face. 24 arms. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh! But Andrews manages to get up, give her a thunderous kick to the midsection and knee to the jaw. Tazar was staggering, but he manages to lift the foot up straight to Mark Andrews' face. He's standing drunk now, but Andrews dodging Tazawa. Oh, rolls through. Oh! oh! It's a stunner. And that is it. If Andrews can get to Tazawa. One, two. Oh! oh. Tazawa managing to kick out. Ah, well, that might be the closest Mark Andrew comes. He was, couldn't believe it. And they've definitely turned it up this past couple of minutes. Why don't the fans appreciate this if they don't enjoy this? It just seems like it's wasting their time. They're like, yeah. oh, we don't want to see this. I wonder if they like this during SmackDown. Probably are the miserable bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew's putting Tazawa up on that top turnbuckle. Hurricane runner. Oh, Tazawa. No, Tazawa catches him. <laughs> He's saying no. Oh, well, Tazawa looked like he was going to powerbomb Andrews through, but Andrews held on. Hurricane runnered him through anyway. One, two, no, kick out. Oh. 
The referee telling Aggies what he thinks of him. Oh, no, he wasn't. It was just a two-pound there. But a cut, a, Tazawa's in position now for Andrews trying to hit the defensive move. He's going up top. He's taking his sweet-ass time about it, though. I'm trying to think. I think it's Andrews. is a shooting star. It's a figure beautiful. He hits it. Oh, oh no. Tazawa rolls in. Andrews lands on his feet. Gets caught with a step up in Seguri. <laughs> oh, Tazawa trying to roll him up. Andrews catches him in a pin. Free. Oh. And with the shock victory, <laughs> Andrews gets the free over Akira Tazawa. Oh, my word, Andrews. Yeah, fair play to him. Beats Tazawa at his own game. And uh, I'm really surprised by that. Bar is, I think, even more shocked at this moment in time. The former Cruiserweight champion is out first round. But, Dan, what did you think of the match? I thought it was a bloody good match. Uh, you know, again, it's it's one of these ones that starts off as a bit of a slow burner, which I like, and then it builds up speed towards the middle. And it's a bit of a shock victory, you know. It doesn't make Akira Tazawa look weak. He was caught napping a little bit. And Andrews, you know, he wrestled brilliantly. So did Tazawa to his credit. And just these selfish bastard fans that don't appreciate what they're watching. Yeah, I mean, the first round match, there's not been a bad first round match yet, has there, really? No. And uh, to see Andrews getting a win, it gives gives me hope for the Cruiserweight Championship moving forward if they are going to give guys who've got this much talent a chance. And uh, no, fair, fair play to both of them. But we move on. Drake Maverick interrupts a gentleman Jack Gallagher promo for some motivation. His countryman likes Jack's suit but wants him to show up in wrestling attire next week and get focused. Gallagher faces Mustafa Ali in one of the final two first-round matches next week. The final member of the Field of 16 is... (laughs) Buddy Murphy! Yes, my man, the former NXT tag champ and future Mr. Alexa Bliss, No, no, no. no, 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 no. He gets a video package talking about how making weight was the hardest thing he's ever done. Well, Maverick presides over a weigh-in, and the Aussie makes it at 204.4 pounds and will face Aria Davari next week. I'm so pleased Buddy Murphy's getting a chance. I really liked him in NXT. Uh, obviously, didn't get a chance, but then again, hang on a minute. Yeah, so this is funny as well, though. Uh, WWE.com posted a preview for next week featuring the final two matches of the first round of the 60-man tournament. But they originally put a photo of Murphy's former partner, Wesley Blake, in his place in the preview. <laughs> and Blake and Murphy were tag team champions. But it is not Wesley Blake. It is Buddy Murphy who's going to get his chance. So, sorry. Um, just going back to... Uh, he interrupts Gallagher's promo. He wants him to show up in wrestling attire. So, that makes sense to what that... Yeah, people want uh, Gallagher post. Uh, it was uh, on Twitter. I was going through it. And uh, Gallagher posted a picture of him in his... Uh, Trunks of many colours, should yes. we say? <laughs> yeah, he is um, and he said, amazing technicolour pants. Yes, and he said, people want this again, hashtag 205 live, and it's kind of uh, brings some light to uh, to the photo. Yeah, I know, if we have that Jack Gallagher back. I mean, they can cut all storylines now for Jack, can't they? Just say he uh, had a bad couple of months and whatnot. So now on to the main event of 205 live. It's our last 205 live that we're watching on the... Uh, WWE Network Review for February this month, but we will be back in only three weeks' time for the next round of 205 Lives. But it's main event, and it's, it's a match that I'm interested in seeing. It's Tony Nice versus Drew Gulak here. Who will go through? I mean, Dan, who are you favouring here with Tony Nice and Drew Gulak? Um, I'm going to go for Drew Gulak, because I know you're a big fan of Tony Nice, and uh, 
There's something about him, isn't there, James? He's built like a what? Oh, he's he's built like a heavyweight, fights like a cruiserweight, but he's absolute. This is the thing I came out. <laughs> I created the word last week. I'm still using it. He is absolute. I mean, look at eight, eight of them, Dan. I mean, I, I, I just, how does a man look like a WWE action figure? He is rocked. He, he's chiseled. And I thought I had a hard on for Randy Orton. <laughs> oh, no. Just Jesus, James. No, I'm not. I'm just, I look. I, I, Gulak's not got a bad physique, but my word, Nice is built, and <laughs> we're going to see here what Nice we're going to get. You know, he, is he going to be the serious one uh, who actually wants to get far in the cruiserweight division, or is he going to focus on his abs and, and stuff like this? The same with Drew Gulak as well, isn't it? Are we going to see the kind of no-fly zone Drew Gulak? How many character we have seen? Are we going to see the serious technician that we saw in the um, CWC tournament? And I would say. From the early going, it might be the latter here for Gulak. I think there's no doubt Gulak can out-wrestle Nice. I think Tony Nice will need to bring up the pace in this match if he wants to have a chance with Drew Gulak. Nice trying to work on the leg and Gulak goes straight to the armbar. Yeah, well, Gulak's out-wrestling Nice. You know, what What presides over what? Is it power over technique or is it technique over power? Do well, you think? It's, I think it's difficult. I think a power can win... But with Gulak, it's knowing how to get out of certain moves. And as you see there, Nice got up, grabbed the leg, and kicked, uh, Gulak just kicked him out and getting on top. The, the problem is, once you're in control like Gulak is, and being such a great technical wrestler, it's the fact that Nice might not be able to get away again. Gulak can keep hold of you. And it's the kind of the power that's got to try and save Nice. I think both men uh, are, in, are in great, as we just talked about, Nice, great physical shape. You know, endurance-wise, they could go for an hour if both men needed to. And uh, I think in this one, I think Gulak might have a slight edge just because in recent weeks, you know, just being a more focal point. But I don't think neither man now has been hurt with the association of he should not be named, you know. Yeah. I think they kind of moved on from that. And that's a whole new thing. I mean, look at Tony Nice there. Well, you know, Gulak was going for a close on. Nice went down onto his back, nipped up. And now he's uh, working Gulak over with a lovely combination. Goes for a pink cover, but Gulak managing to kick out a uh, one. One. And we see Nice diving over the top there, land on his feet perfectly. You know, he is such a great athlete. He's a premier, no, yeah, premier athlete, Tony Nice, yeah. Oh, and look at Nice now, showing he's got the technical side to him, locking up Gulak in a comfortable position, got the leg to the back of Gulak's head. And this is going to be a slow burn. But the thing I like about it now is they're not trying to cram three matches into the, the hour, are they? They're getting two and you're giving them Dude. enough time, let them breathe. You know, the Andrew Cesar match was over 10 minutes, and I'm, I suspect this one will go over that as well as uh, Gulak gets thrown to the outside. Oh, Nice looking for a suicide dive, but Gulak ducks it. And then a lovely cartwheel on the ring apron and catches Drew Gulak with a big forearm there, knocking him down. Well, that is fantastic by Tony Nice. Well, one of the good things I've liked about this tournament is you've seen friends against friends. You know, you've seen faces against faces, heel against heels. It's kind of like, you know, it's... Uh, I think they've been pitting friends against friends more often than not. You know, you've yeah. seen... Uh, was it Dorado going against... Kalisto. Kalisto. You've seen these two go guys go off against each other. You, you know, it's... They're not giving you the matchups that you thought they would be. Yeah. They're not giving you... you... Know, not every matchup is a face versus a yeah. heel. You know, you've got two characters that have uh, been portraying the heel characters. It's, and not, yeah. it's not Hitami versus Gallagher. 
You know, it's not what you would think it was. It's yeah. and, and I think that's what's bringing a, a difference to it. You know, like the, the Mark Andrews Cesaro match we saw. Like, yeah, both men are good guys, and yet they made it work. And in this one, both of these have been quite heelish. Gulak at this moment in time has taken control because when they were on the outside, he caught Tony Nice on the apron and then backdropped him onto those wafer thin the mats. There. I mean, how thin are those mats? They are, are mere millimeters. And now he's thrown him back in. He's working on the legs, just pulling him back. He's going for the cover, but he's not going to get him down. But all this is wearing Tony Nice. You know, the energy is trying to push Gulak's weight off his body, and this is what Gulak knows. Of his perfectly formed body. Of perfectly formed body, sorry, I should say. And you know these guys have been friends recently, so they know each other's weaknesses. You know, they, they, they both know that when they've been tag-teaming up, they said, right, okay, watch out for this because this is something maybe I can't do and the other one can. And uh, <laughs> something I like to see, a Tony Nese explosion there on Drew Gulak. <laughs> Tony Nese having a little bit of uh, luck now with Drew Gulak. A couple of power moves, but Gulak just wearing him down softly, softly. Well, both men coming face to face, but Tony had his knees up into the chest of Gulak. Gulak there, checking, make sure he's uh, not missing any teeth from Tony Nice's strikes. You know, I like both these men. I think the, the thing is, is that maybe personality-wise, they might be a bit lacking, but you can't not say they're two great performers. There's a gut buster there by Nice going for the cover. Gulak kicks out. Uh-huh. We've seen with Drew, he's, he's been able to work his character the past, you know, few months. The potential's there for it. He's very, I think, very likeable. And Tony Nice, he's kind of, with that body he's got and a kind of <laughs> arrogance, I think he can, he'd go quite far as well, Dan, you know? Or Drew Good out there with a back suplex to Tony Nice, nearly getting it, but Nice getting a shoulder up at two. Two, and Gulak telling Nice to get up now. He said, come on, I want to finish this. <clears throat> Well, anything, any friendly <laughs> alliance between the two. Is <laughs> well, I think that went out the window when Gulak offered the handshake and Nice just kicked it away. But now Nice seems to be on top, kicking down Drew. A primal scream there. <laughs> oh, and Drew Gulak grabs hold of the beard. <laughs> he was looking for anything to get him advantage. God. He slaps Nice around the face <laughs> multiple times. Hell. As he gets him up. Oh, electric chair. Bridges out for the cover, too. Oh, oh, but Nice managing to kick out. Ah, and you don't see it that often with the electric chair into the bridge. Gulak just showing the power he's got in him. And Tony Nice thinking, what the hell is he going <laughs> to... What, what's, what's up with Drew Gulak today? We're seeing a different side of him. Oh, my God. Going for the dragon sleeper. Uh, well, the face lock sleeper. And not only now is Gulak having... Uh, is Nice having to deal... With a submission, that's in. He's trying to hold all of Gulak's body weight. He can't get to the ropes because Gulak's stopping him. And that is fantastic there. Nice went to reach out. Gulak grabbed the arm. Oh, but Nice hanging Gulak at the top rope. Oh, and Gulak trying to suplex Tony Nice out. Gulak <laughs> blocking the kick to the face, but Nice come around with a lovely sweep, taking Gulak's legs out of him. All right, now here comes Tony Nice over the top. Oh, and that's certainly a fly zone. He kind of corkscrews his way over there and lands on his feet. Brilliant agility there from uh, Tony. And now he's going up top. Gulak's going to hate this. Yeah, this is it. Now this is it. Nice, now 450. Oh! Gulak rolls inwards. That's why he shouldn't fly when Gulak's on the scene. Oh, my God. And now the damage may be done to midsection Gulak. Now he's going for the dragon sleeper. Nice managing to roll out. Pump handle. 
slams oh. him down to a set up power bomb. One, One two. two. Oh, but Gulak managing to kick out. Ah. I don't know why, but Tony Nese's like wrist protectors they remind me a bit of Wonder Woman. Uh, both men trying to recover, and this for me, even though like you say, we can we can have our problems with the crowd. This has delivered in I've, ring. I've completely ignored the crowd through this match. Yeah, they've they, pissed me off. They're, they're telling a fantastic story now. They're both men are giving each other absolutely anything. Well, you know, they've worked a long time as a tag team partners. You know, well, for the past over a year now, they've worked as a tag team. Well, majority of it anyway. And, you know, it just goes to show they know each other inside out. You know, they're trying to counter each other's moves. As before, both men have got the tenacity to win this. You know, both men want to go on to WrestleMania and the power of Tony Nese. Oh, fuck As he just hell. slams Gulak into the bottom turnbuckle. Well, it was impressive power by Nice in one side. Like, it's a slamming Gulak and the whiplash there. Yeah. Well, Gulak looking to go for a triangle choke, but Nice just powering him up, you know, running across the ring and then just powering him straight into the uh, turnbuckle. And look, one-armed as well. Yeah, I know, that is fantastic. But now I think we realise Gulak is in a position now on that bottom rope, maybe, if Nice could take advantage. Well, Gulak looks out of it in that corner. Nice is dropping the knee pad. He looks at the WrestleMania sign. Here we go, running knees. Oh, oh, but Gulak again had it very well scouted, rolls out of the ring to safety. And Tony Nese, this might be a mistake going after Gulak. I mean, a count out is as good as a, a pinfall victory, but Tony Nese, I think, wants to prove a point here tonight. Gulak backing away. And they fight near the cruiserweight title there. Oh, <laughs> that's payback for the slap earlier. Well, multiple slaps from uh, Gulak, <laughs> and Nice only needed one. Throws him back in the ring. But Gulak looks like he's starting to work himself back into this match. Now he looks pissed off. Ooh. Shoulder barges Nice. He bounces face first off the announce table. I do like Gulak's facials. I do. <laughs> You'd love to give Gulak a no, facial. No, I just like he does his work. And now Nice. Oh. Gulak throws Nice shoulder first into the announce table. Now this is no more Mr. Nice Goo. As he gives him a wedgie and throws him into the announce table for the second time. Or the third, if you're counting the first one as one as well. Well, whatever, how many times you are counting the announce table being hit into. Gulak stares at the sign and he wants to put time. Go through to the second round. Running against the ropes to Nice. Oh! Turns him inside out with a clothesline. <laughs> Gulak certainly means business. Yeah, the referee's saying, come on now, I'm going to have to check... On Tony Nice, the referee could call a bell here. This has been a an attack, the Gulak attack. He's not finished though. Picks him up, power bombs him down. The referee's refusing to count. Why are you not counting for ref? Oh, Gulak showing his power. Powers him up for the second time. The referee might stop this now. Check in on uh, on Nice. And this is a completely different side to Gulak. I mean, he's completely destroying his friend. He is, he screams, and now he's got the... Oh, my God, look how tight that dragon sleeper is. And Gulak is out, uh, and Nice is out of it. Yeah, I mean, he didn't even check the arm three times, did he? Referee knew he was terrible. And Gulak looked like a fucking monster in that match. Yeah. Fair play, Drew Gulak. I mean, Tony Nese, very impressive, but like, like I said, that's a completely different side of Drew Gulak. What, what are your final thoughts on the match? 
Yeah, you know, it was. Uh, it seemed like a pretty even match going between these two, and it just looked like Gulak kicked it up a gear, and you know, he turned into a complete animal. Yeah, he really did. So, what are your thoughts on the um, last three episodes of Two Hundred Five Live, the start of the sixteen uh, man tournament, Dan? Um, well, since it's gone into the uh, the anti Enzo era, as I like <laughs> to call it, it has been absolutely perfect. They've they've had some great matches. Yeah, you know, it's it's been a lot better fitting two matches in than trying to cram yeah. three matches in. Yeah, you know, what more what more superlatives can I throw at the cruiserweight division now? They've carry on going as it is. Yeah, no, it's been great the past three weeks. Uh, I've really really enjoyed it. Uh, I think every match has offered something a little different. I've got to say, you know, Nice and Gulak, probably my. Uh, my match, my match of the past three weeks, really, just because of Gulak looking like a complete fucking killer here, and he goes to grab that cruiserweight title. He wants it. I believe Gulak could get it. And don't forget, when we come back in three weeks' time for the W and I in March, we're gonna have two. We're gonna have the final two matches, Dan, aren't we? Yes, and that is uh, gentleman Jack Gallagher versus Mustafa Ali, which has the credentials to be a great match as well. And we've also got Buddy Murphy. Going against Aria Davari as well. Yeah, but that is it for this month of, for 205 Live. So we move on to news. News! And it's quick news. Quick news! William Regal denied reports that WWE's working on putting together a Latin American tournament. I usually use this account for entertainment purposes only. This is an official low. The WWE has no Latin American tournament booked at this time, despite the news that is being reported today. Well, Corey Graves made a vowed mention to Booker T's issues with him on commentary last night, telling Jonathan Coachman that he might be doing afternoon radio locally if he doesn't watch his tongue. Savannah Stone, who is 17 years old, was Nia Jack's opponent on Raw. Jack's tweeted about wrestling her. Impressed with this very young talent that stepped in the ring with me. Nervous can be, but she did a great job. Congrats on your Raw debut. Yes, well, you know, I'll... I did actually see that match and Nia Jax ran through the poor <laughs> young lady and, you know, 17, could that be construed as minor abuse? Yeah, well, exactly, yeah. I didn't know, don't know what the official age to wrestle. I mean, it's no. 21 to drink in America, isn't it? So you can be a professional wrestler like four years before you're... Yeah. In America, God bless America. <laughs> you can own a gun, but you can't drink, but you can wrestle. Mandy Rose managed Goldust on this week's main event tapings as he defeated Kurt Hawkins. Kalisto beat Davari in in the other match that was taped. While responding to a Twitter interaction that Cody Rose has been having with someone else, Randy Orton wrote that he can't wait for Cody to come back one day. Damn! Can't wait to have you back one day, Code Man. Boot, ha ha, I kid. Would you want to see Cody Rose come back as part of Legacy (laughs) Man? Uh, yeah, it would be interesting, I, I suppose. Yeah. He's he's known as the American Nightmare now, isn't he? Yeah, he is, yeah. wonder where he got that from. Mm. Well, Elbow Grease is a children's picture book by John Cena. It's scheduled to be released in October. Cena tweeted about the book, Big dreams can be scary, but that's okay. Never be afraid to put in the... Sometimes all it takes is a little elbow grease. So happy to bring this story... With wonderful illustrations from Howard McWilliam. Excited for you all to enjoy. And you will be getting that for Christmas, Dan, of course. What can't that man do? I know. What a man. Uh, What a mighty good man. (laughs) What a man. 
Bubba Ray Dudley thinks it would make sense for Paul Heyman, Edge Christian, or the Hardys to induct the Dudleys into the Hall of Fame. I think it makes perfect sense. Dan, who would you pick for the Dudleys? I think it would be that would be wonderful. <laughs> well, another bit of wonderful news: WWE Intercontinental Champion The Miz has signed a new multi-year deal with WWE. The 37-year-old from Ohio has developed into the most celebrated, one of the most celebrated talents on the company's entire. Rostered. <laughs> Roster. It's true. Mike, real name Michael Mizanin, is currently joining his eighth reign as Mike. Uh, as, yeah, he's currently joining his eighth reign as Intercontinental Champion, a feat owned by Chris Jericho. WWE wanted to time Miz up for an even longer period, but the two sides settled on a four year contract. It will reportedly keep the former WWE Champion tied to the American promotion until 2022 when the superstar will be in his early 40s they, they actually wanted it longer they wanted the miss for longer and when you consider the guy's not been injured in 10 years you know he is a vital uh, of raw right now i think it's great news and the mrs reign with the intercontinental title just gets more awesome and historical by the day the a-lister boasts about becoming the superstar with the second most combined days as ic champ at 549 the Miz passed W Hall of Famer Don Morocco to achieve this incredible accolade. Well, The Miz, an eight-time Intercontinental Champion, also second all-time in that category and trailing only Chris Jericho, who has nine reigns, is now less than 80 days away from eclipsing Pedro Morales, who held the workhorse title for 16 days. The Miz just gets better and better as we go along. Right, moving on. Two months removed from the relinquishing the United States title and walking out on SmackDown, Dolph Ziggler has reportedly signed what has been described as a sweetheart deal with WWE. Well, this is according to uh, a lesser podcast, whose host, Bill the Hacker Hammin, claims that while the show-off was close to legitimately leaving the company after the Royal Rumble, convinced to say after receiving an offer he couldn't refuse. Dolph entered the Rumble at number 30, but lasted only two minutes prior to his elimination. He was totally ineffective, and this was because he already had two feet out the door before WWE's last-minute offer, according to Hammond. Now he'll be sticking around, and his new deal includes a couple of big provisions. Well, the first states that Ziggler will be allowed to leave after his matches and won't be made to hang around the arena, unlike other wrestlers. On top of this, WWE will now allow him to pursue outside projects on the grounds that don't interfere with his wrestling schedule. Justin Barrisso of Sports Illustrated is reporting that Ziggler's new deal is worth $1.5 million per year. That report also that Ziggler was always planning on re-signing with the company. This would be contrary to him suggesting he was looking to leave. But $1.5 million puts him up there with the top paid wrestlers in the WWE. Seven-figure... <laughs> you know that's what I did <laughs> seven figure sums and I mean it's quite incredible do you think Dolph Ziggler is worth it what are your thoughts he's kind of an up and down wrestler I know like his new deal states that he's going to be you know he's okay with putting over new wrestlers you know he's going to be used as like a as a pusher yeah yeah, yeah. but no. no I don't know I don't think someone who's not really achieved what he should have done to be paid that I think it makes WWE look desperate not just, but like, there's no main event talent out there. You know, they've not built up Ziggler enough, but they're giving them this money. And if it's true, then it's incredible to think Ziggler has got a fucking hell of a deal. Fair play to yeah. Dolph Ziggler, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right, let's move on to the Hall of Fame. 
Yes, um, Ivory will be inducted into the 2018 Hall of Fame at New Orleans Smoothie King Centre on April the 6th. Uh, ESPN reported the former female wrestler would join the other inductees at the Hall of Fame ceremony to be held ahead of WrestleMania 34. Ivory, also known as Lisa Moretti, was an, uh, was an original member of the Glamorous Ladies of Wrestling, or GLOW, organisation, and later became a three-time WWE Women's Champion. She also appeared as a trainer on WWE's Tough Enough. Well, she said the Hall of Fame means that this is a full circle in your career. It's great bragging rights to your family that have seen you go through the eras, and I feel like it's an awesome tribute to women in wrestling as a whole. Well, the Dudley Boys and Goldberg have already been confirmed to enter the Hall of Fame this year, with more names to be announced in the weeks ahead. Well, Ivory signed for the WWE in 1999 and stayed with Vince McMahon's company until 2005. The Californian made her debut in GLOW as Tina Ferrari, building a reputation on the independent circuit, before winning the women's title twice early in her WWE career. Moretti managed D'Lo Brown and Mark Henry after joining WWE, and also featured as a host on WWE Experience during her time with the company. And she also made the WNR Top 25 Women in Wrestling. Next story is no story, because there's no bad blood between Booker T and Corey Graves. None. It was all the work, and they went old school on everybody. Well, a lot of people don't know how hard I was smiling when they told me I was moving back to my old position, Booker T explained in his latest podcast episode as he laughed. Still not as good as the WWE Network Review podcast, but we're not going to go into that. Uh, I'm one of these people. I saw you walking in the locker room, grinning from ear to ear. What are you so happy about, said Corey Graves, who was invited by Booker T to join the show to clear the air between the two. The original story was that Booker T was mad about Corey Graves and blamed him for not being on the Monday Night Raw anymore. He said that if he saw Corey outside in the streets, he would hurt him, and the story made the rounds for a few weeks. Right, moving on, and this is not WWE related, but it's CM Punk related. The UFC is reportedly in negotiations with CM Punk regarding a fight against Mike Jackson at UFC 225 on June 9th. Now, can you guess where the fight is going to be held, Dan? What what, what, what state, what city? Philly! (laughs) It is in Chicago, right? Ah. It's not Philly, it's Chicago, which is, of course, is CM Punk's home town. You know, Punk is 39 and got fucking soundly defeated by Mickey Gall in U- at UFC 225 in September 2016. Well, of the 13 UFC pay-per-views had in 2016, UFC 203 earned the second highest buy rate, buy rate for an event without either Conor McGregor or Rand- Ronda Rousey, and that was CM Punk's pay-per-view. So only UFC 200, which included Brock Lesnar, Anderson Silva, uh, at Silva Daniel Cormier and Jose Aldo drew more fans on pay-per-view. And like we say, Punk is still a huge draw in Chicago. He's only 32 years old. 32? No, he's not 32. I'm lying to you. Uh, 39. He's 39 years old. But he's still a hero in Chicago. Punk to come out. And look, let's have him... Let's, my thoughts are, Dan, let's have him have this match. Let him lose badly. And then please, Punk, come back to the fucking WWE. Whatever cost. Yeah, whatever cost. Just... You just Pay the money, punk at the Rumble next year. Uh, oh, you know, Survivor Series. Oh, coming out of the Rumble and you hear his music just hit and everyone in the fucking arena yeah. will go absolutely fucking banana. Because the thing is, it's not like Hogan. It's not like anybody. He didn't want to be on top for, for 20 years. He didn't want to be, you know, uh, the, the kind of... 
Alt's money. He didn't hold up the W for money. People like Alt Warrior, Jeff Jarrett did in the past. You know, all he wanted was to main event WrestleMania and be classed as a true superstar on the Rock and you know Austin and and Cena's level. And if Punk came back now and was to win the Rumble, go to WrestleMania, main event it, and be treated as that on a reduced schedule, then Punk would get what he wants and WWE would get his what he wants, and it would stop. All the fucking annoying times that the fans chant CM Punk in places WWE want them. It would, it would sort that well, out. Well, on, on a note of stopping chants where they don't want them, do you know why Ty Dillinger has been kept off TV for a while? Uh, yeah. I... Because Vince McMahon hates the 10 chant. Yeah. Despite putting him on SmackDown's Power 10 at number 10, despite him coming out at number 10 in the Royal Rumble, he hates the 10 chant. Yeah, I've actually got that here. Uh, hang on a sec. It's exactly what you just said, yeah. And I, I can't fucking believe that this guy who worked his way, he was in the WWE, got released in 2009, came back, worked his ass off NXT, got this gimmick, and now Vince doesn't want it because it's the chanting. What's he going to do? Take Rusev off because the fans chant. Look what happened to Daniel Bryan with the Yes movement, exactly. how popular that was. I'm not saying Tyson Energy didn't get to that level, but emotionally you've got to invest in your talent, you know. And, and for Ty Dillard to say he's off TV because of that, he was on the house show recently being a hill trying yep. to turn against as well. Yeah. Uh, but like you said, then they do something stupid, like putting him at number 10 in the Rumble and putting him at number 10 on the SmackDown list. It's like, well, if you're not, if you don't want him number 10, then why are you drawing attention? It's obviously yeah. someone's not talking to someone else in WWE. Well, you know? it's, you know, it's just, it's silly things that they don't need to worry about. Like, you know, when... The announcer says one full, and then the whole crowd goes yeah. one full. You know, it's it's something that they like to get involved in. You know, if what you're gonna because of what? Well, this is the thing, isn't it? Yeah, every time someone says what, what you're gonna be like oh, Austin. Now you can no longer say that. You know, maybe that's why they didn't get this Steve Austin and Mike at Raw 25. Because he was just going, what? Goddamn kid, Jesus Christ, son, goddamn son of a bitch. What? <laughs> what? W promotes Barrios and Wilson to co-presidents and board of. Directors W today, today announced that Chief Revenue of Marketing Officer Michelle Wilson and Chief Strategy and Financial Officer George Barrios the presidents and appointed to W Board of Directors. Well, the successful transformation of our business model has put in us. <coughs> the successful transformation of our business model has put put us in a position to capitalise on all that changed global media landscape has to offer. Um. Said WWE Vince McMahon, I'm confident that our executive management team, led by Michelle and George, will achieve continued success ac- across key strategic in- initiatives and ensure our long-term growth. I'm glad I gave you this. <laughs> Both individuals will continue rep- to report directly to Vincent Kennedy McDan. So, me and uh, Dan were speaking about this during the week, about 205 Live with Vince McMahon walking away. And now with this, other people take control. Does it mean Vince is sorting himself out for 2020 and then the XFL will be his main feature? Do you think that's happening or do you think it's just run-of-the-mill stuff at the moment, Dan? What's that, my love? Well, I think, you know, <clears throat> he's certainly not getting any younger. And, you know, he's kind of handing the reins over to someone so it takes a bit of pressure off himself. Yes, maybe he can focus a bit more on the XFL. But, you know, he's he's got two years to plan for the XFL yeah. and what's going to happen with that as well. So, you know, he's, he's I th- you know, I think he's trying to take a bit of a backseat on it all now. Yeah. Well, the thing is, though, it does say everybody still answers to Vincent Mann. I think that will always be a thing no matter what happens, even if Triple H and Stephanie are in control of what happens on Raw. 
the fact remains that it will still answer to Vince McMahon, you know. So, yeah, moving on from that, WWE released information on their fourth quarter financial results from 2017. A key takeaway from the report is the WWE's continued growth of their stream service. Well, four years ago, when the WWE announced their intentions to launch a streaming service called the WWE Network, it was met with both caution and scepticism from others in the sports and entertainment. At the time of the launch, February the 24th, 2014, the WWE was one of the first standalone sports or entertainment brands diving headfirst into the wild west of streaming your content. Well, per today's press release, the WWE Network average pay subscribers has increased to 1.48 million during the fourth quarter 2017. Network revenues, which include revenue generated by WWE Network and pay-per-view, increased 6% to 46.2 million from 43.7 million. Well, the company continued to increase the global subscriber-based WWE Network, which had 1.47 million total paid subscribers, 1.06 million US paid subscribers, and 0.4 million international paid subscribers at the end of the fourth quarter, representing a 5% increase from December the 31st, 2016. Projection for the first quarter of 2018, the WWE expects 1.53 million people to be subscribed to the network by then. So, I mean, in a weird way, if we look at we, 10 years' time, the people subscribed to the network will be probably the same or more than people watching Raw and SmackDown. So you will lend be time. I'm saying 10 years, it might be five years, you know. Uh, yeah. Raw and SmackDown and stuff that is going onto the network and the network being the main source of programming from for WWE, you know. Uh, so anyway, we go on to Scotland and Dan, I've got a couple of news from Scotland here. A fucking great story I'm going to get on, which is my favourite news story in the week. But first, as Drew McIntyre continues recuperating from that devastating bicep injury he suffered last November at TakeOver War Games, the former NXT champion and my hero celebration later this month when he returns home to Scotland to be honoured by an organisation near and dear to his heart. Well, the Glasgow-based Insane Championship Wrestling announced today that it will induct McIntyre into its, into its Hall of Fame on Monday, February the 12th. The Scottish superstar will receive the honour in person, making a one-night-only appearance at ICW's Fight Club event at the O2 ABC in Glasgow. Well, McIntyre was a mainstay in ICW both before his original debut in WWE as well as during his three-year hiatus away from WWE. He was the organization, organization's inaugural ICW heavyweight champion, first winning the title in 2006. McIntyre recaptured the title again in 2014, holding it for 306. In response to the news, McIntyre described his upcoming induction as a truly special honour. So the next story is fan-fucking-tastic. Uh, WWE superstar Matt Hardy offers Rangers player Jason jo- Jason Cummings wrestling match with Grado. Now, anybody might not know, we have not talked about it a lot on this podcast. We like, um, like to move away from football, but we are huge football fans, Dan, aren't we? And what team do you support, my friend? I am a Spurs fan. And why are you happy when we're recording this podcast today? Because Arsenal lost to Spurs in the derby and Arsenal are shit. Yeah, well, anybody American listeners, obviously you probably watch soccer in the Premier League. Oh, I'm not referring to San Antonio Spurs, by the way. (laughs) I'm talking about Totteringham Hotspurs of London. (laughs) Yes, the North London derby was today in Spurs, thanks to Harry Kane, did sink the Gunners. He's one of our own. In the third section of overtime. Uh, No, (laughs) 
And of course, I am a, uh, well, I'd say diehard Rangers fan, Glasgow Rangers, anybody doesn't know, the most successful club in the world, of course. We won't go on to their facts <laughs> and stuff. But, well, it's true, isn't it? 54 league titles, 37 in Scottish Scotland, Cups. Though. In Scotland, though. In Scotland, though. You can only, you can only win who you're playing against. You can only win who you're playing against, though. No one cares about But Scotland. you can only win who you're playing against. So, yeah, 54 Plenty league titles, league. 36 Scottish Cups, uh, 32 League Cups. Of course, the uh, Cup Winners' Cup back in 1972, four European finals. But anyway, we're not talking about that. We're talking about new striker, Jason Cummins, signed from Nottingham Forest to the mighty Glasgow Rangers. But it, he's got a bit of history, Jason Cummins, because when he was at Hibs, uh, second-rate Scottish team, he was basically uh, fucking around with a guy called Grado. Now, anybody that doesn't know Grado... It's yourself. It's yourself. Grado's a man we covered in 2017 in the best... Uh, the What's it called? It was World of Wrestling, the British special that we had, Grado. Yeah, yeah he was also recently made appearances in Impact Wrestling as well. Yeah, so, uh, and he's, he's a huge star, uh, you know... Oh, I say huge star. Everybody seems to know who he is. He, he's been in loads of stuff. Basically, there was a back... Backsta- uh, well, I say backstage, in the training ground here, Hibs, Grado and Cummins had a wrestling match, and Jason Cummins uh, was wearing his little pants on it as well, and he had a little fight. And then we had the Rangers TV thing. They speak, speak about a potential tag team matchup with Grado in wrestling. So after, ju- uh, after Cummins joked that the pair would take on the Hardy Boys, WWE legend Matt Hardy warned Cummins that he had been marked for deletion. deletion. Responding, Dan, go on. Responding to the video on Twitter, Hardy wrote, this man and Grado Wrestling are coming for House Harder. I've now been marked for deletion. And Grado has said that if uh, travelling to America is too far, but if Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy want to come across to Rangers and face Grado and Cummings in tag team match, it's on like Donkey Kong. All right, so move on. And WWE is considering bringing back the draft to shuffle the respective rosters of Raw and SmackDown Live. Speculation began growing when Ticketmaster sent out an email regarding the backlash pay-per-view on May 6th. The show is supposed to be a Raw-branded event, but wrestling, uh, but we, we've we seen a photo of the email which claimed backlash would be co-branded with Raw and SmackDown Live wrestlers competing. And the email said, Friendly reminder, WWE presents backlash. Attention, ticket holder. WWE presents Backlash. This will now be a combined pay-per-view with Raw and SmackDown superstars. Well, another WWE draft would be a good way to freshen things up a bit. By coming nearly two years after their brand extension in July 2016, it would also allow time for fans to become accustomed to stars exclusively on Raw or SmackDown Live. Well, the idea of co-branded pay-per-views makes sense in theory until remembering the fact that WWE has already finalised its pay-per-view schedule for 2018. Right, so the first pay-per-view elimination chamber is going to be February 25th, 2018. That's meant to be Raw. Uh, the next one is Fast Lane, March the 11th, and that's SmackDown. Yeah, and then WrestleMania 34, of course, the granddaddy of them all, April 8th. Uh, Backlash, May the 6th, 2018, is a Raw-only pay-per-view. Yeah, Payback, May 27th, 27th is SmackDown. Uh, Money in the Bank, June 17th, 2018. It's, is that going to be both? Yeah, both. The dual-branded one. Battleground, July 15th. SummerSlam, uh, August 19th, 2018, is uh, a dual-branded pay-per-view as well. Yeah, and then another Raw pay-per-view, Extreme Rules, September 16th. Hell in a Cell, September the 30th, is a SmackDown only. TLC, October 21st, is Raw. Survivor Series, November 18th, is a dual-branded pay-per-view. And then we've got Clash of Champions, December 16th, which is SmackDown. So having another draft of doing away with co-branded pay-per-views doesn't eliminate the problem brand extension. The watering down of pay-per-views development for saturated programming, 
calendar. Holding 14 WWE pay-per-views is the perfect way to make the shows outside of the Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam feel less important. Well, the two-week gap between Raw's Extreme Rules and SmackDown Live's Hell in a Cell in September is the most extreme example. The strategy also hurts WWE storytelling because everything has to be rushed in order to wrap everything up before the next big event. As will help create some post-WrestleMania momentum on WWE's two weekly shows, the effect likely won't last until the company seriously rethinks its pay-per-view strategy. Well, and speaking of pay-per-view strategy, this... I mean, have you had enough? I mean, WWE puts out a lot of content, like a lot of content. Uh, the WWE puts out eight hours of original content a week, not counting pay-per-views. When it's a big-time pay-per-view, that expands, you know, to, what is it, eight or more hours in a in a week. It's it's incredible. But now, starting in Backlash, the, the rumour going around is that not only will it be a co-branded pay-per-view, but it will be four hours long. Every W pay-per-view now, the B pay-per-views, as we know, will be four hours with an hour on kickoff. So that means the big pay-per-views like Wrestle- oh, Raw Rumble, Survivor Series, SummerSlam will be four-hour events with two-hour kickoffs. We're going to have five, four hours with an hour kickoff for B ones, and WrestleMania will probably be like eight and a half hours like it was last year. Your thoughts on every pay-per-view being four hours long? I think that is a bit too much. Yeah, you know, especially with the kickoff show, then you've got the wrap-up afterwards. You know, I think it's far too much. And the thing is with the pay-per-views is they don't utilise their time wisely. It's like, you know, you you have to have a couple of rushed matches just so some idiot can come out on a mic and talk for 20 minutes, half hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, with no reason or rhyme whatsoever. Well, this is the problem as well, because percentage-wise, it's about 40 to 50% wrestling field on pay-per-views anyway so if, yeah, if you're counting the entrances and all these segments it's just too long and you know to have a five hours every month to watch it i know raw the argument could be well raw's three hours so having a three-hour pay-per-view doesn't make sense because when raws are the same but the the the, the thing would be to shorten raw rather than elongate the pay-per-views you know uh to watch a two and a half hour pay-per-view like they used to do back in the day shall i say it was a perfect time because you got your money's worth with the matches involved. Yeah. The problem with it being four hours, you're going to put matches in, filler matches. You know, like you're going to have kickoff matches, you're going to have other stuff coming in that just isn't pay-per-view worthy just to, for time's sake. It might be different if you're going to have the half-hour match for the WWE title or the, the, world, uh, the Universal Championship. But again, it's something that I'm worried about because it's just the amount of, uh, you know, just content's going to be. Well, I do, you know, I do partly understand that you know they have got a very big roster now you know they've they've managed to fill two Royal Rumbles worth of matches for both the men's and the women's and then they've also had like you know matches before that as well and during you know so it's it is I know they've got a vast roster but you know couldn't they just cut it down and have better quality matches yeah well this is the thing isn't it but WWE won't do that they'll just you know, if it's not two pay-per-views a month, it'll be fucking 20 hours long. Anyway, <laughs> as noted back in November, Ford is reportedly suing John Cena for selling his 2017 Ford GT, reportedly paying $460,000, which violated a contract with a car company. Cena was picked from thousands of applicants to be able to purchase the vehicle, but also agreed to keep the car for at least two years before being allowed to sell it. Initially, only 500 leads were made by Ford. Well, according to sources, new court documents have been filed in the District Court of Michigan and Cena doesn't think he did anything wrong. According to the report, 
This is due to the final contract not saying anything about a 24-month no-resale clause. Cena has asked the judge to throw out the case against him because he believes Ford didn't properly include that clause in their paperwork. Uh, in an original statement to the courts, Ford claimed, Mr. Cena has unfairly made a large profit from the unauthorised resale flip of the vehicle and Ford has suffered additional damages and losses included but not limited to loss of brand value, ambassador activity and customer goodwill due to the improper sale. Well, in the lawsuit, Cena did tell the company that he sold the car along with other property, to pay bills. Ford is looking for Cena to return profits from the sale, along with other damages. And we're going to come across Paige quickly. No. So, Paige, I mean, it's, it filled up our news this time. You know, the past couple of years, Paige has been a huge news story. And we had the horrible news that she's going to, you know, retire. But there's still news about her. And after what seems like an age, we're happy to report something positive in the development of the life of Paige. Well, according to Metal Injection, she is seeing a bassist of the band Attila, Kalan, Kalan Belm. Blem? Kalan Blem. Blem, Blam, Han. Well, they have been seeing each other for a while from the looks of the pictures that Blem shared on Instagram, and they weren't them kind of pictures. No, 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 no. Yeah, they had clothes on. Mm. After quite a while, Paige seems happy with the world. Yeah, apart from them being able to wrestle again. But, you know, I'm sure she's cool with it. Moved on from Del Rio, of course. Right, we're going to move on. And I've got a feeling, after what I edited on Wednesday and what we've done today... We've got no time for the mixed podcast. Again, we're going to miss out because we're going to have six match mixed match challenge matches. So I'll tell you what we're going to do. I promise you now, even though it's going to be on our live show, we're going to release a podcast extra in the next week or so, a couple of weeks, for the first part of the mixed match challenge. We'll do that, put that out there, and then once it finishes, we'll do another podcast extra of the second half of it. I think that's the best way of dealing with it, just because otherwise it's going to be stored forever you know and we've, we've been so we're going to move on and we've so on to arrivals and we've got more details to come in more details are coming about w surprise high of long time impact talent and executive jeremy borash borash will work in nxt he was seen seen at saturday january 27th takeover philly show before news of his jump broke he was in town to host one of jim ross's live shows so most who saw him believed he was just visiting with friends backstage at WWE's weekend shows. Well, the site which broke the story says Borash will indeed be working with a black and yellow brand and a developmental system. Likely starting at this week's NXT tapes at Centre Stage in Atlanta. They claim he's not brought in to work with Matt Hardy on Woken Universe material, but could be tasked with helping craft W's version of the broken gimmick he helped Matt with an impact. Well, Borash was known as an advocate for social media promotion and partnerships like Impact and AAA's work with streaming site Twitch. That could be an area where we quickly see his influence at NXT. Well, it doesn't sound like announcing is in the cards for Borash in WWE, at least initially. His departure does hurt Impact in that area. Uh, the claims of promotion wanted Borash and new co-executive vice president Don Callis to handle commentary as they moved Josh Matthews into a talent role, but those plans are now up in the air. We'll be a lookout for changes to NXT and Impact's presentation after this move. And of course, with Impact now, they've done a couple of months' tapings. They've still got EC3 on there. 
who, uh, if anybody watched Impact Wrestling, I don't know, it's available in the UK, isn't it? It is, yes. It's a couple of weeks behind. It's on Channel 31. Yeah. I think Spike. Spike TV here. Uh, and, and the thing is about that is that you've got EC3's going to be there for the next couple of months. Jerry Borshaw is a huge JB. influence. He's always beside Josh Matthews. Yeah, so. he's, he's a huge influence of TNA since his inception. Uh, and, of course, uh, with Bobby Lashley as well, impending arrival. But the, the weird thing is, did you see who won... The TNA, well, it's not. It's kind of spoiled. It's been out there for a few weeks now, but Austin Aries returned and won the TNA World Title on the Impact Wrestling. What, off of Eli Drake, just off Eli Drake, just recently, yeah, came out there. So I mean, but that was spoiled a few. But again, Austin Aries, really, I don't know about Impact Wrestling. But let them get on with it. They've said they're going to deal with what comes. I'll tell you, the only bit of talent they've got at the moment is Johnny Impact or Johnny Nitro. Yeah. I think he's a great wrestler. I, I was always a fan of him, even up to when he was teaming up with the Miz. Yeah. Would you like to see him back in WWE one day? I would, yeah. Royal Rumble surprise entrance. He could do something special, couldn't he? So, it's, uh, the, the thing is with WWE, they've proven they're not scared to use the Impact guys, have they? You know, even with AJ, Bobby Roode, like everybody now, basically, Impact I'm has not gone too over. sure on Bobby Lashley. I wasn't that impressed with him when he came over. I know he was part of the, uh, the Donald Trump, Vince McMahon hair yeah. versus hair match. But I've I've never been a fan of Bobby Lashley. Don't get me wrong. He has come in on his own. Uh, he was part of America's top team group in, uh, in Impact. And, you know, that's been quite an impressive storyline. But, it, I don't know, he just seems annoying. Well, especially at his age now. He's not the greatest of talkers, is he? But, again, WWE are not afraid to use these guys. So, or, you know, that, that's really, really good. And um, first up, Serena Deeb. Now, we saw Serena Deeb in the May Young Classic. And of course, Serena Deeb, Dan's explained for anybody who doesn't know who she is. Well, she was part of the Straight Edge Society. She had her head shaved by CM Punk. And, you know, is that good news? You've got Gallows in the WWE. You've got Serena in the WWE. Could that spell a, you know, the, the Straight Edge Society joining back up together again? Well, th- this is the interesting thing. So, WB.com gave an interview and said, what exactly will your role be at the Performance Centre? She said, I will be a coach for the female talent and obviously alongside Sarah Amato for the first little bit and helping to groom the next generation. She's going to be a groomer. She says it's the goal to ready. So, she's actually going to be a coach. She, she might appear on air, but I think now she might be looking towards the coaching role and just trying to help out uh, basically everybody in WWE. She's a veteran of OVW, uh, FCWWE and Shimmer. She retired fresh from wrestling in 2015, so she came out of retirement for the May Young Classic. But uh, for, weirdly, I think it's nice that they give these, I say these people, you know, someone like Serena Deeb a chance to come back and be a part of the, the business now, you know? Yeah. And then she can teach the wrestlers. Well, you know, would, she have made, would it have made sense for her to have another appearance in uh, Women's Royal Rumble? Well, yeah, exactly. But they can do that now next year and hopefully... Well, they they can always do that from now on, but I think it's nice that she's back and of course helping the women train more. So you just haven't got because the problem is it used to be Fit Finley training the women, so then everybody wrestled that kind of uh, that one way. So if you've got more coaches, in, obviously you're going to have different uh, styles, different way of learning. You know, it's not just going to be the same cookie cutter. You've got your different things there. Thanks, James. You're going to leave me to say this name. Always <laughs> <What we> do. <laughs> A man preaching is not only the latest addition to WWE's developmental roster. Roster, I can't even. I can you say a man preaching, but I can say roster. A man preaching is not only the latest addition to WWE's developmentals from India. He also has experience performing on camera. That's because he spent many of the past several years 
for TNA and Impact Wrestling under the name Mahabali Shearer. Well, it's not as splashy of a signing or a well-known name for the most North American fans, but it's an interesting one nonetheless. The fact Singh used to work for Impact was probably low on WWE's list of considerations when they decided to bring him on board. Not they admit it if it was. They only acknowledge him as an independent wrestler and bodybuilder who has enjoyed success inside the ring in his native India as well as the United States and United Kingdom. Most of the experience came while working for the former TNA, just like the training he received from Al Snow, which WWE announcement touts. Well, in addition to his time on Impact, Singh starred in the Indian television series TNA produced Ring Car King, where he even served as the promotion's first champion. That and quotes like this one. I come to the US. No, <coughs> sorry. Please come again. Uh, I came to the US with the dream that someday I'm going to make my country proud. I would consider myself fortunate if I'm able to become a positive role model for the youngsters of my country and impact lives. I don't think I can find a better platform than the WWE to empower myself, to empower others, especially those. Another arrival, former Impact Wrestling star and WWE United Kingdom star Mark Andrews has officially signed a WWE contract and will be a permanent member of the 205 Live roster now. So that is confirmed today. We don't know how long it means. We don't know how long he has signed, but it's been confirmed that he has signed. And uh, like we said, he got through to the first round. So maybe Andrews is going to be, a, you know, that, that's going to be a thing in the future. But I think that's some good news. Uh, moving on to injuries and Alicia Fox. Fox has broken a tailbone, reportedly out a few months. Well, WWE.com can now confirm Fox has suffered a broken tailbone known as coxygeal fracture. The company did not reveal at the time, uh, did not reveal a time frame, but provided a clue by saying Goldust needs a new partner for their Facebook mixed tag shows since their team isn't scheduled to compete until next week, February the 6th. Uh, she'll be out a few months. The site also claims the injury did not occur during a performance, but in the ring during a workout session. Fox is said to be understandably very upset about not being able to take part in the 28th main event in Philly. She was reportedly replaced by NXT's Kari Sane. Yeah, so Kari Sane, took, Kari Sane weren't even going to be in the Rumble if it weren't for uh, Fox's. Well, Samoa Joe is apparently not scheduled to return to WWE anytime soon until mid-March, as he is currently not being advertised for WWE's Madison Square Garden show, which takes place during that time. Whether if the former NXT champion does make his return in mid-March, then it's safe to assume that he will be indeed placed on this year's WrestleMania card in New Orleans as the show takes place during the first week of April. But at this time, it's still under closing what exactly WWE has planned for Joe. So we still don't know when Joe is coming back. An injury that I'm sure everyone's happy has happened, and that is Jason Jordan. And Jordan's wife, April Everhart, took to social media last night during Raw and issued a statement on his WWE status, confirming that he has been sent home after last night's backstage segment with Raw general manager Kurt Angle. Well, in regards to Jordan's possibly undergoing surgery due to the apparent severity of his neck injury, he's reportedly lost strength in his grip. Jordan's wife said that the injury is minor and he'll be back in no time. Here's her full statement. She'll address this once and for all. Yes, Jason Jordan is injured. I assure you, everything you've seen online is 
fake news. He has a minor neck injury, minor neck injury, and he will be back in no time. Although I'm very excited to have him home for a bit, I promise I will help him gu- guide him to a speedy recovery. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who reached out to check on him. He is very positive and already planned his comeback. In the meantime, just please keep sending and I good vibes. So Who's it's fine. Nathan? I guess his real name. Nathan Jordan. <laughs> Nathan Jordan. <laughs> 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 Probably George, but anyway, uh, keep sending him and I good vibes. So it's going to be minor energy and he'll be back in no time. Then what happened? <laughs> <coughs> well, Jason Jordan underwent neck surgery Tuesday and will be out indefinitely, WWE announced. Well, WWE medical director Dr. Joseph Maroon provided a statement about the former Raw Tag Team champion. He had an injury to a disc in his neck which resulted in significant pain, which was refractory to all conservative measures. It was decided to do a minimally invasive operation to decompress the nerve to allow it to heal. The announcement comes after Dave Meltzer reported Jordan was issue that was giving him trouble gripping with his hands. Well, it's hardly going to give him trouble gripping with his ear, is it? Meltzer listed that Arn Anderson, Edge and Chris Benoit as former wrestlers who had experienced similar problems. Well, well I think Chris Benoit... His problems didn't really stem from that. It was yeah, well, no, but they say they say the amount of damage that you took, you know, maybe uh, April Everhart should watch out for Jason Jordan. Or Have they saying. got any kids as well? Exactly. Tamina Snooker uh, has hang on a minute. Snooker has underwent surgery to repair a torn rotator cuff, and they speculate she may be dull before a short stint in the Royal Rumbles match. She last worked on the January second episode of SmackDown, so we hope Tamina 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 Snooker comes back. Soon enough. Are you going to miss her in the women's division, Dan? Not really, no. <laughs> right, moving on to Raw and SmackDown. The WWE is in the business of putting spaces, or at least that's why the voice that's what the voices of the company would tell you. Maybe that's true. What they don't seem to be in the business of is making any damn sense for their television programming. This week's episode of Monday Night Raw gave us multiple examples of this. Firstly, the revival, now being called Tag Team Specialists, immediately lost to two wrestlers who aren't an actual tag team. Yes, um, Sasha Banks and Bailey both lost. Both Sasha Banks and Bailey both lost in the Raw Rumble, won by Oscar. Then lost single matches to Oscar on Raw, and both are getting a title shot in the Women's Elimination Chamber match before Oscar gets the title shot she earned by winning the Rumble. When Raw Women's Champion Alexa Bliss confronted General Manager Kurt Angle about the issue with booking her to defend a title in the Elimination Chamber. Well, talk about how it's great for the women's evolution when Raw men's champion Brock Lesnar doesn't have to do the same. Angle's verbal response was to say, The last time you defended your title was in October of last year. To which, to which, to which Bliss rightly pointed out she doesn't ha- make the matches, he does. <laughs> then to top it all off, they manipulated their way into getting the crowd to cheer for the match being made, despite the fact that everything Alexa said was right on the money. Equality indeed. A triple threat match was booked whereby the winner would earn the right to enter the men's elimination chamber last, even though he had only filled out three of the six spots in the match for that point. Four of the five elimination chamber qualifying match losers aren't really losers because they're getting another chance to qualify next week anyway. An injured Jason Jordan was told he couldn't wrestle alongside Seth Rollins in tag team match, so Roman Reigns, who is not a tag team wrestler and had already qualified for the men's elimination chamber match, took his place by up and standing next to Rollins. Well, once again, Monday Night Raw makes no damn sense. And it's not just Raw, because that's weird. Ziggler won the United States Championship at Class of Champions on December 17th, 
Two days later on SmackDown, he said fans don't deserve him, so he left the title ring and walked out. Like we know, they booked a tournament to crown a new champion, and Bobby Roode Bobby won said tournament. He is still US champion, having successfully defended his title against Rusev on this. Well, Ziggler made a surprise return on the 30th. As well, Ziggler made a surprise en- <coughs> Ziggler made a surprise return as the 30th entrant in the Men's Royal Rumble match on January the 28th. But that wasn't followed up on in any way. He was eliminated in just over two minutes and then he missed SmackDown a couple of days later. Now he's been announced as returning on next week's show in the aforementioned match against Baron Corbin. It may be best to wait and see on this one, but it's certainly strange that this has all played out this way considering the storyline he left on. And what we've had on Twitter is Shane Man saying, let's make this more interesting, the match at Fastlane. And he's made Corbin versus Ziggler. The winner of that will join and make it a fatal four-way. So how confusing is this now? Baron Corbin, a guy that lasted one minute in the Rumble, going against Ziggler, who lasted two minutes. Both men are not in the top ten of the SmackDown lists. So don't you shouldn't really get an opportunity if not on there. Owens and Zayn aren't on the SmackDown top ten list either. No. And they're in the match as well. I... I don't understand. Randy Orton, what is you know, going and on. I'm a big fan of Randy Orton. Yeah, he was up higher on the list than a majority of people, even though he hasn't been seen since the Royal Rumble. Well, apart from yeah, when he came a... out and RKO'd the shit out of everyone. All right, <laughs> yeah. But okay, let's get on to that now then, because we're going to talk about. Uh, well, we've already talked about Raw and SmackDown, but we'll talk about it a little bit more in a second. Recoveries. Recoveries. Big Cass is reportedly making a comeback for, to be in the ring soon. Wrestling fans may remember Big Cass suffering an anterior cruciate ligament ACL injury last summer while fighting his rival Enzo Amore. Who? Well, come on. Big Cass was set to be one of WWE's biggest stars, and it's obvious that the WWE creative team have big plans for his career and storyline. I said the fans were cut short when he suffered an ACL during a match. Well, he's not been prominent on WWE ever since. Although his eventual surgery was successful, doctors advised Cass not to participate in matches for at least nine months. While Big Cass was mostly on the sidelines, he was not idle. Recent reports suggest that he is doing very well. He was even spotted in a WWE Performance Centre in Orlando. Apparently, the performer had been on a path to steady recovery and move around now without any assistance. So, I guess... So, so sorry, since Big Cass has been injured... Enzo has been moved down to 205 Live, won the title, committed rape, and been released. Yes. Well, he's been busy, whereas uh, Big Cass has just been taking it easy. No, and he's going to come back now, and it's just going to be horrible. It's going to be horrible, you know, with Cass coming back. I forgot about him, yeah, and it's just not good. Right, so move on from that, and departures, and WWE announced Rich Swan has left the company by mutual agreement on Thursday. He was part of the cruiserweight division, but he will move on to passages new. And W did not elaborate on his departure in the initial statement other than tuition well. I mean, Strong did bring, build a strong reputation on Raw, didn't he? he captured... Strong. <laughs> didn't he? Strong though? did build a strong... Uh, sorry, Swan built a strong reputation on Raw, though, didn't he? And captured after beating Brian Kendrick in November 2016. The 27-year-old initially made his way through the ranks with NXT before finding home. In the company's flagship show, W descended Swan indefinitely in December after he was arrested on charges of false imprisonment and misdemeanor domestic battery. He was cleared of all charges due to lack of evidence and already on Twitter, Rich Swan has got dates lined up. So, you know, I think he just wants to move on and maybe in a couple of years' time after this has all gone away, 
uh, after, you know, after going away, maybe coming back and uh, that will become more of a thing, if you know what I mean. Whatever I was trying to say. Uh, yeah, he can take a couple of years out, come back and then start afresh, basically. Yeah, so I think that'll probably be the best bet for him. Yeah, unlike Enzo. All right, Dan, so now it's time for... The Raw Review. Take it away. Well, first up, we had uh, Roman Reigns versus Bray Wyatt in an Elimination Chamber qualifier match. And, of course, Reigns won it. But after the match, um, Matt Hardy came to lay out Bray Wyatt, which was uh, probably the most interesting part of the match. Well, Reigns, you know, he referred to... Uh, Wyatt referred to Reigns as a failure waiting patiently to be put out of his misery. Well, at least they've been feuding. Well, they've had problems with each other ever since the Shield versus the Wyatts, haven't they? They have, indeed. One thing about the match, or a couple of things I noticed, was that Reigns kicked out of his sister Abigail. Ah, yes, uh, he did. Bray did not kick out. Ah, no, he didn't. Spear, so maybe they're building that up as a killer move. And then Kurt Angle came out and said uh, uh, he revealed that there's going to be a women's elimination chamber. And he said that it's going to be Bailey, Mandy Rose, Mickey James, Sonya Deville, and Sasha Banks all going up against uh, Alexa Bliss for the women's title. And he noted that Nia Jax will face Oscar at the pay per view, and the win would earn her a space in the WrestleMania Raw Women's Championship mm. bout. Um, well, it's a huge opportunity for what well, cut things of that. It shows that the women's division lack a little bit with Alicia Fox not being there and Paige. But it's a huge opportunity for Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville to actually prove themselves at Elimination Chamber, isn't it? You know, to show they uh, belong. Up next, we had Dance Against Oscar after Sasha Banks was uh, re-watching her loss to Oscar backstage. Bailey tried to come for her, but the boss remained unsure of herself. In the ring, Oscar and Bailey traded the advantage. Oscar fired away with big strikes. Bailey countered with offensive, uh, aggressive offence. Bailey was able to leave Oscar reeling, but eventually the Empress of Tomorrow was able to trap her in an armbar and put her away. After the match, Oscar and Bailey shook hands to show a great sign of respect. What was the more competitive Banks Oscar one or the Bailey Oscar one? I think Bailey versus Oscar was better. It was quite a good match between the two of them. <clears throat> um, you know, it's it's it also it all adds like you know the backstage tension between Bailey and Banks. Uh, you know, Bailey's, uh, Banks said, you know, I know I can beat Oscar. And Bailey said, well, I know I can beat you to Banks. Yeah. Which, you know. So still might have that Banks-Bailey feud that everybody's been wanting for a, a little while now. Uh, the Bar versus Seth Rollins and Jason Jordan, it was supposed to be. But it turns out that Jordan wasn't ready, to, wasn't clear to fight. So Reigns just walked up next to Seth Rollins and he was in the match. Even oh. though he had a match earlier on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Reigns can do anything, remember that. Of course he can, yes. Jordan came down to offer his support, but just as Rollins mounted a gutsy comeback, the referee saw Jordan interfere and disqualified the challengers as a result. So the bar retained their titles. Up next, we had Nia Jax versus the 17-year-old Vanessa Floyd. Uh, After the package aired of her career highlights, Jax steamrolled a jobber. She dispatched her her opponent after a few power moves. Renee Young interviewed her afterwards, and the Hoss promised to take up when they meet. Last match main event was a match to earn the right to enter last in the Elimination Chamber. And that was Braun Strowman versus John Cena versus the GPD. Uh, the Monster Among Men manhandled everyone. Cena and Elias actually joined forces to take on the big man. Big man. Elias plays the, played the scavenger and pinned Cena after the Monster Among Men laid him out. 
And an ang- angry Strowman went on a rampage afterwards. So Strowman is now building towards this kind of great babyface run. GPD is this kind of snivelly hill who's they're getting really behind at the moment. And it's all going to be ruined by John Cena basically fucking him over. And he <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, a, a point from that is that Cena managed to give the attitude adjustment to Braun Strowman on a set of ring steps, which, mm. you know, is impressive. And, uh, yeah. Well, it's not going to be a it. bad chamber match, though. You're going to have the stripe with Strowman, Cena, and uh, Reigns in it. It's, it's, that's going to be quite cool, isn't it, to see. I'm sure there'll be a couple of showdowns. Was that... That was the main event from Raw, yes. Yeah, right, so that was the main... So what did you think of Raw this week, then? Um, I don't know. It, it felt like it was missing something. I don't think the matches were of a high quality. I think the best match was the Oscar Bailey match. Oh, uh, well, there we go, then. So the, at least the women's revolution is uh, doing its own thing on Monday Night Raw, making that entertaining. Still no cruiserweights. But, you know, Raw is what it is. So, so let's move on to... The SmackDown Summary. The United States Championship match. Oh, boy. Bobby Roode versus Rusev. Now, I said last week it would be a great idea for Rusev to beat Bobby Roode. Kind of start this feud between these two men. Getting Bobby Roode on the uh, the straight and narrow. like a hill we love. And Rusev is kind of ever defeating babyface. Now, the match, I thought, was very good between these two. But then they decided to... Uh, to ruin it by putting another guy over these talented workers, basically, and and just squashing them down, and it's a real kind of disgusting thing that happened. But Dan, what what did you, you tell everybody? Cause, <coughs> well, you know. Rude and Rusev kept the action on the ground early. A big shoulder block from the challenger left the champion reeling, fending off a comeback attempt by Rude. Rusev seized control of the match and targeted his opponent's back, obviously setting him up for the accolade. Rude did fight his way back into the match, but perfectly timed interference from English allowed Rusev to catch him with a big kick that earned him a two count. The action mm. continued back and forth, late until Rusev tried for the accolade. Rude escaped and moments later delivered a glorious DDT for the win and successful title retention. So everything was fine. Rusev was uh, Rusev had been put down. Bobby Rude was in the ring celebrating. Well, he was just about to do his glorious pose. But Randy Orton came from out of nowhere and caught Rude with an RKO. Cheap shot. He dealt the same fate to English and Rusev before standing tall to an ovation. And that's these words, not mine. Look, which an are ovation. your words? Standing which, which tall. Are, which are your words? Standing tall to an ovation. Yeah, ovation. Uh, well, the ovation was people going, why have you just destroyed Bobby Roof? Why are you getting involved, Randy? You meant to be a main eventer, and yet you're trying to go after the United States champion, are you? And you have to sneak attack him. <laughs> From behind, you have to sneak attack him from behind to get an advantage of him. Well, an analysis of it, uh, the Orton curveball was an interesting one that his RKO to Rude would almost assuredly trigger a heel turn. His follow-ups to English and Rusev, though, created mystery as to what exactly Orton's motivations are. Who cares what old this? No, are. this is the, the analysis of the match, right? Anyway. The commentators even played up the questions surrounding Orton's actions. With that said, the Viper dropping random people with RKO's is much more interesting take on his character than anything else he has done in the last year. Which is, I said that they should do this with Randy Orton, go around RKOing people, but not RKOing <laughs> Bobby fucking Roode. Well, this, this happened on Twitter during the week now, because we're going to get into it, and the WNR podcast <laughs> tweeted out a picture of Bobby Roode celebrating after his victory, Randy Orton doing it. And then it all kicked off because, Dan, you, you're a man to cheap shot, to kick him whilst they're down. Low, low, you know what I mean? 
And, and people can go on our Twitter page at WWE Network Review or at Jan Score Rollins. Or at Vince McDan WWE. And they can discuss what we've seen and, and the clips on there. And then the discussion basically was, it was who would win between Bobby Roode and Randy Orton. Now, Dan, you said to me, oh, he would just RKO him. And I said, well, the RKO would, of course, stand for Randy knocked out, which it would. Bobby Roode would defeat Randy Orton easily. But then you had to cheap shot me, didn't you? Go on, tell them what you said. Well, I said I said we could put a pay-per-view point on the line, and which I remembered, James has none. All right, so cheap shot. Even though I won the predictions last year, right? Even though I absolutely caned him, and the loser had to wear a T-shirt of the winner's choice. So I'm not one for cheap shots or, you know, going low like Dan does. That The fact is I'm not the one that has to wear the Enzo More t-shirt to Monday Night Raw. You see, I, I think it's completely unfair that, you know, let's look at it now. Right? Not only do you cheap shot me on Twitter, you, you basically do what Randy Orton does. You attack me from behind. And Out of you, nowhere. And you think you can get away with it. And the fact is now, look, we both know, I can look in your eyes right now and I know if Bobby Roode versus Randy Orton, who's going to win that one? There is no doubt in my You've got the guy who's, who's ultra-talented, who is the future of the WWE, who WWE should get behind, who's got all the talent in the world, versus the guy who's passed it. It has been, Dan. Randy Orton has, has been. Come on now. Well, he, you know, he has been around the WWE since 2002. Yep. And he's had a successful career. And now... And last year... What was Rude doing last year? Rude was defending the NXT Championship. No, not this time throughout. last year. I mean, the, the time year. He was defending his NXT Championship up until August, you know, uh, very successfully. And then came across to SmackDown, of course, in a huge way. Now, Randy Orton realised how great, how glorious Bobby Roode is. And he's got to jump on those coattails, jump on that bandwagon. I have to attack Bobby Roode because he's the hot thing right now. And at the moment, I mean, what's the, what's the last thing Randy Orton did? He was in the main event for about three straight pay-per-views. Oh, and what was the result in that one against? He, he, he won? He no. got cheated it, out. No, no, of... wait, he lost versus who? He got cheated out of the title against uh, Jinder Mahal. Jinder Mahal? Oh, that Hall of Famer, Jinder Mahal. Who, where's Jinder Mahal now, then? Oh, exactly. He, exactly. So, Randy Orton loses to no one, and now he's got to face someone in Bobby Roode. I'm afraid there's, there's only going to be one way this ends, and that is a Bobby Roode victory. Because, like I said, he's glorious, and to go against a has-been... You're not very... Oh, you're not, not tweeting now, Dan, are you? What are you doing now? Well, because you ban phones. <laughs> I don't care what, the, what I'm just saying, you know. You know, you know. Yeah, not very confident now, are you? Yeah. Well, we'll see once it's all over and done with yes. who stands yes. tall. We shall. With his hands raised. We shall see. And even Randy Orton copying Bobby Roode's uh, <laughs> taunt at the Bobby end. Bobby Roode. Well, he was. He was mocking him. He, he, was, he, was, he was going, oh, look, look, how much better does that look as opposed to the kind of gay arms, I should say. The weird arms up in the air anyway. Well, yeah. Bobby Roode has copied Randy Orton because Randy Orton's been doing that for years and Bobby Roode comes into NXT and he's like, oh, I'm glorious. Bobby Roode is glorious. If you've not learned anything from Bobby Roode, Mr. NXT last year has come to SmackDown now and Randy Orton even wants us to do this fucking heel turn. I don't care about Randy Orton being a heel anymore. I want Bobby Roode to be a heel. That's what he's best at. A heel Orton versus a face Roode, I think, is, is not going to work, you know? Because we're going to see Randy Orton with his 10-minute sleeper holds in the matches. Well, Randy Orton excited. does what he wants when he wants. And he will lose to Bobby Roode when they do face off. It's inevitable. We, we, we know what happens. 
Whenever it's your guy, Dan versus my guy, my guy always comes out on top. And it's a... free <coughs> eleven boy. <coughs> you, I don't, no, you didn't pick him. You didn't pick your boy. He still won. No, no, it doesn't matter. When we, when we go pick him, as I said, when we pick him, we'll see what happens. You've gone against Orton many a time. I've never gone against Bobby Roode. Well, for the main event on SmackDown, we had a number one contenders match, Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn. And KO and Zayn have had a history of extraordinary matches that are equal parts, intense and dramatic. And that was the case Tuesday night as they waged war in a match aimed at crowning a new number one contender for AJ Styles' WWE Championship at Fastlane. Unfortunately, late interference on the part of the frustrated Phenomenal One ruined the outcome. Late in the bout, Zayn was rolling, fueled by Owens yelling him, I'm the one that wins titles. He was moments away from cashing his ticket to the upcoming pay-per-view when Zayn's braggadocious and egotistical attitude led him confronting Styles. Uh, the phenomenal one fought both competitors, leading to a disqualification finish. Daniel Bryan arrived and announced a triple threat match for Fastlane as the show went off the air. And as we know now as well, that there's gonna be it's gonna be a fatal failure with Ziggler involved. But this is never ending. This Shane McMahon and um, Daniel Bryan feud now on SmackDown. They really sort it out. Zayn and, and Owens they've, they've been wasted being used like this as well. It, it, and AJ Styles, WWE Champion, they kind of really need to sort it out. You know, have someone... And Nakamura as well. Yeah, the, the match was, you know, the match between Owens and Zayn, they've certainly got the chemistry. As we saw on their ride-along video, they've been yeah. wrestling for, for years together and against each other. And it certainly shows in the match. I'm not sure, you know, because it's got a bit of backlash, the match against AJ Styles. It's another boring, repetitive match that the fans have seen and they don't really fancy seeing again. But I do like a bit of heat between these two. But is it too soon to be kind of driving a wedge between these two before they've even come together properly? I know they've been yeah, together yeah, for yeah. a little while, but... Do you know, I, I honestly don't think SmackDown knows what it's doing with that. I think they're just week-to-week basis. I don't think there's any long-term plan for Owens or Zayn, which I think is a shame. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I want to bring attention to the top 10 because the top 10 was released. So number 10 was Ty Dillinger, of course. Ten. Ten. Number 9, your man Randy Orton, Dan. Becky Lynch at 8. The Usos at 7. New Day at 6. The Glorious Bobby Roode at 5. Naomi at 4. Shinzuki at 3. Charlotte at 2. And AJ Styles at 1. So the list is full of baby faces, but it is very confusing because we talked about the Ziggler-Corbin match. That's going to happen, neither man being on the top 10. As of for this week's SmackDown, Nakamura was mentioned, or Nakamura was seen just for a couple of seconds telling AJ he's going to lose at <clears throat> WrestleMania. Uh, also, if you think about it, we'd be right, it's closest to the Women's Championship with Natalia. Uh, she's not on the top 10 list. And also the Bludgeon Brothers, who are going to face... Usos at some point are nowhere on the top 10 list. So, I don't know what the top 10 list is doing at the moment, but you know what I mean? They they need, obviously, some work on that. But what did you enjoy more this week, Raw or SmackDown? Uh, I'm going to have to say SmackDown. Yeah. Just for the RKOs. (laughs) Fuck you. I should say, you showed up wearing your fucking Randy Orton t-shirt. You know, I should make him put the Enzo Moro t-shirt on, really. I should... Do it. I'll be wearing T-shirts of two wrestlers that could easily beat Bobby Roode. Oh, and well, you know how much I hate Enzo Amore. Well, from <laughs> <laughs> from now on, I would say I'm going to let us off this time. 
But from now on, Dan, if you ain't wearing your Enzo T-shirt, no Enzo top, no entry, I'm going to say here. I think it's only <laughs> fair after what's happened. I, of course, are wearing a glorious Bobby Roode T-shirt in support of my man, the United States champion. How many times has Randy Orton been United States champion, Dan? Probably as many times as Bobby Roode has won the Royal Rumble match. Look, uh, about, answer my question. How many times has he... None. Okay, no. Uh, how and many times has Bobby Roode won the Royal Rumble? The question is, how many times has Bobby Roode entered the Royal Rumble? Exactly. How many times has Bobby Roode won the heavyweight championship? How many times has Bobby Roode won the Intercontinental Championship? How many times has Bobby Roode won the tag team championship? Go to TNA and watch the history of Bobby Roode winning countless world titles, tag team Well, we're not doing a TNA review podcast we're doing the <laughs> WWE Network he review. was the NXT champion for the majority last year he's come over here he's already got a, he's come to SmackDown he's already got a championship and now Randy look it's it's. so would you say Bobby Roode is a legend it's the past and future versus the present would you say he is I a legend I say Bobby Roode is definitely a legend and a future Hall of Famer do you know that Randy Orton kills legends oh fuck off you know Nobody well, kills a legend. Well, he does, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, and he also his voice is in his head, yeah, and he's going to leave a legacy. Don't make me fuck. Well, he is an evolution. Mystery. Yeah, so now it's time, Dan, for... Raw Review. Take it away. Well, um, I'm going to start off with Raw, obviously, as it's a Raw Review. Well, John Cena kicked off uh, Monday's episode of Raw, drawing a huge reaction as he entered the arena in San Jose, California. And he discussed the significance of WrestleMania, obviously. Uh, something that has been drilled into the minds of fans for the last three decades before he was rudely interrupted by The Miz and The Miz-Tourage. And Cena laughed at the idea that Miz could be a legitimate and credible opponent to Universal Champion Brock Lesnar, going so far as to say the only way he has a chance against the Beast Incarnate is if he doesn't show up. And then The Miz reminded Cena that he beat him at WrestleMania. Yeah. WrestleMania 27. I remember it well. And, uh, well, eventually Cena challenged The Miz to a match in which the loser would be the first superstar to enter the Elimination Chamber on February the 25th. The Miz Taraj attacked Cena, drawing out Angle, who made the match official, but banned Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel from the ringside area. And one of the most important things I'd like to pick up from that Beat down by the Miz Taraj is that Bo Dallas's trousers split as he was beating down John Cena. <laughs> it looked like he shit himself. No. Um, can I just say, sorry, when you said that, I've literally just got an email from the WWE Network. Um, after WrestleMania, you get both best of Raw and SmackDown on every, pay- every month on every pay-per-view. So it's been confirmed now, what we just said earlier, it's been confirmed that every pay-per-view will be Raw and SmackDown co-branded and it will be four hours. <laughs> So we broke the news to you and then WWE followed it <laughs> up. WWE literally just broke... Hang on, I'm going to put a fucking bit of tape over my camera <laughs> yeah. now on my laptop. They've <laughs> literally just got the email now, sorry. Yes, so uh, Kurt Angle made that match official and just after the beatdown, uh, the Miz wanted the match started as quickly as possible. Uh, and I thought it was a bloody good match between John Cena and the Miz. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, obviously John Cena was uh, started off at a disadvantage after having been beaten down by the Miz Taraj. And uh, the Miz tried to get a couple of early pinfalls on Cena, uh, you know, after the attack to try and get the match put away quickly. Uh, Cena evaded a skull crushing finale only to find himself trapped in a figure four. Cena escaped and locked Miz in an STF, but the Miz made it to the ropes. 
Cena delivered an AA, but Miz managed to kick out. And then the Miz reapplied Cena to the figure four, but Cena once again counted into SDF. Uh, the Miz hit a skull-crushing finale, but Cena managed to kick out. Ah. And then uh, an overconfident Miz attempted his finisher from the top rope, but Cena countered and delivered a super AA to score the win and ensure Miz enters the upcoming elim- Elimination Chamber match at number one. Do you think this match was good because the Miz has improved as an in-ring performer as well? You know, look at the WrestleMania 27 match. It weren't great, was it? No, it's because Cena can carry Miz. I, 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 I disagree. I disagree. But I'm not going to argue. No, no it was it was one of the ones. I know these two guys have got a lot of chemistry between each other, so maybe that helped it in a in a good match. But no, you know, it's just one of the matches where a lot of things clicked. But thoroughly impressed with it. Yeah, yeah it's big. Yeah, the outside influence actually enhances a match rather than takes away from it as well. Telling the stories. Yeah. Um, a match that we haven't seen in a long, long while was up next, and that was Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows against the Revival. <laughs> See, yeah. he did there, yeah, he was in every week, yeah, right. What, what happened, Dan? Well, uh, as the club was making their way down to the ring, the Revival attacked them on their entrance, taking out um, Gallows' leg and uh, leaving the baby faces fired up ahead of the bell. After a furious flurry by the Good Brothers, the Revival seized control by heading into the break, taking Gallows' knee out for the second time. The Revival continued to work over the knee until a hot tag to Anderson appeared to turn the tide in the favour of the former Raw Tag Champs. With his partner down at ringside, though, Anderson fell play to the Shatter Machine, and uh, the Revival did then defeat Anderson and Gallows. Oh, so do you think they're giving up on Anderson and Gallows now? <laughs> after we said, well, they're really going to get behind him, it's like, oh no, it's Revival now. Yeah, but, you know, I think they would make good contenders to Sheamus and Cesaro's tag team championships. Someone's got to be a fucking challenger to them, you know what I mean? We've got to have proper tag teams. You can't just be like Rollins teaming with whoever. (laughs) Yes, indeed, yes. (laughs) He's been doing it for a year. Um, And then up next, Kurt Angle came out and he addressed the audience announcing Ronda Rousey was signing a Raw contract at Elimination Chamber. And then he revealed uh, Jason Jordan and his neck injury and he will miss WrestleMania to which the fans absolutely loved. Yeah. And then it seemed like Kurt Angle kind of broke a bit of character saying, look, you know, hang on a minute. Whether you like him or not, he's still a wrestler, he's still a human being, and him being injured, it's Ooh. it's not a good thing. You know, it's, it isn't a good thing, you know, anyone no, yeah. being injured unless it's Enzo Amore. <laughs> exactly. Um, talking about Ronda Rousey, like we said, the reason they added Ronda Rousey's contract signing to... Elimination Chamber is kind of boost the sales. The tickets not being great. Um, I think they will have an altercation there with someone. But it's interesting to think if she's going to sign for Raw, then you think she won't go, you know, with Oscar being a Rumble winner, she might go to SmackDown. So we're going to see Charlotte Oscar there. Uh, maybe Bliss Jax for the women's start one Raw and then have uh, Rousey with, with competing at WrestleMania. Been rumours. Rumour has She's going to team up with The Rock or Strowman or Angle to go against Triple H and Stephanie. And there was a report during the week that Ronda Rousey's been signed, right? Get this, this is fucking brilliant. The reason she was brought in was actually to help elevate the public awareness and status of uh, of Stephanie McMahon. Yes. (laughs) You see this? They're not sure whether it's going to be beside her or it's going to be yeah. against her yeah yeah the key, the key to Rousey is more about Stephanie McMahon which is what they want to get a super high profile match if they can get the rock it makes it even more high profile 
Now, Stephanie is a big star in wrestling, but she is not a mainstream star at all. It was explained that the key is to go back to what made Vincent Mann a big star, which is a program with Steve Austin. What made Steve Austin a breakthrough star, being a pro wrestling top guy? It was, wasn't the King of the Ring 96, it wasn't WrestleMania with Brett, it was the angle that we just watched recently with Mike Tyson. And they hope if Stephanie can get the rub like that with Rousey, it's going to help her. I wouldn't put it beyond them for it, that to be the main reason, but you have to treat Rousey as a big star. Don't don't fuck up Oscar and don't fuck up Rousey just because of Stephanie. Well, I can I can see um, Stephanie McMahon, like her old man, getting stunned a few times by Rousey or something similar. You know, yeah. that would be very uh, interesting to watch. But anyway, before you interrupted the Raw review with the Rousey review. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> thank you. Um, Seth Rollins, much like you, interrupted Kurt Angle. Or interrupt, like, much like you interrupted me, Seth Rollins interrupted Kurt Angle as he was saying about his, uh, well, he was reliving his unforgettable WWE Championship victory at WrestleMania 31 in San Francisco and the heartache he endured by missing WrestleMania the following year. He told Angle he wanted to make it Monday Night Rollins once again by winning the WWE title. And he ultimately convinced the general manager to make the scheduled Fatal 4-Way match for later in the show to a Fatal 5-Way and the winner would fill the final spot in the upcoming Elimination Chamber belt. Um, you know, it was it was quite a good segment, and that you know it was uh, bringing a lot of a lot of breaking news. I know, uh, again, you know, with the Jason Jordan thing, his injury, he has been a bit of a dick, but you know, you can't take that away from his wrestling ability. I think he's a bloody good performer in the ring. And and this is the problem is that the character is so hated, so over what it it was meant to do, what it's doing now. You know, it's not like he was a good guy getting booed like Reigns the character, you meant to hate him and you really disliked him. And to be missed, be, you know, have the after the whole Ambrose thing as well. It's just really bad luck on, on I think, WWE's part and especially Jason Jordan. You know, it's a shame. Yes, up next we had a, uh, a what I'd like to call is a, a WrestleMania worthy matchup and that was Bailey versus Sasha Banks. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And uh, a social mania, a social media battle between. <laughs> I think it's a mania. Sasha mania. Uh, a social media battle between the two friends and Saley boiled over onto the ring Monday night as the two of the original four horsewomen of uh, <coughs> as two of the original four horsewomen of NXT battled out in the former hometown of San who's in the former's hometown of San Jose. Banks showed a f- uh, first hint of frustration allowed on Bailey with a series of hard rights following a series of holding uh, counters early on. Again, you know that was a bloody good match. Banks continued to work on Bailey's injured shoulder, uh, but arrogance on her part allowed Bailey to come back and fire off a passionate comeback. Bailey attempted a top rope elbow drop but missed, and Banks applied the bank statement. Bailey made it to the ropes and sent Banks face first into the turnbuckle. The women ultimately fought to the top rope where Bailey delivered a super Bailey to Belly for the upset victory. And after the match, like you know, these two women was gonna it, they looked to hug it out. But Nijax came in and just steamrolled, yeah. uh, steamrolled the pair of them as she vowed to break Oscar's streak I, at Elimination I, I was disappointed by Nijax getting involved because I wanted to see the Banks kind of moment with Bailey. We've been talking about them two having a few for the past fucking year or so. We've still not had it. Uh, what was the match for you? Was the match for you this match better than the Oscar matches against both the pair of them the previous couple of weeks? I think so, yeah. Um, you know, these have... I don't want to compare them to them, but, you know, they've got the in-ring chemistry like the Rock and Austin or Hart and Michaels. You know, they, they just know each other yeah, inside yeah, out yeah. and uh, they can go take, you know, they can go toe-to-toe. 
you know, they, they had a good match at TakeOver Brooklyn, but I think this one was a lot better. You think it was better than Brooklyn? Yeah. Fucking hell, fair play. All right, moving on. Um, up next, we had Mickey James and Alexa Bliss, an unlikely pairing, but after Bliss saved Mickey from a beatdown um, from the uh, Absolution, they was going against Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose as uh, Paige was watching on from ringside. Um, yeah, Rose would pick up the victory for her team with a double underhook face buster to Mickey James. It wasn't a great match. Uh, I'm not too sure on Sonya Deville and Rose. I th- you know, I, I don't know, Sonya Deville, she's not really working on me. <coughs> yeah, it's interesting. These, these, Like I said, those two have got their biggest match at Elimination Chamber, haven't they? When they're there, of course, Mickey James and Bliss are going to be a part of that. It's going to be interesting to see how they do perform. And if they're, you know, sometimes you can call people up too soon. It's like if you look at Alexa Bliss and Carmella, when they brought them up, you would say Alexa Bliss uh, rose to the occasion and showed that she belonged. Carmella still, they've not got confidence in the character and she's still not a great performer. To keep her in NXT for that little while longer will do the well of good. I know it's a nice shock when it happens, but I think Deville, Mandy Rose, uh, even compared to Sarah Logan and um, Liv Moore, you know, Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan, I think, you know, they needed a bit more time in NXT. But hey, you know, if, what do I know? <laughs> yes. What about every podcast like that? This is my thoughts, but what the fuck do I know anyway? What do I know? I've only been watching wrestling <laughs> since the age of 10. Um... Up next was probably one of my favourite segments of the evening. And uh, we had Elias coming out attempting to uh, get the universe to walk with Elias. Uh, but the collective booze interrupted on more than one occasion. Um, and then Braun Strowman interrupted and the spotlight <laughs> shining directly on him. He produced a stool. Not that kind of stool. No, no, yeah. He's got uh, the of it. <laughs> and a fucking enormous cello. But as he was trying to play it, he snapped the strings and proceeded to march towards the square circle threatening to use the cello on Elias but Elias was like look you put yours down I'll put mine down we'll do it like men so as Strowman was coming into the ring Elias jumped on Strowman as soon as he was like making his way through the second rope and uh, Elias uh, and Strowman managed to fight him off deliver a running power slam and you know as Strowman was roaring you see Elias starting to crawl up the <coughs> the entranceway towards the top of the ramp. And uh, Strowman walked up with the cello over his shoulder and just bat and walked <laughs> off. Brilliant. Um, you know, it's with Strowman, you know, one week he's tipping over trucks and pulling staging down onto someone, being as serious as you like. But, you know, in this kind of comedy element, but still with the destructive of, you know, having a cello and bashing yeah. it over Samson's back was quite good. Well, the thing is, how can WWE get this German character so right in these segments and yet they get other stuff so wrong? You know, it, it's, it, it was fantastic. I watched it. I, was, I laughed so hard. Uh, it, it was just, yeah, so funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do I know? <laughs> what do you know? What do we know? What does anyone know? Uh, up next, we had Roman Reigns versus Sheamus. And one of the top rivalries of 2015 was revisited Monday night. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure fucking was. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no. hey, bear with me, bear with me. As Roman Reigns battled Sheamus. Uh, that was a singles match. Cesaro was at ringside. And obviously, you know, you've got to have eyes in the back of your head yeah. when it comes to the bar. 
Um, the static warrior war Can't rains wait. down. Reigns fought his way back into the match, delivering a big Superman punch on the arena floor. Why would he do that? Why would he hit the floor for? Delivering a big <laughs> Superman punch, but on the arena floor, he obliterated Cesaro with a Superman punch that sent the Swiss cyborg into the stands. Sheamus alert, alert, blocked the drive-by, and he scoured the ropes, came off directly into a spear, which actually like it, tore Sheamus in half. Uh, Roman Reigns got the pinfall victory on that. <coughs> uh, yeah. Um, and up next is uh, Last Chance or in Seth's case First Chance Saloon uh, it was a fatal five way match for the last spot in the Elimination Chamber it was the main event so what and happened Dan it was well Finn Balor Apollo Crews Bray Wyatt Matt Hardy and Seth Rollins Chef uh, they all battled in an explosive fatal five way match for the opportunity to be the sixth and only final, not seven. No, no. Only six. Only six men. Because there is there's five spots filled, one open yeah. spot. Four pods, two people start. In, exactly. They was they was reiterating that pot throughout the whole night. Um, the action was Fast and Furious, a film that I like watching. Uh, each of the five superstars having the opportunity to showcase their signature and at one point, Rollins delivered the blackout to Balor and nearly scored the win, only for Cruz to break up the pin. What followed were several minutes in which Cruz shined, delivering sanding moonsaults and shooting star presses to Rollins. The King Sayer survived, though, while Bray Wyatt levelled Hardy on the outside with Sister Abigail. The finish came when Balor and Rollins grabbed hold of Wyatt, who delivered a superplex to Cruz in a Tower of Doom spot. But both Balor and Rollins proceeded to pin Wyatt for the win. What? The show went dark with commentators Cole, Graves and Coach speculating to which superstar actually won the match. And we saw the referee saying, look, you know, you both got the free count, your shoulders were down, yada, 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 and that's how it went. Well. Well. What were your thoughts on that finish then? Bollocks, wasn't it? <laughs> it was a bit bollocks, yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, like, I was like... Right, Bray gets pinned by two men, so Bray's definitely not going to be there. Yeah, but, you know, not not to take anything away from the match, I thought it was a brilliant bloody match. Cruz was outstanding. I'm not too sure. You know, obviously there's going to be a match between Bray and Hardy yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, have you got any more news as into who won the match, James? Well, I do indeed. The Men of the Elimination Chamber will feature seven WC stars. What? Are they going to put an extra chamber in the no, pod? Well, I, a pod in the chamber, even? Well, it doesn't tell me. Finn Balor and Seth Rollins were added to the mix uh, after Raw on Facebook. It's the first time it's featured an odd number. Like you say, it's going to be four pods, so it will start off as a triple threat match. Uh, yeah, it was on Facebook Live with uh, Renee Young interviewing Raw, Kurt, Raw General Manager Kurt Angle when both Balor and Rollins pleaded their case to Angle, Angle told them they both deserve to be in an Earth Chamber match and announced that this year's match will be seven superstars. So, like we said, and the other people in there, Cena, Miz, Rain, Strowman and GPD. You know, they couldn't have a match at Elimination Chamber, but Rollins versus Balor, the win match. No, they'll just do it this way, you know. Well. Well. Well, uh, so, that was Raw. I mean, it what was, do you... It was, Oh, I thought it was a very entertaining show. You know, the standout matches was definitely the Bailey Banks and the Fatal Five way. As, as I said, you know, Cruz, he certainly shone in that match. And yeah, you know, it was it was a very entertaining Raw. But the problem is it's just too long. It's just, it is too long. You know, you can't keep that attention for three hours. Like good segments, you can have the, 
The women's match, you'd be like, okay, I can watch this for 20 minutes or whatnot. Yeah. The Strowman segment, which is a laugh, and then the main event. Yeah, but well... Everything else just Well, gets, during you know, the rain Sheamus match, I did actually play a game of golf on my phone. Yeah. Because yeah, I, yeah. I got bored of that. Um, I, I did particularly pay attention to the Fatal Five way, as it's uh, quite an entertaining yeah. match. Um, but, yeah, you know, there was, there was so many moments they could have done without. Yeah. You know, even... I know... They show, but taking out the breaks is probably, what, about two and a half hours? Just under two and a half hours? Yeah, two hours, yeah, 25 yeah, minutes, yeah. I think. So, you know, even that's still too long. I think, you know, uh, uh, having it as a two-hour show, I think that's more than plenty. Yeah, I, I do. And then we can have papers at two and a half hours, and then everything can be right in the world, can't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that was Raw. So now it's time for... The Smackdown Summary. <laughs> Take it away. Well, it started off with uh, a match between uh, Dolph Ziggler and Baron Corbin to be added to the triple threat match between AJ Styles, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn at Fastlane. Um, But as uh, Dolph Ziggler was in the ring, Baron Corbin's music hit, then it stopped, and then it hit again. And the commentators just put it off as uh, Baron Corbin playing mind games with Ziggler, as they do. Uh, But then we cut backstage and we see uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn beating down Baron Corbin. Oh. And then they start to walk away and Baron Corbin's like, well, then they go and beat him down again. Fuck, he shouldn't have said anything. (laughs) Exactly. And then they make their way towards the ring and they uh, proceed to beat down Zolf Diggler as well. (laughs) Zolf Ziggler. And uh, yes, the match never began. Oh, no. But dream match. <laughs> we went for that it, dream it match. It was we a WrestleMania-worthy match. Sake. So what was, what's going to happen then? Um, Are you going to let me well, know? Nothing. nothing. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know in due course. But no, neither Daniel Bryan nor Shane McMahon came out and uh, tried to break it up or tried to do anything about it. So we go on to our next match, and that is Charlotte Flair versus Sarah Logan. And... Uh, Obviously, Logan came out with her counterparts of uh, the Riot Squad. Yep. But Charlotte Flair wasn't alone. Oh. She had uh, Alexa Bliss and Naomi. Uh, Not Alexa Bliss. Becky Lynch. She had Becky Lynch and Naomi. (laughs) Oh, uh, so for uh, two former women's champions there with Charlotte. I mean, what did they do at ringside, Dan? Not a lot. Oh. They just kept the Riot Squad at bay. Um. But no, after taking a ton of punishment from the uh, the UFC style fighter Sarah Logan, Charlotte Hair, hit Charlotte Hair, flit a natural selection. <laughs> a Charlotte Flair hit a natural selection to get the pinfall victory. I liked um, Sonia Deville. So I liked Sarah Logan's sell on the natural selection. I thought that was quite cool. Yes. Uh, well, Corey Graves he made quite a valid point, and that is you never headbutt a Samoan. And you never chop a flare. Oh, woo, woo, woo! But yeah, that was a brilliant um, sell for the uh, natural selection, yeah. as you pointed out. The match itself wasn't that great, but it ended up with Flair announced table saying two down, one to go. And that'll be will be Wyatt with two T's at fast lane. Wyatt, Wyatt, Wyatt. <laughs> <laughs> you Wyatt with that? Yeah, I'm Wyatt. Yes. So um, as what happened. Uh, Earlier on in the match beatdown, 
Shane McMahon announced that Ziggler would take on Zayn while Corbin faced Owens, and if either the show-off or the Lone Wolf won, they would be added to the WWE Championship match at Fast Lane. Right, okay. I see what they've done. Fair enough, yeah, I, okay. And despite Corbin not being 100%, he went right after Owens and a, sunk, and a slugfest ensued. When the match moved to the outside, KO took over, focusing on the ribs of Corbin, and after trading power moves and high-impact offence, Corbin came out on top. The end of days put away the prize fighter. So nice clean finish then without any trouble. Yes, well, um, if either Zane, if Zane got involved in Owen's match or Owen's got involved in Zane's match, would be moved from the main event of Fastlane. Do you think that's something about Corbin that they give him to beat, uh, they make it, you know, he goes against Owen's and beats him. They say Owen's is maybe the, the biggest star out of the four or might just, like, I don't think there's a... Yeah, that's a point. Well, potentially. <laughs> Maybe. But what do you know? I was, what I know? Exactly. But what what, do, what do the you fuck know? do I know? Um, yeah, you know, so that ensued that uh, Corbin has made it a fatal four-way match now at Fastlane. Um, up next, we had the, the Bobby Roode United States Championship Open Challenge. And he, he came out and he said, look, you know, much like John Cena, I want to defend this title week in week out and I like to make it an open challenge but there's one man I'd like to fight and like to lose to he didn't say that and that is Randy Orton yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know he didn't say that <laughs> he, up, he said he's gonna be Randy Orton and did Randy Orton the man come out well Randy Orton is a man yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah he is. I can't argue that and uh yes he did came out to uh and he he answered the challenge but, you know, these two was going back and forth. And uh, Jinder Mahal, though, he came out to say his piece. And he mocked Owen for being lower than him on the SmackDown. Uh, for being lower than uh, uh, Bobby Roode on the top ten. He said, look, you know, I have respect for you. These rest and have respect for you. You know, you was only number nine on the list. Yeah. And Orton said, you know, I don't care about a top ten. You know, I don't care what the rest of us backstage think about me. You know, it is irrelevant to anything. Yeah. And um Neither is his thoughts on gun control, but we're not gonna get into that. <laughs> well <laughs> So I'm just saying, like you said, he don't care about that, I don't care about a couple of things. But so. then, you know, Rude said, Well, you didn't even make it onto the list, Mahal, so what are you chatting about? Yeah. Uh sticking up for his, his mate Randy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <but> friends. <laughs> and Randy then he said Rude. uh and then they mentioned, you know, hitting an arc out of nowhere and Orton went, What, like this? Bang, hit a RKO on Samir Singh. And then um, there was a bit of a rumble, ruckus, and uh, it ended up Mahal standing tall over Orton and Rude after hitting them both with the Coloss. I just hope he's there to to take the the pin for uh, Bobby Rude, of course. Uh, uh, at fast lane, if they're going that way, I tell you what, rude. They're real serious trouble now. Putting them against these two guys is fucking awful for him. But hey, hey. Well, you know, know, one could say the same about the Randy Orton. Yeah, well, exactly. Orton Orton this time last year. What's he done to deserve being in a match against a B and a C lister? And I'll let you decide which one's the B and which one's the C lister. Uh, I think you're being a C lister at the moment. But I think if you look (laughs) back last year... Yes, I'm listing C's and one of them C's is Bobby Roode. If you look at last year, Randy Orton was on his way to WrestleMania after winning the Rumble, Bobby Roode's NXT champion. And now they have to go in the programme with Jinder Mahal in the US title. Uh, you know. <sighs> but anyway, to bring light <laughs> to SmackDown, we had um, the New Day. It was 
Fat Tuesday and it was Pancake Day. Mm -hmm. And Big E was attempting to break the record for eating pancakes. (laughs) Was that my love? love? How many pancakes did you have on pancakes? Uh, None. I tossed a lot, though. You did toss a lot. I had nine. Nine. (laughs) That's not a lot, is it? No. They're big ones. You You should have had ten. (laughs) Ten. I tried to have ten. (laughs) Just had ten, but I I shit and sicked at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, when the New Day was coming out on Shrove Tuesday to eat their pancakes. They was interrupted by Shelton Benjamin and Chad Gable. Ben Gable. Ben Gable, yes. Uh, and in the midst of the teams trashing each other, Benjamin and Gable began to throw pancakes on the mat. Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods had to hold Big E back oh. at the disrespect for pancakes. That is just... Uh, it pissed me off watching that. And Kingston and Big E then went against uh, Ben Gable. Um, a bit of uh, like a flurry and... Uh, you know, there was a bit of a melee on the outside of the ring and it ended up uh, New Day delivering a midnight hour to score a free count. Oh, so maybe Ben Gable not going to be challenging for taking titles anytime soon. Yes. <clears throat> and then uh, backstage we saw the Bludgeon Brothers destroy a TV screen playing a promo from the Usos. Oh, so they don't like TVs. Indeed. They don't like Samoans. They don't like her. I don't want Samoa them. But, um... Then up next, we had Sami Zayn versus Dolph Ziggler, and the winner would be... Well, if Dolph Ziggler won, he would be added to the fast lane main event as uh, as the earlier match. Yep, so this is the main event of SmackDown now, and they've got Ziggler versus Zayn, so I suppose that's a, uh, a good thing for SmackDown looking maybe towards... I would say the future, but Ziggler's been around for years and years. Years. But was it... I mean, I can't remember Zayn and Ziggler going one-on-one. Was this a good match? Um, it wasn't a bad match. No, I think it was better than the earlier match from uh, Corbin and Owens. Probably match for me. But um, you know they um, yeah, you know it was a good back and forth between the two. Ziggler thought he had the match one with the zigzag, but Zayn managed to kick out, oh. and it took a super kick to keep Sami Zayn down. So it is a fatal five way. So if my maths are correct, and they normally are, mm-hmm. in the two pay-per-views, there is a potential of 12 different men that could walk out of them two pay-per-views and walk into WrestleMania with the titles. Oh, yeah. But why, why do you think they're doing it for? Like, you know, well, like... they're doing it to keep the fans guessing. Oh. Even though we already know that Roman Reigns is going to go on to face Brock Lesnar <laughs> yeah. at WrestleMania. And we already know that the dream match of AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura is going on to WrestleMania, WrestleMania as well. Yeah. So they've kept us guessing, even though they've already pretty much told us what's going on. Where's, Nakam- we- Sorry, but where's, where's Nakamura at the moment as well? I know he's... Uh, shouldn't, surely... Don't call me Shirley. He should, he should have a match at Fastlane for his Royal Rumble spot. You know, that's what normally happens for a guy. You know, that would make sense, someone challenging him for that. But maybe they haven't got anybody... Even someone like Jinder Mahal, right... Jinder Mahal says to uh, Nakamura, look, I beat you twice last year. If I beat you, I'll get your opportunity. And then Nakamura can beat Mahal clean. Yeah. Fix well, that for last year and then move on. Well, with the notable absences of Oscar from Raw and Nakamura, it was Chinese New Year. <laughs> no, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I don't know. It's Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. I know they've kind of added people to the main event. Because so, people were getting annoyed with, oh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens is going against AJ Styles. Can't someone else have a chance? That was, you know, 
What's up, my love? That was a bit of annoyance, but, you know, Charlotte Flair, Sarah Logan's very impressed with that either. Um, then you had Baron Corbin's Kevin Owens. It wasn't a terrible match, but it wasn't great either. You know, they, they clicked quite well, but, you know, if it had gone on a bit longer, then it could have been a bit better. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, trying to boost Corbin's ratings a bit, you know, putting over a former Universal Champion. Are, we, are you excited about the Fastlane main event now being a fatal five? Does it change anything for you? No, because everyone knows AJ Styles is going to walk out the champion. Yeah. So. Uh, so what was better this week, Raw or SmackDown? Um, I think Raw was better, yeah. but SmackDown probably would have been better had uh, Rude and Orton gone toe-to-toe, but they're going to be obviously saving that for Fastlane. Maybe having Jinder Mahal in it as well. Yeah. So, there we go. That was Raw and Smackdown from this week. So, there's only one thing left on the podcast. And that, of course, is NXT Update. Dan, when does NXT Update start? Now! Uh, so a little bit of news before we start, and NXT television tapings are both Thursday and Friday of last week. Uh, there's loads of spoilers, but we don't do spoilers on here. But there was one thing missing, one man missing that there, a lot of rumours started, and that was, of course, um, and that was Lars Sullivan. Now we've seen Lars Sullivan before takeover; he was dominating, wasn't he? He was very, very impressive. Looked like Killian Dane had called him out. Looked like Roger Strong had called him out as well. Maybe a match. And then the the tapings, which is, like, like I say, a month, couple of months ahead. No Lars Sullivan. Maybe he had backstage heat. Maybe it was this. Maybe it was that. But in actual fact, and not many people knew, it was another injury. He's had a knee injury and he's been out for the past month. And because no one knew about it, they started making... Also, you see that the bit on there? That's all the rumours about him. <laughs> That's all that... <laughs> And it's quite unbelievable what they did. Uh, so we're putting the bed to it now. Lars Sullivan is just injured, but he is back because he returned to action on Thursday's live event, City, Florida. Sullivan was sidelined for Ninju for over a month. Well, Sullivan defeated Baputande Ayagabusi with the freak accident slam before <laughs> Sullivan interrupted. Agabusi was cutting a heel promo and said nobody in NXT is bigger or stronger than him. Sullivan also laid out Michael Barthel later in the show. Yeah, so Lars Sullivan is back, and they're going to go back to his dominant ways. The reason why people were saying it was weird that he wasn't featured is because there was rumour, rumour has it, Dan. Rumour has it. That Lars Sullivan was going to fight for the NXT title at the next TakeOver in New Orleans. But who will be the number one contender for the NXT title? What about the tag team titles and the women's division? We're hopefully going to find out now. We've got three episodes of NXT to catch up on. Tonight's episode from Centre Stage Atlanta will feature some fantastic tag team action. Sanity finally get their return title shot against the Undisputed Era. Heavy Machinery and Tino Moss are also slated for matches. Events of NXT TakeOver. Philly! <laughs> How will Johnny Gagano bounce back after a big loss and the turn of his former best friend? 
So it is NXT 434, the 7th of February. Well, Mauro Ranallo and the crew welcome us to the show and run down the card for the evening. We head straight to the ring for the presumed NXT Tag Team Championship match. Yeah, so here come the Undisputed Era, or Dan, what do you call them? The Undeserving Era. They are out here. Uh, Adam Cole coming off a loss, of course, at NXT TakeOver 2. Your man, Ali B, and the, the Fish and O'Reilly beating Authors of Pain. So, I don't know, tonight, Tag Team Titles on the line. They might be in serious trouble. He's not Hulk Hogan, the ugly fuck. Well, Kyle O'Reilly, Kyle O'Reilly playing the tag, NXT tag team title belt like a guitar. And we've seen the stupid hand signals once. We can see it again. No! Sanity come out and hit him from behind. Go on, Sanity. Well, young Alexander. Well, young Alexander. <laughs> Eric Young, Alexander Wolf, and Killian Dana are out here. We're going to have a tag team title match. About the moment, it's turned into a brawl. And Dane and Wolf have got Adam Cole. Couldn't get a harm's way. Fisher and O'Reilly in a bit of trouble. And now young Dane and Wolf all attacking the undeserving era in corners. Uh-oh. And now we've got security out to try and separate the melee. There's so many out here. I mean, they're going to need the whole locker room basically separate these six men at the moment. Of course, Sanity have got uh, problems with Undisputed Era costing them tag team title matches. Beating them down. Sneak attack a couple of weeks oh, ago. Oh, and Killian Dane is just <laughs> fighting off all the security. Oh. Big splash there on... Uh, one of the undeserving era. Riley, now he tries to get a harm's way. And there's Fish and Cole getting a higher ground. Oh my, well, well what way to start? <laughs> well, what about a tag team title match, though? Well, the undeserving era are running like little bitches that they are. No, I don't know, Dan. Adam Cole impressed me at, Adam Cole impressed me at TakeOver. And you can't say Fish and Riley didn't beat. Or What's William pain. Regal got to say? Well, here comes Regal. Oh, Tornado Tag Team. I wow. haven't seen that for a while. <laughs> well, that, that is fucking going to be brilliant here tonight. Well, Regal's not happy. And Undisputed Era could be getting their comeuppance. Well, what a huge blockbuster announcement to start. NXT update. <coughs> right, so up next, we've got Heavy Machinery versus Moss and Sabatelli. Here we go. We've seen these, <coughs> we've seen these two teams shooting about. You are a fan of uh, Knight and Dozovic, Dan, aren't you? Tucker Knight and Otis Dozovic, yeah. They've been uh, running through their competition like a couple of pieces of heavy... Ma- <laughs> they've been running through, at the moment, Riddick Moss in the early going. I mean, Sabatelli and Moss have been training victories with Heavy Machinery. A lot spoken about. This is the kind of future of the NXT tag team division now. Who can step up? Oh, and that was impressive by Riddick Moss. Huge clothesline to the back of the head. Oh, Tucker Knight. And he just rounds him into the corner. Oh, now tags in. I Tino think... Sabatelli. Yeah, I, I personally think Sabatelli has got a bright, bright future here in NXT. I think he's the star of this team. And look at a great tag team they make at the moment. <coughs> what, they doing make a, their gay handshake? They make a great tag team, Moss and Sabatelli. You can't say they don't. The Tucker Knight fighting back. Uh-oh. Oh, blocking everything that Sabatelli has to offer. And look at that. Apart Be- from the dropkick. Look at that, yeah. Beautiful dropkick by Tino. Right on the button there. Johnny, exactly what he's got. He's absolute. Absolute. Yeah, fuck it, I'm going to say. I've created a new word. He's absolute, Dan. He's got excellent abs. He's got excellent abs. Tags him with it, Moss, and just tell him, you better pin him. Oh, Uh-oh. Moss gets rolled up, though, but manages to kick out. Uh-huh. Big man Dozovic is fresh on the apron here. 
Really, Moss with a big back back elbow. Moss tags in Sabatelli by his chest. I mean, is there a bit of friction between these two guys? Yeah, it looks like it at the moment. <clears throat> it does look like it. I mean, they're both young guys trying to make their way through. I mean, the losses aren't going to help. I mean, who do you blame after you lose, Dan, you know? I'd blame you, James. Yeah, exactly. You always blame me. So, that's what it's going to be like. And Tino just thrown into that turnbuckle there. And now Tucker Knight might be able to tag in Otis Dozovic. Tag in the dozer. <laughs> oh! And he gets the tag to his partner. Dozovic just runs through both Tino Moss and uh, Sabatelli. Tino Moss? No, Tino Sabatelli. Tino Sabatelli and Riddick Moss. Oh, and look at that. Pimpin' ain't easy. The kind of uh, Dozovic train there. Well, not the hoe train, the dozer train. Yeah, doe train. And now he's slapping his chest. You know what's going to this time for, Dan? What are your favourites? The big worm. <laughs> Goes for the cover. One, One two, two. Oh. Fair play, Riddick Moss getting in there, stopping that for his tagging partner. Tucker Knight comes in to help him out, but he gets thrown out by Moss. And then Moss gets thrown out by Dozovic, who gets rolled up by Sabatelli, and his two. feet's on the middle ropes. The referee catches him. Come on. How can he plead innocence? You can use that to an advantage, surely. Oh. Don't call me Shirley, but you can use it unless you get caught. And what about that headbutt? That headbutt's, <coughs> disgust- that headbutt's disgusting. Tucker Knight's in. Oh, Tucker Knight's down. <laughs> He's just dropped. Riddick Moss on the outside. Those bitch got... Oh, oh Sabatelli. Both heavy machinery there, Sabatelli. It's free. And all the abs in the world, you won't be able to kick out from a move between these two guys. Uh, these are two big, impressive, young, hungry men. And Dozovic and Knight putting the tag team division on notice. I get impressed with them more and more each week. Dan, what do you think of the match? I think these two are great, yeah. Um, very impressive. They've got a big, bright future ahead of them, providing WWE and NXT do it right. For the match, the anti-Tino chance continues. Heavy Machinery celebrate. Moss goes to check on his down partner, who's looking for some help. But Moss leaves him hanging, much to the delight of the crowd. Wow, so there's definitely some friction yeah. between these two guys. <clears throat> Johnny Gagano out to reflect on his loss at TakeOver. Johnny, Mess- Johnny, Messling? Johnny Wrestling met with, an, with adoration and a standing ovation. He said it's been a hell of a month and he was into Philly that he would be the next champ. He says losing sucked, but getting the reaction he got from the fans put it in perspective. What he earned that night was more important than a championship and realised he truly is Johnny freaking wrestling. Well, I think Seth Rollins is going to have a freaking word with Johnny wrestling overtaking his middle name. But it's a night he'll never forget and says there's something he won't forget. It's a night he'll never forget, but there's something else he won't. Oh, it's a night he'll never forget, but there's something else he won't forget. A crutch to the back. And not from Zelina Vega... He said he's going after Chomper one-on-one. Yeah, he was rudely interrupted by suit-clad champ Andre Cien, 311 boy, El Diardo Almas. Uh, sorry, El Champion. El Champion. Oh, fuck me. Well, he's interrupted by Andre, the champion, Cien, 311 boy, El Diardo Almas. And his associate was Elena Vega. And she says Gagala didn't earn anything. And this should be Almas' time and should have a championship parade. She brings up the fact that Almas has defeated Gargano again and again and again and again and again and that he's just Johnny Loser. A big Candice chant breaks out. Zelina with a poke to the chest of Gargano. 
and Candice obliges. So let's see if Zelina pokes <coughs> Johnny Wrestling. Now look at her poking Johnny Wrestling. Hit her, Johnny. Slap around the fucking face. In the attitude era, she'd bitch would have been laid out by now. She would have been. Well, huge Candice chances. Zelina getting in Gargano's face. And looks like Candice is making her way down to the ring and she climbs in. Go on, Candice. Yeah! And Candice pushes Vega out of the ring. He don't want none. Cien trying to cheap shot Johnny. He sends her... He sends them packing. Well, the champion associate head full of hills and they say they're sick of them and what will it take to make them leave? Well, Johnny says he wants another shot. She agrees. Only if he loses, he leaves NXT. Oh, my God. So a loser leaves town match for the NXT title, Johnny Gagano versus CN. That is going to be quite incredible. Yes, and Gagano agrees immediately. Well, Shania Basler is meeting with the media. She says that she's the most dangerous woman in NXT. There's only three options when you ring with her. Either tap, nap, or snap. Says Ember's merely survived and she is not a real champion. And it'd be difficult to argue against that. We saw what happened at TakeOver. Yes, we've got Roderick Strong and Pete Dunne for the UK title next week. And an interview with Tyler Bate after his loss to Strong last week. He's obviously disappointed with his loss but isn't giving up hope. Talks about his Match of the Year award and looks forward to having many more with NXT's best. Yeah, we retweeted uh, Tyler Bates' tweet the other day that says, Lost on 205, lost on NXT, might have to rethink. And back to 20 years old, the potential's there for him, isn't it? So he just needs to kind of get back on the oars. Uh, up next, we have Blanca Belair with the long hair versus Jessix Hill. Jessix Hill. Well, a handshake offered by Hill, who is a local Georgia girl trained by Dory Funk. Reverse Farmers carry slam, inverted powerbomb dubbed the alley-oop. Short and to the point, no hair whip needed. Bianca Belair gets the win. It's Vicari Sane, who participated in the Raw Women's ma- first ever Raw first ever Women's Raw Rumble match in... Philly! A tweet from Ember Moon, who seems to say... She's been cleared for competition and will put her title on the line next week. So now it's time for the main event. The Undisputed Era versus Sanity. And this is going to be, I think, an all-out war. All right, it's the main event time, Dan. Are you looking forward to this match? I'm looking forward to the Undeserving Era getting what they deserve from Sanity. Yeah, and I think they are going to get it tonight. Big Damo, uh, Killian Dane, so impressive at TakeOver. Back in action with Alexander Wolf. Eric Uncle's had a haircut. And Sanity are focused. And when Sanity are focused, then Undisputed Era or anybody in NXT is going to be in huge trouble. What can Adam Cole do with his uh, troops here tonight? They're on the outside at the moment, kind of calling Sanity on. <coughs> yeah, they're calling Sanity on. I mean, is that a mistake? Well, they're certainly going to regret it soon. And Sanity come out to greet the Undeserving Era and throw him into the ring down in there. Excellent point there, and they did bring them in. Every man in this match involved in the ring right now. Alan Cole with Eric Young, you would say maybe the captains of Undisputed Era. And then, of course, Killian Dane with Bobby Fish and Alexander Wolfe with uh, uh, Carla Riley. No, sorry, Carla Riley with Killian Dane and Alexander Wolfe with Bobby Fish. Bobby Fish. And he's got the corners. It's Tornado. So, Tornado rules it. Don't have to make the tag. Anything goes, it's just the first team to get a pin. Yes. So no elimination over the top rope. 
Alexander, uh, Kyle O'Reilly is still in this match. Yes, yeah, so there's going to be a lot to focus on during this match. <clears throat> a lot going on, certainly. Mm-hmm. That can be certainly. And all near the uh, table, the, the announce table's down near the ring, because obviously we're not in the full side ring, it's different. And Dane using that as a weapon. Sorry, Alexander Wolf using that as a weapon. Wolf mm. with a huge uppercut on uh, O'Reilly. Yeah, and you've got Dane working over Bobby Fish on the outside. And Adam Cole choking Eric Young. He has beaten Eric Young in singles competition, but that is, of course, thanks to distractions from the Undisputed Era. Can the Undisputed Era hang with Sanity in this one? Will this just be over in seconds at the moment? Cole looks like he's doing all right, but the other two members of Tag Team Champions aren't. Wow. Uh, Bobby Fish has just suffered a big boot from Killian Dane as we go into an ad break. Mm-hmm. Well, back from the break, and Sanity have been in complete control. Looks like they're looking for weapons now. Well, Eric Young's uh, doing a bit of weapon shopping underneath the ring. He's pulled out a chair, a kendo stick, and a table. Oh, my God. Young, get the tables. And the table will be used here. These two teams have given each other so much punishment. And the punishment's going to get even worse tonight. Yeah, Alexander Wolf with a chair to O'Reilly's midsection. Eric Young looking set to put Cole for a table, but Cole reverses it. And throws Young into the stairs. And that's one way of getting out of it, but any means necessary we've seen by the Undisputed Era. And again, Kyle O'Reilly lucky dodging that chair shot from Alexander Wolf. Yeah, Wolf hit the <coughs> Wolf hit the ring post with a the chair there and he got the terrible vibrations through his hand. Yeah, and he's set up on the chair now, Alexander Wolf. At least sitting down. Kyle O'Reilly up in the apron. Still wearing his Undisputed Era t shirt. Oh, as he it. runs the knees through the chest of Wolf. That was a hell of an impact. Do you think the announcer was so close to the ring? Someone could be thrown through right there, couldn't they? From the ring out to the table. I hope uh, Killian Dane's involved in that. And <laughs> all three members of Undeserving Era. Well, Dane, we speak about him, he's just squashed fish in the corner. Now, Young and uh, Cole have gone disappearing. Now, Riley's followed them down near the exit, so... Oh, they're trying to double-team Eric, Eric Young. Of course, they left him backstage beaten a couple of weeks ago. Fish, to his credit, has just super-kicked Dane down in the ring. And Wolf's come out to help his uh, leader. Well, we have never seen this, anything like this on NXT at the moment. Oh, my word. Fish there, beautiful moonsault, but they managing to kick out. Uh, and Fish is left like a fish out of water without his teammates saving his ass. Well, it's broken down backstage. This this has basically turned in to a single match at the moment. Eric and Cole's head against that table. Eric Young working over Cole backstage and Wolf turning the tables and beating O'Reilly. I have not seen a wrestling move used yet. <laughs> like, I, I've seen a moonsault. seen a moonsault. I've not seen a, a wrestling move like a suplex or anything normal like that and fish to the outside and he seems accustomed to the kendo stick. This has been all-out brawl fight. Looking to hit Killian Dane with a kendo stick. Uh-oh. Who catches it. And uh, the look on Fish's face. Well, Dane. <clears throat> Dane's saying to Fish, you better run, boy. And he rolls out of the way. And now Dane's on the charge after him. Now he's going to go run away as uh, Alexander Wolf and Eric Young come back. Now they're both on the stage. Ever from uh, Bobby Fish, though, luring Killian Dane away. I mean, he's probably, 
you know, the most powerful member of Sanity. If it's strategy, it does well, but you need to stop Dane. And at the moment, Dane has been... not getting stopped. He's not being stopped. Now he's got fish. Going to throw him off the stage. Oh! (laughs) Throws him into the other four blokes in the match. (laughs) And like Skittles, they go down. Killian Dane is standing tall as all the others are in a lot of pain. They, They are down and out at the moment. And Killian Dane has done some... We talk about Braun Strowman and Raw... He himself has done a lot of impressive things here on NXT as we go to yet another advert. Now we're back and it, Adam Cole is in a heap of trouble with Killian Dane. Dane just Dane probably picked Cole out of the bunch. So I'm going to beat you up because they're all strewn at ringside. Like they've been thrown out of a moving auto vehicle. And Cole fights out of this. Looks like Dane's going to try and slam him down. Cole, step up in security. Well, Cole sends Dane out and Alexander Wolf in saying, I'm not going to leave you on your own too long. Adam Cole there looking for a kick, but gets caught by Wolfman. Boom! Oh. A lovely set-up powerbomb there. But O'Reilly in with a kick to the back of Wolf's back, stopping the count and fish in now. Sending it back in the corner, and O'Reilly in, and now this is double team here from the Tag Team Champions. Very impressive, as we've seen recently. It's kind of shock and awe, setting fish up for the exploded suplex on Alexander Wolf. Going to go for the cover. One, two... Oh, but Killian Dane breaks up that pin attempt with a running sent on. And it took all the breath out of the undisputed era. And he talked about that. He's picked up O'Reilly. Oh! And he's just taken both the tag team champs out at once. Goes for a cover. Two. Two. Oh, Adam Cole there with a super kick. Well, Dane, quite incredibly, like, uh, a, say, a Rikishi driver. And at the same time, sitting down on Fish. But now Cole going for the... Oh, but Eric Young coming off the top, dropping the elbow to the heart of Cole as he was looking for a cover on Killian Dane. Well, that's Eric Young's finisher. I mean, if he can get over and try and pin Adam Cole, this would be over. And the body's staying all out in the ring right now. But who's going to take the chance in this match? Adam Cole, super kick. Young dodges. Oh, Eric Young hits a super kick of his own. Oh, now O'Reilly stomping down on Eric Young's head and finishing with a forearm. Oh, and he goes to take Wolf out, but Wolf delivers a belly-to-back suplex for him. Oh, but Fish managing to drop Alexander Wolf down with a senton. Oh, but Killian Dane comes in. <laughs> turns Fish inside out of a f- tornado lariat. Oh, my word. But Adam Cole is on the apron. Oh, Adam Cole is off the apron after getting a big boot from Damo. Or uh, Killian Dane. And now Dane smirking. He's not got a cigarette in his gob, James. He's just got a big grin on his face because he sees Adam Cole and a table. And Adam Cole perched precariously at the moment, but I just thought I saw... Oh, no! Oh! <laughs> We're high risk, it's high reward, isn't it, with Killian Dane, I suppose? Yes, and uh, high pain for him as well because he's just put himself through a table. And uh, unluckily... Enough for me. Adam Cole got out of the way. Mm. Adam Cole now trying to get his way back to the ring. So I think Dane's out for this moment in time. And for some reason, or just by uh, chance, it's three members of the Undisputed Era versus just the one of Alexander Wolfe, who's still got about 20 staples in the back of his head. Thanks <laughs> to the Undisputed Era going back to take over in November. Well, that's how Undeserving Era like it. Yes. A three-on-one assault because they can't 
win if the numbers aren't in their favour. You've got to you've got to be impressed. They they do pull it out, don't they? Like you said, somehow in this match, it's a fair match, and yet they've got the advantage here. I haven't got to be impressed. I'm not impressed. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like undeserving I, era. I'm I'm impressed here. Fish picks up Alexander Wolf. Cole, oh, here comes O'Reilly. Oh, but Wolf ducks. O'Reilly takes out Fish, and Wolf takes out both O'Reilly and Cole. And now the first ever. German-born champion of WWE has got hold of Kyle O'Reilly. Yeah. He gets a kick to his face from Cole. And now here comes Fish. Bang. And the dual take out there. Well, that's it. Alexander Wolf. No, Eric Young's One, climbing back into the ring. Two. Oh, a kendo stick to the back for a Fish. One to the midsection from O'Reilly. A super kick from Cole to Young. Yeah, that puts a stop to that. I'm trying to come in now. And now it's undisputed. They were again 3 and 1. Dane's still out. Wolf's just been decimated by them. And Eric Young, the lead of sanity. This is good night for him. Double kicks by Fish and O'Reilly. Cole picks him up. Oh! Suplex on the one, knee. 1, 2, two 3. But Eric Young uh, manages to kick out. Ah, what? No, that was, how did he get out of that? Even Fish can't believe that. His mouthpiece comes out. And O'Reilly's punching the mat in frustration. Adam Cole looks like he's been slapped in the face with a wet fish. Well, Eric Young, credit to him. Toughness, but it's going to be over and done with now. We just need to regroup, take a plan out. Uh Uh-oh. Killian pissed off and he's getting back in the (laughs) ring. He's got his sights set firmly on the undeserving era. But it's three on one, though. Dane versus Young Yeah, but era. Dane's the one. That's the thing. <laughs> you don't understand. It's an unfair advantage for Undisputed Era. Exactly. No, no, it, sorry, it's, an, it's an unfair advantage for the undeserving era. <laughs> As he d- runs right through all three members. He just exploded and all three members went across the ring. Dane picking O'Reilly up, slamming him down. Boom, a drop kick and sent on combo to O'Reilly and Cole. Fish, oh. A running crossbody takes out Fish. That's Fish in the ring now. Oh, sorry, it takes out O'Reilly. Fish is in the ring, but he looks in a bad situation. <laughs> oh, situation. Dane drops Fish. One, two, two three. three. And Killian Dane beats Undeserving Era. Well, the sanity beat Undisputed Era back there. But you say Killian Dane is the hairy star of the show in this one, putting down Undisputed Era. I am shocked, though, that after a loss for Adam Cole, he loses yet another one. I mean, Undisputed Era, a bit of a loser streak at the moment. Well, James, you like to back losers, hence why you're wearing a Bobby Roode T-shirt. Enough said. (laughs) What you're... Not enough said. What do you think of the match? Sanity got the victory over Undeserving Era. Um, I think Fish, O'Reilly and Cole could have taken a lot more punishment in the match. But a loss is punishment enough for them. Yeah, what I really liked about it is NXT always changing up a little bit. And uh, what we've seen now from the kind of... We know we can get five-star style wrestling. And we know we can get all this type of stuff. But this kind of... It is a hardcore style that we've not seen on NXT. Anybody's really delivered it. In this way, not Nakamura, no. not Rude, not Balor. And I think what Undisputed Era do is that kind of gang mentality. Sanity, a kind of group, Dan, we, you were questioning, I were questioning last year about what they do with them, why should they go after championships and stuff. D- 
this storyline for them, Undisputed Era coming out, it's kind of cemented Sanity as a great group in NXT now, isn't it, in a weird way? Because you've got the kind of killer in, in Killian Dane, who is going to be a big star for him. Alexander Wolfe, who's always, even though you think, oh, maybe a guy his size, you know, it, it's not that great. Uh, and also Young for a man, a veteran, still putting out, showed his toughness in, it, in that one after being beaten up by the three guys and still managing to get the shoulder up. Uh, you know, and like I said, Dane destroying him at the end. I am a bit worried about Undisputed Era, what happens from now. I know they've got the tag team titles, but Adam Cole coming off a loss, how do they rebuild them? Are they still going to continue the feud with Sanity? Or, you know, and what about Offers of Pain? Are they still about? Or do they want another done? I think we're going to... We've got a few answers here tonight, but I think the best thing about NXT is that it opens up a lot more questions, doesn't it? So let's move on to our next episode of NXT. So incredibly, we're only watching two episodes of NXT this month on the uh, WWR review for February. It's because of obviously TakeOver. We watch NXT afterwards as well. But like I said, we'll be back in three weeks to have more NXT episodes. Uh, last week, we had a call versus Moss and Sabatelli, Bianca Belair versus Jessix Hicks. Jessix Hill and Sanity uh, defeat in the Undisputed Era, yeah. uh, so which is incredible when you think about it, yeah. Uh, but we move on to the last episode, NXT episode 3, episode 435, February 14th. So, Dad, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to you too, my love. And how did the show start? Well, Mauro Ranallo, Mauro Ranallo welcomes us to the show and we get right into the action. That is on the line. Roderick Strong challenging Pete Dunne for the UK Championship. They get the spotlight treatment as the competitors are introduced. The bell rings and they immediately... T- they get the spotlight treatment as the competitors are introduced. Dan, are you... Ex- oh, actually, we did that when the match starts. Fuck it. Uh, the bell rings and they immediately tie up. Fairly clean break, size each other up and another lock-up. Dunne goes for an arm breaker, strong counters... Gun slips out. Quick stare down in his shoes as we go for our first break. You think you think Pete Dunne's going to win tonight, yeah? I think he will, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm excited for this match. We talk about, uh, you know, level of excitement. I would have been happy to see Tyler Bate versus Pete Dunne, but of course <laughs> they've done that three times now. And uh, after Strong beating Tyler Bate, like, takeover, after takeover, he gets his opportunity. I'm not a huge fan of Americans competing for the UK title, but if they want to make it the secondary championship, that's fine. Pete Dunne at the moment has got strong on the outside. Oh, he bends his fingers back, puts them on the steel stairs and stumps on his elbow. He could have broken his fingers there for Roderick Strong. Oh, Pete Dunne looks focused here tonight. You used to see him in this kind of uh, the purple guy, but he's going all black here tonight. I mean, he's been UK champion for a little while now, and he wants to make a point on NXT that he should be forgotten about. I mean, if Pete Dunne keeps impressing, does he deserve NXT title shot, Dan? You know, that's the question, isn't it? Oh, he does indeed, yes. You know, he's he's been outstanding in his match. He's had some great matches. Um, I'm not sure how he'd uh, tie up against uh, Andrade Cien Almas, the reigning, defending NXT heavyweight champion. I think it would be a hell of a match. Oh. As Roderick Strong drops Pete Dunne onto his back after he's uh, had his fingers bent back and like his elbow punched for the third time. Well, he lands right on the edge of those stairs and that is going to cause his back serious trouble. We know that Roderick Strong's the messiah of the backbreaker. Dunne getting uh, hurt there. But I, I think Pete Dunne does deserve an opportunity you know, after the UK title, to have a chance of becoming a top NXT star. And I think a match against CN would be really good, actually. Because I think those two styles would work well together. You get kind of get this hard, 
mesh between like the UK strong style we've seen and the kind of what CN's bringing as well. Because like we talk about CN, yes, Dan, I know you're trying to dig at me, but he ha- he is a great in-ring performer. There's no arguing. On NXT, you have to be a great in-ring performer, otherwise you just don't cut it. That's something that we've, we've seen. You know, that's why people like Lana have never gone to NXT, because if you can't get to that level, the fans won't buy into you. And there's no doubt Strong and, and Dunn are definitely great wrestlers, maybe personality-wise, if you look at Toro 5 Live as well, what these two guys bring. With Pete Dunn, I think there's a very workable character there. You know, the kind of... He's always kind of got a sneer in his face all the time, isn't he? He's always looking down yeah. at you. He thinks he's the best. Well, Pete Dunn, you know, obviously, with his look and his attitude, he definitely works... As a heel, you know, never a face turn. Yeah, exactly, That would yeah. never work in a million years. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, he's got the kind of character traits of a heelish Orton. Yes, exactly, yeah. You, you know, know. He's, uh, he can be a right sadistic bastard. Yeah, and I like it when he takes it to that level because that's what gets the, the win in most matches is being that person that takes it sometimes a step too far. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Just like Orton did when he was a heel. Yeah, and I don't think Pete has put a foot wrong here since being in NXT. And, uh, you know, to go against Roderick Strong, I, I would mark him up as a favourite. I mean, Roderick Strong has been there and done that. The independent scene, come over to NXT. You could argue if he's made, he made it or not, but they're focusing on him, aren't we? We've seen a lot of him recently. <coughs> uh, indeed, yes, you know, he's uh, dropped down to 205 Live. He's thrown his weight around uh, in that competition. And, you know, now he's uh, challenging for the UK Championship. Yeah, you know, he's... He does deserve his spot here, but, you know, I don't know, it's, it's something about Strong that doesn't quite click for me. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's, he's just... We, he's I'm, too bland. Exactly, he's not relatable enough for me, I think. Yeah. <coughs> you know, he's he's not really got any gimmicks going on, you know, and I do like a bit of a gimmick, not too much, but, you know, he has nothing like that going on. He's, you know, again, he's, he's not really got much of a personality in or out of the ring. Yeah. I know he's the master of the backbreaker or something like that, isn't he? Yeah, he is, and he's got a family, and he loves them. But then again, for me, that's not enough to be like, oh, yeah, well, hang on a minute. So you've you got your dream job in WWE, in NXT, get paid well. You've got family that loves you and stuff, and I'm meant to, you know what I mean? Back, I like the kind of underdogs as well in that kind of way there where you can feel, like you say, you can feel sorry for him and stuff with Strong. I don't know. He's a good-looking guy as well. He's well-built, you know. I'm not going to be like, oh, shit, that's bad for him. What is bad for Pete Dunn at the moment the fact, Roger Strong is beating the fucking piss out of him. Just <laughs> he is indeed, yes. Just dropped him down on the apron there. Dunn thought he was uh, doing well as he going to our break. So back from the break, and Roger Strong looking to take down Pete Dunn, but you can't keep him down for long. Fights back with the insecurity. We know how tough he is. Spinning back elbow from Strong, though. Followed up with another straight-on elbow. Knocks Dunn down. You can hear the, you know, <gasps> you can hear flesh on flesh there. Pete Dunn looks out of it. <laughs> yeah, I think he might have broke his jaw. Now, well, it's strong Irish whip to Pete Dunn. Pete Dunn runs the rope side, does a backflip and catches Strong with a step up in Seguri. Now, that is beautiful. Slams him down and gets into a cross-arm breaker. Oh, fuck. Now he's working over Strong's fingers. Oh, and just bends them back on himself. Well, that is not good for Roger. <laughs> That's not good for Roger Strong. And Pete Dunn now trying to take advantage of that going up. Roger Strong, though, like a pit bull himself, catching Pete Dunn. But Dunn managing to slide out of it, delivers a set-out powerbomb, <laughs> and Strong lands like on the back of his neck. But can only get the two. Two. 
Well, Pete Dunn back to his feet. He's going to look, try and put away Roger Strong. He's got problems with that lower back. The bruiser weight in action here tonight. Now he's just kicking the face of Roderick Strong. Looking to bend them fingers back, but Strong rams Pete Dunn into a corner. Oh, looking to follow up with a big running knee, but Ooh. Pete Dunn ducks out the way, delivers a belly-to-back suplex. Looking to go up top. He's up. Oh! oh but jumps straight into a Roderick Strong drop kick. I do like the way Pete Dunn sells. <laughs> that leg straight looks like he's been knocked out. Is it going to be it? Oh! Pete Dunn manages to kick out. Uh-huh. And Roderick Strong wants to become a champion in NXT. Well, now Roderick Strong grabs Pete Dunn. Oh, chops him in the corner. Comes running in. Oh, delivers a big elbow to the side of Dunn's head. Picks him up. But oh, Dunn rolls him through into the pin. Two, three. Oh, no. Oh, no. Only two. Oh. And then Strong reverses it to a cover of his own, but he only gets a two as well. Two. <clears throat> and a big backbreaker from Strong. Turns Dunn over, goes for the cover. One, two. Oh, oh. but Dunn managing to kick out. Ah. Uh, Dunn uses the bitter end to finish opponents. And Roderick Strong is called the end of heartache. We'll be looking out for those as the UK title is still up for grabs in this one. No no men's really taking control of it. It's been back and forth. Oh, Turns him inside God. out with an exploder suplex from Dunn, though. And here comes... Oh, is that the knockout kick? Big kick, one, two. Oh, oh. but Strong managing to kick out. Oh, right. Well, he sat down on that pin. But I feel there, Pete Dunn wasn't allowing Strong to get the shoulder up. Not saying it was a mistake, I'm just saying. Bit of overconfidence, Pete Dunn. Just stomping, kicking Roderick whilst he's down. Let's uh, get a triangle choke. But Strong's got to cover that. Well, Strong was in a pinning attempt, but Pete Dunn manages to get his shoulder up. Yeah, Dunn again put himself in harm's way. Oh my god. And a catapult over the. Well, between a. Second and top rope sends Pete Dunn throat first into the top. Yeah, Strong had the power there to pick up Roderick Strong. Strong had the power to pick up Strong, Pete Dunn. Roderick Strong had a there. Strong had the power there to pick up Pete Dunn somehow when he was trying to apply that submission and then throw him on that top rope. And now Dunn's on the apron. Roderick Strong climbing up with him, though. Oh, both men in a very precarious position. Pete Dunn's trying to fight his way out by wrenching them fingers back. But an angle slam off the top from Strong. Crawls across for the cover. One, two. Oh, but Dunn managing to kick out. Uh-huh. Roderick Strong cannot believe that he has not put Pete Dunn away yet. Oh, my God. Strong with huge knee to Pete Dunn. Backs him up in a corner. Second knee. Oh. Slams him face first into the mat. Goes for cover. Two. Oh. But again. Again, Dunn manages to stay out of it and he gets his shoulder up at two. Two. What a bloody match to start this NXT off with. Uh, it is such a hard-hitting affair. It's it's perfect NXT mainstream. These two styles and Pete Dunn <laughs> delivers a fantastic inverted suplex. Bitter end? No, Strong manages to jump out of it, delivers a couple of free elbows. Fucking hell. Three or four forearms. Dunn tried to like, miss completely. Strong took him out. Powerbomb to... Oh. oh, but Dunn manages to get his shoulder up again. But he's cool. Strong's still got the positioning in. 
Boston Crab Tom, we're going to see a new UK champion here. Surely not. Don't call me Shirley and making sure we don't. Getting the arm through the legs there, ripping away. Oh, he rips his finger back. That's the best thing for Dunn to do. It's, uh, it's a move he's used many times. Well, and just think, he used that right at the beginning of the match. So maybe he had that in the back of his head as an emergency get-out clause. As Strong tries to get in the ring, gets kicked in the face. Bitter end. Going for the cover. One, two, three. There we go. Pete Dunn is still NXT UK cha- well, WWE UK champion. But what a performance here. But I feel by both men. Dan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, both men done really well. I think, you know, Strong's slightly gone up in my estimation, but you've got to be stronger than that to beat the Dunn. Yeah, Pete Dunn retains his championship. And I wonder what's next for him now. The bruise weight has beaten everybody put in front of him. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do, wherever he goes on the... You know, he could show up on Raw one time. Just think after WrestleMania when maybe, I don't know, Raw's at the O2, Dunn could show up and put his title on the line against a Raw superstar. The possibilities are there. He's that talented as well, you know. With Roger Strong, I feel now that they're going to focus on the 205 Live uh, and the Cruiserweight scene for him for the time being and then see what where they go from there. I think he's done all he can in NXT now. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I'd... I think 205 Live might be the best place for him. He had a good match against uh, Hideo Itami. Yep. And he was on the winning side of it as well. Yeah. And I think in NXT, we've seen um, him with Austin Aries when he first debuted as a tag team. We've seen him go for the NXT title, trying to go against Bobby Roode. And now the UK title. So there really is nothing left, unless he wants to put on a wig and try and go for the NXT women's title. You know, it might happen. Rodrina Strong. I mean, what would he call himself? Yeah. That's good enough. <laughs> that'll do, yeah. yeah that'll, that'll do, Donkey. That'll do. All right. So, up now. Uh... Well, Gagano versus Almas for the NXT Championship announced for next week. And if Johnny loses, he leaves NXT. Oh, my God. So, I mean, we're going to see an NXT title, aren't we? We're going to see a new champion crown. Of course, that'll be on our next WNR. That'll be, our, that'll be on our WWE Network review for March, just in three weeks though, so not long at all. We get a recap of last week's Almas versus Gagano encounter and how we got to the aforementioned match. And it's been a long build up. They face each other a long you know, this is coming off their five star match at Takeover. It's gonna be great next week, isn't it? Uh indeed, yes. Uh <clears throat> if these two guys put on half the match that they put on, on uh at Takeover, it's gonna be a great encounter between the two. Yeah. Well, the media catches up with Velveteen Dream. He has no comments about Cassius Ono. He takes on No Way Jose next week and say Jose brings the fiesta and the Dream brings the experience. He refers to Tyler Bate, calling him out, but won't confirm a match. See Tyler Bate versus Velveteen Dream. That'd be a bloody good match, yes. And the suit-clad Alistair Black comes to the ring through the abyss of centre stage. Black Black says there's now a devil on his back as a driving force. And that devil is the NXT Championship. As he continues, Killian Dane's music hits and plods his way to the ring. Dane says the devil isn't on Black's back, but he is. He says he won't stop around round his waist. And Dane walks away after his strong words. But Black calls him by names. Black calls him by name and walks to him. Black says that Dane crossed him, so now he must fade to Black. Dane seems excited about this news and smiles on his way to the back. Mm-hmm. So there's your suit clad there. Alistair Black, there's Killian Dane. It really wasn't. If they had fought each other, we would have watched it, you know what I mean? But Of course. 
So that was it. There you go. Just, you can see Alistair Black. At least you've seen him. Do you know what I mean? And of course, Percy Jackson, uh, Percy Watson, Mario Ronaldo, and Nigel McGuinness. Nigel McGuinness! Hi, I'm Nigel McGuinness, and I'm on commentary for NXT! Yeah. So up next, we get TM61 and John Skyler. Oh, sorry. So Alistair Black there, talking about wanting to become NXT champion. He's going to have to go through Killian Dane first. I mean, Dan, are you excited for what they've got planned for Black? I don't know, because Killian Dane is uh, he's a bit of a beast, but if anyone can slay the beast. It is Alistair Black. Yeah, I mean, Alistair Black, not only has he got to go through Killian Dane, who single-handedly, you would argue, beat, uh, beat Undisputed Era last week. Yeah. Uh, you know, trying to beat CM for the extra title of form he's in, that is going to be difficult as well. But, like, they are going for Alistair Black now as the kind of the man in NXT, and, and I'm just glad that I picked him. So, the next match, TM61 versus John Skyler and Andrew Duckworth. All right, love. I'm Andrew Duckworth. Is that yeah. Vera and Jack's <laughs> yeah, long-lost son? Hey, I'm Andrew Duckworth. Uh, Miller and Skyler start us off, and the Aussies start off hot. Tag to Thorne, who lands a big right. Belly-to-back su- suplex. Euro uppercut. Well, Skyler fights Black. <coughs> no, Dane fights Black next week. Hey. Skyler fights back and attacks the previously injured knee. Duckworth now in and receives a drop kick. Miller back in. Struggles with Skylar a moment until a DDT. He proceeds to clean house, makes the tag, and TM61 hit their finish up for the win. Yeah, so TM61 there back to, well, say back to winning ways they were. So it's a couple of wins in a row. And we go right back to the ring for the women's title match. Yes, unbelievably tonight, it's going to be Shania Baszler versus Ember Moon for the NXT women's title. What a huge match we are getting uh, here, I was going to say on, on TV, but it's not on TV, it's still, it's still the same place. What a huge match we're getting here tonight. The Queen of Spades, so confident she is. And I'm going to call it here. I think we're going to see a new women's champion here tonight. Dan, what are your thoughts? I think Shania Basler, Shana Basler, is going to lose to Ember Moon via the Eclipse. But how can, how can you say that? Basler dominated her at TakeOver. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, she did. I don't care what fucking, who dominated what and when and how. Yeah, I, I, I don't care about what happened in the previous match when she got out of class. I mean, tonight's going to be completely... How's it going to be completely different? Because Ember Moon is Ember Moon. <laughs> <laughs> Look... Uh, I, I know you got sour grapes just because she was my pick in the May Young Classic, Dan. All right, my pick. Where are your picks in the May? Let's not get on to that. But where are your picks in the May Young Classic? Shania Basler is here, um, going to win the women's title here tonight. Candice LeRae, she signed a contract with NXT. She's alongside Johnny Wrestling. Yeah, you know yeah, that yeah. great guy who had the five star match. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah, exactly. she's a partner of him, not doing the five star matches, is she? She's doing the guy who's doing the five. Well, that ain't the same. Is it? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't remember who my second pick was, but yeah. yeah she was that fucking yeah, she's good. Yeah, that good. Yeah. Woo! Know, you can't remember yours either. Tessa Blanchard was one of mine. She got knocked out. So we're back here and Ember Moon. Is Ember Moon is going to come out here. And well, you fucking that. loved Ember Moon until she started going <laughs> up against fucking Shayna Baszler. Uh, all I'm saying. Yeah, Shayna Baszler's all... my pick for the NXT <laughs> Women's Championship because I followed her on the May Young Classic. <laughs> look, look, <laughs> I, look I, yeah, it's, what's going to happen is that Ember Moon, she couldn't beat Oscar and I think Baszler's a step up and I don't think Moon. One on one situation. Situation. <laughs> Can get the job done. But no, I, I do love Ember Moon. She is great, but unfortunately, she's just a little bit outclassed, you know? 
But Ember Moon, of course, still wearing the wounds of her last encounter with Shayna Baszler. She's got that shoulder strapped up. <clears throat> and it didn't help her fight in the next night as well, where Shania Basler was just sat on her couch drinking chamomile tea. <laughs> Ember Moon was busy fighting in a Royal Rumble, James. I'm sure Basler was there with her good friend Ronda Rousey down when. Oh, Ronda who Rousey just come out and just. <laughs> Meh! What? Shine! <laughs> Look! Shine <laughs> on the wall! Both, both rumors there. Mania! I will give you good. good Good observation with it with a shoulder. But Ember Moon doesn't seem intimidated at all uh, going up against Basil, which I'm surprised at. I thought Ember Moon would have realised now that she's uh, she's in for fun, but she's actually up for it. Look at Basil, just smirking. No shame, she's just an ugly cunt. <laughs> <laughs> you think Pete Dunn's better looking than her? Yeah, you know I do. We've seen them both on the same card, <laughs> but not living at the same time. No. <laughs> Pete Dunne would break her dykish fingers. Well, the spotlight is on here for the NXT Women's Titles. We get the introductions, and Basler saying to Moon, she's going to put her down tonight. Well, James, you mentioned spotlight. I believe Ember Moon will eclipse that spotlight. <laughs> it's coming straight out of the blocks with a running drop kick, just taking out Basler. Oh, and Basler now trying to grab the arm of Ember Moon. But Ember Moon doesn't let her, and she just continues booting away at her <laughs> ba- opponent. Ba- Basler's blocking the strikes. Bla- Basler now's got the armbar. Moon's been caught. But Moon rolls straight through and <laughs> delivers another big kick to the shoulder of Basler. Get down! <laughs> and Basler's getting up. Oh! And then she gets up straight into an Ember Moon knee. Yeah, but Basler, just take the time. Backing up to the second. Oh, come on, ref. Break it now. This is unfair. Well, Moon now, this, this, you know, she can't do that. Basler's on oh, the road. she just has. Oh. Step up in Seguri straight across the back of the head of Shania Basler. Come on, oh, come on, Basler. Oh, and a big boot straight to the chest. What? She's having some early momentum in this match. Basler just getting her bearings. She's going to try and finish it early. Oh, but Shania Basler being a little bitch that she is getting oh, out no. of the ring. No, no, no. Basler's showing in-ring awareness, knowing the eclipse. The dangerous move. Getting out of harm's way. Well, not far enough because Ember Moon comes oh, flying through the ring ropes. Fuck. Sends Basler back first. <laughs> Into the announce table. She may have injured herself, but I'm sure she injured Basler. I d- well, I don't think she did because, you know, we've seen the bandage on the arm. She's holding the elbow now. That'd be serious trouble for her. She shouldn't have put. Uh, she shouldn't have done such a high risk. High risk, James, equals high reward. Well, James, Nigel McGuinness here, and I do believe the moon will retain her title. I'm Nigel McGuinness here, and I think that Basler will win the NXT Women's title. I don't think Emma Moon should have made a mistake like that. You can tell that she hasn't been champ for too long to do. So it's a huge mistake. Basler now throws her in the ring. And Dan, I don't want to say I told you so, but I think I told you so. What's, What's that, that, my love? love? Basler now got to work on the arm. There we go. The arm twisting the arm. Emma Moon's got no chance. Oh! <laughs> arm breaking move that put out Dakota, another woman. Dakota Kai. Dakota Kai. Looking for that cross arm breaker, but Ember Moon blocking it. Well, <laughs> she might be blocking it, but Basler, look at that, unblock it. Oh, oh no! Too. Oh, but Shania Basler managing to kick out. Ah, uh, well, that's what happened at Takeover when Moon managed to get away with it. She didn't tonight, and now Basler going to go back to that arm breaker, and once it's in, it's over. Well, it's in. 
And it's not over. Yeah, but she's look at the way she's twisting the arm. Look at the that arm shouldn't move in that direction there. She's gonna break it. She's gonna break the arm of Ember Moon. Oh, cheap way out. What a way out for Ember Moon using the bottom rope, Dan. Eh? Well, rather than getting out of submission, necessary. rather than getting out of submission, she does that. And Ember's still holding on to that bottom rope. Basler now look dragging her in by her hair. Uh oh, Moon catches her again. Basler kicking out. Ah. And now knees to the face of Ember Moon and turnbuckle. Straight, sorry, straight into the ring post. Moon's in, already injured arm. It's come off a lot worse now. She ended up on the outside. Well, she's just taking a breather. No, she's just a formality <coughs> here. Basler going out to grab Moon. No, she's not. She's looking out to even hurt her even more. There's still barricade the arms between it. Oh, my God. I've not seen anything like this. This is sick. And she's just... Brain-tune's arm through the barricade, hyper-extending the shoulder joint. This is just... She's using weapons here, ref. Oh, my God. Wait a minute. Come Kari Sane. Sane. Boom. Oh, what? Eat that princess pirate elbow, you bitch. No, this is not fair. But Sane's not even in the match. Go on, Kari. Duck. Oh. Hit. Get down, bitch. Sane chops down Basler. The bell's being rang because Basler attacked Sane a couple of weeks ago. This is this is not fair. Well, Kari Sane had already beat Basler fair and square. In the middle of the May Young Classic to earn a shot at the women's title. <clears throat> oh, here comes Basler back in. Oh, here it comes Basler back down. Oh, what a spear from the Pirate Princess. Get out of that ring, Biatch. What a spear. And Basler now, maybe. Okay, go go to the back. Live to fight another day to get oh, saved. Well, she could get an easy shot on Kari Sane. It's not bad, Sane. Back was turned. <laughs> But she come unstuck and she got speared for her trouble. Well, Ember Moon is injured and she would have lost her title here tonight if it wasn't for Kari Sane coming out. Well, did Basler pin Ember Moon? She didn't, but... No, well then. Well then, did Ember Moon say, Kari Sane, come and beat the crap out of someone who unfairly beat you up while your back was turned? She didn't. She might no, have she didn't. done. No, she didn't. She might no, have done. She, she might didn't. have done. Kari Sane doesn't speak a word of English. And Ember Moon is African. No. <laughs> but Sane does speak the language of fighting and she just took out Basler there. She wants an opportunity. And oh, look, look, Basler, look. Go and, go and take your opportunity. Kari Sane's back's turned. Go on, Sane. Lay out Moon. Oh, and Sane making sure. Oh, Sane there. Fair play to Ember Moon. But, I mean, how exciting is the NXT women's title picture right now, Dan? That was fantastic, wasn't it, you know? That was bloody good, yes. Yeah, we'll yeah, give it that. really good. And I think it shows, well, I think the Basler beats Ember Moon one-on-one competition. So as we lead towards TakeOver, this is what we're going to try and get answered. I love the fact Kari Sane's entered the, uh, the field. What a fucking spirit it was. And I love the Pipe Princess from the May Young Classic anyway. But this has got a difficult question now, Dan. What are your thoughts on that match first? Yeah, you know, it, it did seem as if it was going to go one way, but we we will never know because a pinfall was never made, was it? Exactly. So we'll find out, hopefully, with TakeOver being uh, April 7th. We're going to work towards that. Like I said, we'll be back in NXT f- in three weeks' time. But now, I think it's quite difficult. Cause we only watched two episodes of NXT, and we've 205. What was better this month, 205 Live or NXT? Um, I'm going to have to go with 205 Live. Yeah? Yeah, I think, you know, it's starting to pick up its pace. Don't get me wrong, NXT has always been a constant and 
you know, it's always been going on great. Great match between Dunn and Strong for the uh, UK title. Um, but no, you know, I think now that 205 Live has found its feet, it's starting to pick up as a show and a whole product. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. If if we'd have had the Gagano CM match that we're going to have next week on this one, NXT might have aged it to me because we've seen the women if it is, but yeah, you can't deny the match quality on 205 Live. And after the kind of awful run of the, the rating, so this, uh, the, the awful run it had uh, recently with the show. You know, I think it's only fair that we award it this month. All right, so anything else, Dan, about anything? No. Okay, cool. So that is it for this month. Like I said, we'll be back three weeks' time for the WNR Network View for March. We're back next week for WWE versus WCW, the Monday Night Wars, focused on February 1998. Two weeks' time, we'll have WWE Elimination Chamber as well. So we're going to have... Loads of content coming out on the road to WrestleMania. We've got loads of things planned. And we've also got the podcast extra for the Mixed Match Challenge. we've got that coming up as well. Yes, the podcast extra. Keep your eyes out for that. Something special. Uh, I was thinking about only releasing it on Facebook because it's on Facebook. But then I don't know how to do that. So Anyway, (laughs) fuck it. Uh, Before we go, don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter or send us comments and stuff like this at WWE Network Review or at Vince McDan WWE. I'm at J underscore Rollins. We've also got a friend on Twitter. Yes, we have, and he's just trying to make the world a better place, and that is Mini Chris Benoit, and you can follow him at Mini Chris Benoit. <clears throat> Across all the Google platforms, WWE Network Review, Google Plus, send us an email, the WNR Podcast at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook. Facebook, yes, you can come and find our page and give us a like with the WWE Network Review Podcast, or you can come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, WWE Network Review Podcast. Latest clips go up there, same time. Uh, latest clips go, clips go up there daily. Podcasts go up at the same time to do other places like... On your phone. Don't forget Spreaker Radio. We're going to have our live shows uh, April 7th, April 8th, NXT TakeOver and WrestleMania Live. Our first ever WrestleMania Live pre-show. We cannot wait for that. And also, we've got the WNR 150 coming out. So keep your eyes posted for bits and pieces of that as well. Stitcher Radio. And iTunes, where you can download, subscribe, rate, and review there. I tell you what, Dan, as I said to the doctor, it's getting longer every week. I have been James Rollins, and as always, always joined by... Dan Mike. Thanks for listening, everybody, and bye. Bye. Well, we've got a pop quiz hotshot. There's a bomb on a bus. Once the bus goes 50 miles an hour, the bomb is armed. If it drops, it blows up. What do you do? What do you do?